All right, awesome. Welcome, Monsieur Olivier, to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is the interview show where we basically run through the life of super interesting people such as yourself, and then we extract knowledge nuggets from your journey. And uh, I'm like super excited for your one because believe it or not, while it's super fun to talk to rappers, the best stories come from the people who hang out with rappers because they're the people who are not necessarily like the MCs of life, but they happen to watch us all because we, those MCs, have this tendency to remember things how we like to remember things. And the story always paints us in a particular good light. I'm, I'm just notice, I'm included in that. It's super hard to like <laughs> actually That's make very that human separation. thing though. Very much so. But then we have guys like you, like the dude with the biggest CD collection probably in the city of like dope hip hop. Like the guy who's involved in the hip hop cafes and the radios and is at the end of the weeks and then you just catch him at the underground hip hop shows and he's just everywhere. So you're like in the scene, but you're not an artist in the scene. So that's like, that's a rare person. Y'all are like the backbone, blood, MVP, VIP types that honestly deserve probably more flowers than the artist or anybody else in it because y'all do it really for the love of it. And that's like the biggest thing. So I'm like super excited to hear your story and even just fill in the gaps for all the stuff you did I never even heard of because I know you've done a whole lot and it's more like you're not the easiest person to Google in terms of you know the situation <laughs> so you look into it and it's like oh shit he's like hanging out with that guy and those people are tagged in those pics but it's like how did it all get strung together anyway that's what we're here for so um if you want to give just at the beginning just a quick summary of who you are and what you do before we get into it i've learned that's a, a good thing and also just let us know where you were born sure uh, born in Montreal on the west west side, Saint Genevieve part of it. But um, basically, I'm a I'm a passionate about hip hop, and I'm 35 years old. And when I was 15 years old, I decided that my life was going to be evolving around hip hop. So I started to think about what would later become the hip hop cafe at 15 years old, and then I awesome. started also to between 15 and 18 to get into oh, we're gonna we're gonna go all kinds of details we're even gonna start it before 15. i just wow. want people to okay. see who you are a little you bit and that. ask that so um also just to get the part where you're from montreal because sometimes i ask that a little bit later and it makes my 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 real good first question less good if people don't know where you're from uh so let me just get this the ball rolling properly with my token first question i like to ask yeah. everyone um and it's a little bit of a story and i'm curious to see what it is for you too uh so one day my girlfriend's washing the dishes and she's got her cell phone playing that black eyed piece on that i got a feeling <laughs> and she's like dancing and she's vibing and she's doing her thing and this is like 2020 and i'm sitting there looking at this and i'm like yo hold on a second She's like vibing to this in a way that it's like exercise music. It's like activity music today. It's chores music. But if we think about this same very song, something like 10 years ago, we are all up in the clubs, real drunk, dancing around in circles and shit to this very song. And its whole purpose and vibe and role was a lot more party-esque. And then that party music, evidently, 10 years later, becomes chores music. And then I started realizing that music 
is kind of attached to time in that way where as time goes on, the vibe and purpose of a particular song is going to change in your life. So one thing I also realized is all the Cardi B's and everything today, that is absolutely going to be some future chores music for a whole bunch of kids growing up watching their moms dancing to this stuff while washing dishes, which I just think is an amusing thought considering the conversations today. But what it really got me thinking about is musical journeys. And how a lot of the times when we think about our own musical journey, we bring it back to like adolescence or the, the puberty era or in your case, you know, your first thought is when I'm 15, this happened. And that's because that's a lot of our own identities and whatnot. When we really consider musical journeys, it's the stuff we hear and the stuff that's in our environment. And that starts way before. In fact, it starts as early as you can remember. Like, you know, like three, four-year-old Olivier, he's he's cruising around Montreal doing his thing. But there's going to be a whole bunch of different sounds and things that made up your existence. Like in my case, I can remember being like four or five and my dad's got these like gray boxes, the amps and the tape decks and the radios. And they're all like attached to each other with wires to speakers and it's a blessed system. And he would play these like Led Zeppelin tapes and like rock and that kind of stuff. But then mm -hmm. at nighttime... You know, it was the MC Mario's and the dance music and all of that stuff. And then, you know, at Christmas time, we had these like EDM Christmas remix album that would get played every time along with the classics. And my mom had like these discos and stuff. And she had other things, but musicals, whatever. It wasn't my favorite. Either way, a lot of these different things were like a huge foundation to just the music I would be exposed to throughout my life. So I was hoping that you could start us off at like the youngest age you could remember and walk us through a little bit of the soundscape and the technologies of your your youth, like not youth, the youngest you can uh, be, like, and just what it sounded like. Hmm. See, that's the thing. I was born first of all, like I, I have a. In français, on dit un géniteur. I think that it's in, in English is genitor, mm -hmm. but it's for I don't have a father. I have somebody who gave sperm for me. I'll call okay. it this way. So I was born with a single mom. So she was not necessarily putting me into music. So I was not born in an environment where like uh, all different kind of records was playing, just like all the rappers you're listening. And then they're like, I was listening to this because my mom was like, I was not like that. I became a fan of hip hop because I fell in love with No Way Out. I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy. So No Way Out is the album of Puff Daddy where I'll Be Missing You was in there. And then at the same time, I am the French group dropped L'École du Micro d'Argent, which is probably one of the top three best French rap album of all time. So that's the first memory that I have of me with music. Even like not before music, that. like no kind of music, really, like not like your mom wasn't into anything, really. Not really. I mean, she was listening to the radio, but I mean. I can't really tell, I can't really tell you that this particular moment, like my mom did this or that influenced me in music. Like my mom, other than the business portion of my personality did not influence me in anything in my, in my career that I would like to pursue. She's really not into hip hop and she's not really listening to music that much for me. So I got into those two CDs and I, how when I was you, younger, uh, I used to do, like, research on, like, Jacques Cartier and stuff like that. So, like, random stuff, not for school, just for me personally. So when I started listening to hip-hop, I started doing the same thing with that. Hold on. Let's, let's so go I back started... to that. So you were, like, a young guy and you had access to a computer? How are you, like, researching this stuff? 
uh, I had a computer at my apartment where I lived with my mom, and I was just like, she, she gave me those two CDs, and at this point, I just started to go on internet, and then I'm looking for random hip hop, like all okay, of so it. So when, when did you get these CDs? Do you remember how old you were? I was grade six. I'm 35, so I think this is what like you'd be 98, 12. Like yeah, so 98 ish. All right, so that's when you get into. Well, I'm two years younger than you, so I can remember when I finished and I was in grade six. <laughs> I did the math on that. <laughs> um, but what about okay? Before we get into the, the hip hop stuff, which clearly comes at that point, what else did we, were you like? Because like, we like to ask about a, a few other things. Because I know it might be like. I we're trying to go there, but people like this regular shit. People love hearing about like if you were five and you like to draw. So are you like a drawing kind of kid? So if the music wasn't part of it, were there other stuff like sports or like what was the, oh, the kind was of passion? I was a hockey player. Uh, my mom, I started playing hockey at three years old. No my shit. mom gave me skates and I started playing hockey. And then I stopped when I was like 20... I don't want to lie, maybe like 21, 22-ish. And I stopped because that's the thing. I was playing hockey, but for many years, I was also working at the same time. I always liked like a crazy grind in me. And then at some point, I realized like, okay, I'm, I don't want to do the NHL. Like that has never been my, my goal in life. So I decided to leave hockey at like 22-ish. But I played sports, and that gave me a lot of the man that I am today. The leadership, uh, it gave me everything. So what three. music didn't give me at this point, sports give to me. But you're like three years old playing hockey. That's serious. Yeah, I started that, yeah. And so were you also into like other kinds of arts, like drawing or anything like that? At all. Like, I, I can't. Like, I suck in arts in general. Like, I'm not a good drawer. I'm, I'm not good at that. Like... Even you see this behind? This is a monkey. I managed him for three years. That's my man. I can't do that. Like, like mm -hmm. I can't. Like, I'm not good in that. I yeah. like that. I appreciate art. But for me, I'm more passionate about business and hip-hop. And in all the last 20 years, it was always me bringing those two passions together and trying to find mm -hmm. my way into all of that. Yo, you are a true treasure. Alright, I, I know this is definitely not a standard interview, but trust, I'm just going to keep going with it, and it's going to be one. I trust you. When you watch it good. after, you're going to be like, this is not what I was expecting, and it never really is. I'm all good with that. <laughs> Yo, shout out Rico Blocks, who came through. I saw all the love he was given beforehand, and now he's in here. That, that just deserves some praise, you know, because people... It's actually like, a dope MC from Laval, and I'm, Yo, big I'm hoping that he's uh, he's going to show our music soon, because he's been out for a couple of years, like, I think a couple of years now. And I'm looking forward to hear his new stuff. Shout out Rico mm. Blocks. Yo, shout him out. He came through very early on in this process. Uh, and uh, I know he's coming with stuff. I see him working on his EP. Um, which I think he said as a date. Anyway, that's, that's the Rico Blocks times. Uh, well, you but do know Rico Blocks from his old stuff, right? I only know him from the interview. I met him through okay. the interview. I listened to his old stuff. So I've heard a lot of it. Uh, and then I had a nice what, four hour, 20 minute fucking after editing conversation <laughs> with the guy. Um, and it was wonderful. It really was. It was a wonderful conversation, but I didn't know Rico blocks before that outside of Facebook posts. And that's my like experience with a lot of people. You're one of the only people I actually like in the current life that like, I know from like 2013, 
just because of the circumstances of like what you were doing then. Um, so let's let's go back to then. Like, so you're you're basically cruising through the athletic side of life. You're not very artistic. You're building that kind of stuff up. Uh, when you get to high school, is there like a hip hop presence there outside of you? At all, at all. Um, of course, in school, there's fans of hip hop. That's one thing. But having fans of hip hop in school doesn't necessarily bring you the passion or bring you into the hip hop world. Uh, I I have to say that I really did that portion on my own. Like, I had fans, but even the fans of hip hop today, I don't necessarily like the same kind of hip hop. So I never, like, I never relied on my school or my friends to be somebody in hip hop or to get knowledge in hip hop because I was always in an environment where I was the only hip hop dude that much. Yeah, that is like an interesting difference actually for most people and i wonder if it's like like you grew up french quebec if i assume yeah Yeah. so that would be a first for us too uh in this show to actually have like i mean i grew up most people are english quebec right or like Mm -hmm. in the case of rico blocks it was laval um which is just a different (laughs) place (laughs) but like so I think that's probably maybe even part of it too, right? So you went to French school. I went to English school. I went to Wager. Trust, it was not what you went through. It was, in fact, like I was hearing about Dipset before I knew that Dipset was worth knowing about kind of thing. <laughs> and I was like the opposite. And I didn't even appreciate what I had in front of my face. So you, if I understand correctly, then is hip-hop not popping for the French side of Quebec back then? Oh, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, so at this point, I was going to like, I started, I fell in love with hip hop like in grade six ish. So right. by the time I went to high school, I went to Calais Chalamoine. Calais Chalamoine is on St. Catherine City on the South Shore. And it's actually a school with Spaghetti Sud. So I played a lot of hockey in there. And like, this is one thing about me. Like, I didn't even want to see in school how many hip-hop fans they were like i needed that for myself not because i wanted to protect the hip-hop culture from nobody that's not what i'm saying but it's more like i needed this for me i didn't need any uh, like evaluation for any of my colleagues or people in the in different in the school that i was going to like i just research myself and then i realized that i was not the only one researching like that so mm. the five five years that i did in uh, in high school i realized that more and more people liked hip-hop and then a lot of my friends were founded because of that passion that we shared but i was not somebody who was influenced by others when it comes to hip-hop it was the other way around always so you're basically saying then if i understand it you're in 98, you get a computer, you get these first two CDs, and then you start researching hip hop. Is this like pre-Google? Like, or... That's, yo, that's, that's uh, not, too... if it's not Google, it's not too long before. But like, I'll be honest with you, it's really, really vague in that time. I don't think it was Google in that time. I think mm. it was more like, for example, I read, uh, I got subscribed to the source in a double XL magazine. So for me, that was my Google. So I got both actually, I got both at home. So I got the double XL, the source coming every month for like a few years. So I was always 
that was more my my Google until like I was able to make a lot more researches online. But I was always somebody who was searching for myself first. Yeah, that's really that's really nifty though. So you basically one of those guys who in Quebec was growing up on that source back when the source and them actually counted and the five mics meant something, etc. And that's so you're exactly the guy it. then that brings that back to your school and effectively helps contribute towards building this culture. I mean, at this point, I don't really see it this way. I'm just thinking about me loving something and wanting to show it. If you want to call it this way, I'm I accept it. But th- that was like not that. my purpose. I'll be honest with you. That was not my purpose at the time. No, but I mean, if it, it kind of just works out in, in, a, in a cultural situation like that, you're either the one that benefits off of it or you're the provider of it. So if you're the one seeking out the knowledge and then able to, and I'm not saying you're the only one, I'm like, you could have been 0.00002% of it, <clears throat> but mm. you're part of it. Cause it's more like, yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, this is what creates a culture. This is what creates like an industry. It's, not only one person, but like a whole amount of different entities that really focus on one thing and are passionate about one thing. So for me, like I knew at an early age that my career would be related to hip hop somehow. I was not going to be an artist. I was not going to be a rapper, producer, whatever you want. I was going to be an entrepreneur behind that. How did you get to that decision? Like that to me is the part where it's like, Wow. Um, It's a long stretch. Put it this way. I come from a place where I don't have a brother, a mother. uh, I don't have a brother, a father, or a sister. I only have a mother. That's all. That's all I know. And my mom, today we have a relationship where we're like cat and dog. Like, I love her to death, but sometimes we just don't get along. But I will say this, like, she is one of my greatest influence. Like she raised a young boy by herself. She, I played hockey for 20 years. Do you know how much it costs to play hockey yes. for a single mom? That's a lot of money. And I was able to do that. And she sacrificed a lot of things. I was able to know that for me to even travel in different countries, she had to do this and that. And all of this knowledge made me understand that I wanted to own my own business at a young age. And I always thought that it was important for me to be something that I not only appreciate, but that I was passionate about. And my learning in business and in leadership and in life in general is that in order for you to have success, you absolutely need to be in a field that you enjoy, that you're passionate about this is the way that you are going to be like really up to your 100% game. And for me, it was hip hop. But as I said, like, I'm not a rapper, I'm not a producer. So then what am I? I'm a fan. I buy a shitload of CDs every year. So initially the cafe, and we can talk maybe a little more later about that. (laughs) But initially it was that. It was about like creating a place where I can find mainstream and underground stuff. Cause at that time it was like in separate places and that evolved into the new version of the hip hop cafe of today. But between all of that, one thing, passion, I'm passionate about hip hop 
And nine to five to me, like I'm not a street dude. I was never raised in the streets. I was not raised in a situation where I had to go in the streets to get my money and my knowledge. So this is not the way that I'm going until I really have to. So this is very important because a lot of people, when they say they're real, they always read that to streets. That has nothing to do with being real, being who you are. Being real is staying true to who you are. I think this is what I'm doing. And I think that the knowledge that I've gained with all those years makes me in a way better position now to have any type of business about hip hop than somebody who haven't had that, that same experience, for example. I'd argue that you have a desire to run business in hip hop. That puts I'm sorry, you, much, you have a desire to run business in hip hop. Oh, definitely. definitely. No, no, no. Definitely. Just that sentence alone puts you at an advantage over a lot of folk who have, I mean, I hang out with a lot of artists and none of us want to really do the business. Like there's like a one, two that like love it, like really, really love it. But like, I'd say nine times out of 10, the artists I know are not a huge fan of the business part. Like we might dabble, but we're not like passionate about the business of it. It's more like we have to do the business of it. So just or you to have need a... to have somebody who does it. Yes. That's that. You don't have people to be are... you. Yo, it's, it's a lot harder with the ratio of people that are passionate about the business versus the number of artists to find somebody like you that is just available. Cause you're like the hot commodity and we're the dime a dozen at this point. And that's like a reality that I, I like on a data front that's unignorable. So it's like, there's a lot like managers choose who the fuck they want to work with a lot more than artists choose who they make. Want. You know, like you have to like, like, I mean, I, I, I bet from, and I'm sure from the manager's point of view, they're like, I can't find a single artist. And then the end, the producer's like, I can't find this. And everyone's just in boxes right now talking about how they can't connect in a sense is what I've also kind of noticed a little bit. But that's crazy though, because I actually do manage an artist and I co-manage uh, an artist called Dunny. And I co-manage this guy with Patrice Laflamme, who's the manager of Naya Ali. I don't know if you oh, know she, her, but she, I do know cool. her. She's so we, one of those. It's, it's really funny because what you said is true. The thing is that everybody wants to be a rapper or everybody wants to be a producer or in the artistry part of the equation. But the thing is that it can't be this way. You can't have like 20 producers and no manager and no PR, no this, no that. So this is one thing that I learn about that is that when you're an artist and you need something, you need to understand what your needs are. You need to put mm. them on a paper. You need to make sure that you reach out to the right people because you can't expect, you can't expect really to have a career or to do anything if you don't have people with you. That holding is for everything. Like Big if facts. I want to start a business, forget about music. I want to start a business, but I don't talk to nobody. Who will know about my business? Nobody. Big like facts. you and I need to hire I need to work with people and I need to talk to people. It's the same thing with you as an artist. Like you want to do this show, you want to do this festival, you want to leave the country. You can't do this alone. You need somebody with you. So if you're not able to have somebody work with you, I'm sorry to say this, but you're not gonna go that far. Because artists that also manage themselves are almost non-existent. They don't exist. Yeah, big truth. <clears throat> I'm. I wasn't saying like personally. I fucking love a manager. But then you get oh, to no, the no, question. No, I know. <laughs> the question <laughs> is, 
where like the other side of the fence is where I, I bet you me and every rapper I know has the same question. Olivier, how the fuck do I find a manager? Like, and that's the real hard part. I can find a manager, but usually I can self-manage better than that manager can in a sense, in the experience set and understand. And I don't even mean that because I'm cocky. I just mean like, we're talking like actual business sense, reading people, like the actual skill set that goes into this is complicated. Plus I need somebody then that knows how to tell me what to do. And that's a little bit complicated. You know what's hilarious? I hope he's watching. I was having that conversation with CL. I hope you're watching CL. Oh yeah, CL. So see that's the thing like uh, how I'll, do you I'll, find I'll follow a manager? up with him soon <laughs> like how do you find a manager first of all the same how do you find a business partner how do you find a girlfriend how do you find a see same thing you need to get out there you need to be in a situation where you either are in a position to meet possible invent, uh, managers or that you have artist friends that know managers that can refer to. But that's the first step. Like, you need to search. You can't just say, where do I look for a manager and not look anywhere? Like, hip hop is one thing, but you don't necessarily need a manager that is only in hip hop, depending on the people you find. There's a lot of people that have knowledge in many fields that can cover hip hop as well. So I look at it like it's um it's a ignorance thing, and I I say that because like I hear what you're saying, and I'm like nah. All of my life changed once I started networking and making an effort to like put time into networking. So I hear you, and I I genuinely believe it. But then I hit the same fucking roadblock every time I need somebody new. A new role appears, and you're like oh fuck. How do I even start the process of where to go? And I know like there's no quick answer. Honestly, it's kind of like what you're saying is you have to create the opportunities by like living. One, and also you don't need, for example, when I managed Monkey, I never managed any artist before. The prerequisite for me to have that job was not that I managed before, mm. was that I was on my P's and Q's. And if something needed to be done, it was done. And I had knowledge in hip hop and I knew people. I was no manager at all. So like, you're saying is I did so many, like person. I did journalism manager. I like, I, I did the sponsorship for the word of battles. I'm none of those. I'm no journalist, no German. Like I'm just a man, an entrepreneur who wanted to have a business. And for me to have that business, I got into different endeavors. That's all. So you don't need to find like a certified like that he got a diploma from university. No, you need to find somebody on his grind who is willing to work for you and who is willing to take your name and put it to another level. This is what you need. And on top of that, this guy or this lady needs to have like entrepreneurial skills because you can't have a manager that is shy to speak to people. You can't have mm. people representing you that are not going to go see other people for you because you're going to stagnate and stay in the same level all the time. So really the manager is just there to go talk on your behalf. One thing, that's one thing, but also that depends. I mean, you can have a manager 
and have a booker and have a PR, or you can have a manager and no PR, no booker. So if you have no PR, no booker, then the manager has to do all those jobs. Mm. So you're saying the manager has to do all the shit you otherwise aren't hiring other people to of do. Course. Of course. I mean, like, let's say, for example, my man is the manager of Fuki. Fuki is one of the biggest French rapper right now, like big time. Like he's doing crazy numbers. And I mean, he does this, he does Clay in France as well. And Fuki and Clay and Friends, they don't do anything else than perform and create their songs. That's their job. So your job as an artist, if you really want to succeed, is to find people that believe in you mm. so that you can build a team. Look at Raccoon. Raccoon is doing that right now. Raccoon is blowing up right now. I literally have no idea who Raccoon is. Raccoon is, he actually did the uh, Under Pressure with you this summer. That's crazy. Ra <laughs> Raccoon is the uh, is one, my, one of my favorite French upcoming rapper. I don't think that he's 25. Like, he's very young, but he's so good. And he's really, like, being pushed in a lot of crazy major outlets in the French side right now. But he has a manager. And the manager is doing all the talk for him. When he came to Under Pressure, manager came in first. That's it is. It's somebody like when I manage Dunny and when I go in somewhere, I'm with Dunny. I'm there. I mm. represent him all the time. This is what needs to be done with people with art. But the thing is that they always believe that it's not necessary or that it's not this and that. Or they don't want to focus on anything else in the art. That's cool. But then you end up doing nah, that. Nah, there's a whole other one. It's trust. Yo, do you but know how hard But trust comes with the managing but here's like, uh, but trust issues. But it's it's like it's complicated a little, and I, I know for like okay, so this is one of those conversations where like I'm sold on everything you're saying personally, but at the same time I feel all sides of it because I also know what it's like to sit there and like not literally be willing to hand over control of things, which is what it feels like. Like, and I know it more from the behind that suit side of my life, which I've never really felt like it's art. It's a content thing right so it's mm -hmm. really easy to detach but then it's like so you know somebody takes over a part of it now maybe they're not doing it to the same threshold of the standard and you have to like let go and learn to let them do their thing with it and that's the part that i find like the super hardest with it so it's like you have visions and all these things you attach to inside of your head and then you know it's you you get attached to it and then you feel like nobody's ever gonna get it and a bunch of shit you you kind of convince yourself of it isn't real but you convince yourself of it. So I, I feel like it's more of like a trust thing where you don't this, really. And this is my opinion about what you just said. <clears throat> but I think this is lack of confidence in yourself. And here's why. Because if really you were creating your art and trusted it and showing it to a manager, you wouldn't worry about that. Because the job of the manager is not to change you at all. It's not to Ooh. tell you like, cause you're, there's managers, there's A and R's. That's two different things. Like a manager is not necessarily A and R. Cause, cause A and R is somebody who's a lot more of this, really. Like, just to add to it, a lot of the label language, like manager is in label language more than it's not. And I feel like there's a lot of negative stigma that gets attached to it where like, 
Yo, honestly, I'd change my mind. If there was a good label now that wanted to run my shit for me, I'm signing in a fucking second. Like, that's it. If there's a deal's good. Because that pff, gives and me this the resources. Is, this is another thing that is so, like, people think that all the deals are slave deals and all the major label sucks. And this is like, this, this is, this is crazy to me. Like, it's like people wanted labels to help them do their stuff. And when that happened, well, no, I'm not going to go with there. You're going to decide this and that. See, this is the thing. This is an urban myth. Like, for example, you go to Joy Ride or you go to Setsam Sierra tomorrow morning with a project. They're not going to tell you, like, if they appreciate your music, they're not going to tell you shit about how you should do it. They're just going to like the music, propose you the deal, and then you agree or not, and then you make a modification. So they're not going to not agree or disagree with you. Like, this is an urban myth. You need to stop thinking that manager's job is to just put you on the commercial radio necessarily trap. A manager's job is just to get you going, pretty much. Mm. And it's all the little jobs that are nice or not nice that you can do so that you can your artists can blow up. So you shouldn't be afraid to have a manager. Because actually, that's the thing. You choose it. You decide who works for you. Because that's really the thing. He works for you. Mm. So why would you be afraid or worried to showcase your own music to somebody that you hired i mean i don't have a good answer to that because i'm not but like i hear what you're saying and, and i love this conversation this is beautiful uh because it's it was not for you personally <laughs> no nah, i didn't take it like that um honestly if any of y'all want to manage me holla but like like it's uh it's just the way you're bringing this down it's so fucking i i literally watched a youtube video like two days ago from a dude that uh went into one of the majors atlantic or one of the majors back when there were seven majors <laughs> and he like talked to everybody and did podcast around it and he's like yo literally almost parroted what you just said about this urban myth and how it's not really what it is and certainly there are 360 deals and they are what they are but like even then i don't think people understand the value of what's brought to the table with that I'm just going to like leave it there. But what is the difference then, right, between the manager and the A&R? Because, yeah, that's still a good question. A&R is more somebody who's going to tell you, like, for example, you should uh, bring more melodies in. You should have, I don't know, right now we're, I, I'm creating, I'm inventing for the, your example, but let's say we're in a Griselda-esque movement right now. So, a and R say, you know what? I know that you're a little more trappy-ish usually, but you know what? Griselda's popping right now. You should have at least one track or two that is really grimy like this. Uh, this is an A and R. An A and R is literally like giving you advices on how the music should sound. And right. I don't know if you went to because uh, I know that you're a big fan of End of the Week and in a in a the EO Zoom. But I don't know if you've been to the EO Zoom where Mr. Mech was. Mr. Mech is the A&R of Buster Rhymes. So the guy was literally telling, talking to us about how he A&R the whole new Buster Rhymes album. That's crazy. Like, it's all about, a manager is more like the day-to-day. -day. Like, he makes sure that 
the artist is being taken care of, that he needs, he has everything that he needs or that she needs to perform or to, to do whatever he or she needs to do. And A&R is more eye on the music itself. So there's a good question from Ismail that just popped up. Why don't we hear a lot about A&Rs? Like they kind of wow. just stopped being a topic. To be honest with you, I think that A&Rs are a lot more present in the States than in here. If you would have Mama and Dunny in here, Dunny would meet, would tell you literally, we need black A&Rs right now in Quebec. This is what we need, black A&Rs. Because we have no A&Rs whatsoever. Like even in Septième Ciel, even in uh, all the labels, uh, name them, like uh, Joyride, Septième Ciel, Coyote Records, there's not really any A&Rs. So just to add to is an because I thought this was also the same thing. This is from Le Crivien, uh, 01. A&R is not the ones that look for the new talent. Like, I thought they were the ones that scouted new talent mostly. Like, I thought that was, like, their job. That's part of their job. That's part of their job. Let's say that they're A&R. I should call Mushri A&R for Shady Records, for example. And then I do find talents. But when I find talent and then the talent is performing, I also have my word into the kind of music that is making. So, yes, you are correct. They also do. But see... Town search is, is for everybody. I mean, Eminem, like it's not so, it's not A and R who found Eminem and presented Eminem to Dr. Dre. Right. He just went right. to Dr. Dre. Right. So, so the A and R is like the manager of a sound, whereas the manager is the manager of a life. Kind of, if you want, kind of. Like and also, the thing is that the job of the manager will be influenced by the fact that. Are you signed to a label or are you not signed to a label? For example, with Monkey, we weren't signed to any label. So there was no Booker, no A&R, no this, no that. It was just me and Monkey. But if we were signed to Joyride Records, well, we would have somebody assigned to PR. We would have somebody assigned to Booking. We would have somebody assigned to somebody else. I would be the manager, but... All the other entities would take care of all the other jobs. So my manager job would become less than if, let's say, I manage an independent artist. So it depends mm. as well who you manage. So basically on the managerial side, should you choose to be a manager, it's mad important to be privy to that fact too. So like I understand project management real well. So the scope of what you just said is like, I mean, when you, when you think about like an artist as a project, there's like the social media campaigns, there's that this, there's that. We really break it all down and each of these is a role or you're the manager of like a, it's almost like if you're managing a signed artist, you can manage a bunch of people because you got more time almost. And if kind you're of. doing independent people, you're kind of locked into a one, two maximum just on the actual time it will take to dedicate to, to pushing, which is super nifty. So it's like as an artist, if you want to be independent, you have to, find a manager that's willing to run that shit versus if you want to do the label, it kind of changes the type of manager you need to find. Of course. I mean, you want to, you want a best example? Look at Griselda. You're talking about a movement that was super independent, super underground. Look at them. They got a joint deal with Shady Records and, and uh, not Rockefeller, but uh, De is it Dev Jam? They're signing Jay-Z as a managing deal. Rock Nation. They sell on Rock Nation and Shady Records. And listen to the sound they're doing. 
they have no commercial sound whatsoever. So that Griselda era really brought me to, you could do whatever the fuck you want, really. Yeah. You really just need to have people pushing you. They have a team, they have managers, they have PR, they have all of that. And look at them. They have billboards when 21 Savage has no billboards and one is way more popular than the other. That's crazy. Yo, I didn't even think about it like that, but that is crazy. Yo, you're giving me cool ideas with this shit, honestly, because uh, teams is a big subject on my mind a lot and there's a lot of things happening and I'm like, hmm, I can't do everything. I'm fucking dying trying to do everything. It's not fun. You shouldn't <laughs> do anything. And that's the thing, like, even... I'm reading a lot of business book and even like in business in general, like you shouldn't be alone. Mm, like you I, make a lot more money with a team. Just to like Maybe. give props to all the people that are like now like, hold in. I thought we were all like squatting up. Yes, we are building up the team. Everyone involved <laughs> in the team. Don't we no disrespect. But even still, not all of y'all want to be copywriters, do you? That's what I thought. It's, it's hard to find a copywriter and a keyword person to the same degree as you can find a fucking DJ. <laughs> <laughs> there are other rules. But um, no, it's really cool. I, 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 I really love this chat. It's like not exactly where I thought I was going to go, but I also knew this wasn't going to be a standard thing because you're not an artist. It's not like you're more like a completely different dude, but still... I want to go back a little bit to your life because we haven't even touched on all of the amazing things you've done on your journey. You're basically just still in high school as far as your journey goes. And then we we talked about all of your, you managed to plug yourself really cleverly in ways that most people can't do because you were a real businessman. I really love that you did <laughs> how you did this. I'm, I'm like impressed with it. Uh, so let's say in high school, do you like start any kind of entrepreneurial hustles or anything like that to get the ball rolling? Or is this like a post high school life thing? That's a post high school. Like I started thinking about it when I was in high school. I started doing my market analysis when I was in CJ. And the way I did it is that this is how I met Monkey and all those people. I met like... 30 to 40 people that was in the, in the, in the industry, well, in the community of hip hop, French and English. And, you know, when you do a market analysis, you go see different like customers or brands or this and that, that are yes. related to your, I did the same thing. I contacted artists from like French and English side. And I went to see all of them, about 40 of them. And that was part of my market analysis. This is how, I started and at that can point you, can you tell us more about this because yo I I love market analyses I mean but I've also I'm spoiled I do this shit online and we can peep Twitters and shit like you really don't have to do like what you had to do can I was tell a, us? <laughs> it was probably less uh, you probably have better results than what I had in the past but basically it was just like going to see one artist after another and then getting their feedback about my business, about what their opinions were, what should be the well, like what the critics would have would be, what they thought that would maybe be a barrier to my project, and that plus also did a uh, a survey with the the different clientele, like more Mister Misses everybody this time. And this, like the combination of both made me realize that there was a need for a place for hip hop. And that was, 
that was yo that was in tech one that c cjep one cjep first year that's when i started everything and at that so point like, i knew there was a need i knew there was a need for a hip hop place and we're in 2021 and that never changed so i Hold knew on, i was wait. going in the right you were, but that's big what you're saying. See, I, I sometimes people say shit that to me is just like profound, especially in your tactics, because part of what I'm hoping to do with this interview series is get people to think about more of the things that you need to think about. And I, like, I've done a lot of marketing kind of shit through my day job more than like through hip hop. This is more like I'm taking those skills and applying them here now, mm -hmm. but one of the things that you do is a competitor analysis or, but you also do a client analysis. You do a product analysis and you do a lot of different analyses that are like kind of specific. And what you said here is first you went and found like 40 artists, which is pretty fucking big that you could find 40 artists in 2004 or whatever. So just to say like how many people are actually in the city, I bet all 40 of those people for the most part are either around or for the most part, or like could be active. Like it's crazy how many people are in this scene or could at any day just come back to it kind of thing. It's, it's a lot of people. But then you also went and talked to the regular people. I don't know how else to call them. I use that language and people are like, what do you mean by regular people? So I know it's a terrible fucking way to put it, but I mean- But I know what you mean though. I know what you, you know mean. marketing. You get what yeah. I mean. It's um, it's with regards to like, when you're in an industry of some kind, everybody's playing a role. And then there's your consumer, your end user, the regular people. The, everybody's playing the role for those people. Otherwise, what are we all doing? It's kind of like when you when you build a software, everybody there's the coders, the this, the that, the designers. Everybody's playing a role. Yo, coders and designers, yo, it's like fucking oil and water. They do not think the same. It's fucking crazy. Project managers bring it all together and shit. But at the end of the day, you know who like often the, the people forget to talk to and look at is is the end user the consumer so the fact that right off the jump your inception point is to also consider these people and the artists because you're like little like observation is take a murker miyagi facebook post 150 fucking likes sometimes if you actually do a breakdown of uh industry people to like fans it's like 85 percent rappers and shit that like his posts, which means if you try to take that as an evaluation of fans, it's a weird way to look at fans because every yes. artist fan is really like, yo, he's a studio beat guy and you're a rapper. Like, psh, come on, let's be real. You can all be fans of each other, but like, none, you know, none of us should be like, the money's not really coming in in that equation per se. It's not what I would call real fans, true fans, people that. Like, yo, Ismail Gadamsi is my like case study. This dude just bought CB Max album because it was dope that kind of person those are the people like I'm, I'm more saying it for everyone else and and so like it's just like when you're looking at it and making these breakdowns then it's just cool to me that like other people do that because i feel like more people need to start to almost section off who's they're talking to with regards and relations to who they are in the scene and understand the roles of everybody a little bit better so you understood from that point that there needed to be a place that would bring the fans and the artists together? Yeah, definitely. And also just because, I mean, hip hop for me, hip hop has been big for so long. And I mean, when when people try to have like a radio and then 
with being told that it's almost like nobody really wants to have that radio. This is why there's no radio. This always makes me laugh because it's like we're talking about the biggest culture on the planet. Quebec is not any different because put it this way, if you look in 2020 in the top five in all the artists being listened to in Spotify, I think four or five are in hip hop. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't deny that. So for me, it was always a fight to tell people that. And also there's one thing, because I don't know how it is on your end, on the English side, but for me, when I was growing up, hip hop was always like a young, not professional thing. So even to my mom, when I was telling her that I was going into hip hop and she was always like not really believing. And even to this day, like I'm having issues with her about that because for her, it's not really a real thing because she doesn't understand it. Mm. But I understood it for a long time ago and still to this day. And to this day, you can't tell me that hip hop is not the most Yo, influential culture on the planet. Um, I would say that uh, it used to be like that for sure. I know that my parents, I mean, I grew up in a situation where for some reason my dad had Jay-Z albums in the house when I was 12 for a minute. Like, I'm what? sitting there with, like, okay. Volume 3 is in the house and DMX is in the house and Doggy Style is in the house. And so I'm bumping these all at, like, 12, 13 without any understanding, my guy. But I your father understand. likes this? Like, like he enjoys I, that? No. He had this guy <laughs> he was hanging out with who he was bonding with on some other shit I don't want to get into in detail. Younger dude, but, like, 20 where i'm like 12 and so he's feeding him the cds on some bonding shit and i wasn't supposed to know they were there i think because it wasn't like i just found them and i used to take them to school and bump them and shit mm -hmm. so i know it's been around here for a minute but in my case my parents just thought it was like profane i had to deal with the cussing situation and it wasn't a very clean genre and that was more my struggle with it and anyway that's that's a whole other point so like i know that I don't know how good or bad the English scene sounded. I know that people say Shades of Culture was legitimate, legitimate opening for Backstreet Boys. Um, I don't. I, uh, I don't recall that, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be surprised. And Maybe. then I would say by the time I'm not really cognizant of shit like that before 2010, mostly because YouTube's there. But like, I blast made it into the call center. Like regular civilians were bumping I blast music like just like that like it was in around the but in like 2003 and shit i'm in high school i don't really i'm listening to like 50 cent and shit i'm like that white kid obsessed with eminem like eminem happened right so yes. all of my parents knew what an eminem was and knew that i was obsessed with eminem and so they weren't really like stopping me from that well they tried but um so i don't really know <laughs> a lot about the local scene i'm piecing it together now as I'm like on this journey, Rico blocks can probably attest a lot more to the state of how serious it sounded. It was taken, but I get the feeling that it wasn't until like 2005, six, that the quality levels start to improve. Like that preach on Cobia 2006 album is solid sounding to this day. It aged really fucking well. Um, but, but you're talking about what exactly? Because that's the that's thing. local hip hop. You're talking right. about local hip hop on a French side or on the English? English. Side? This is English. So okay. as of like 2006, I know it sounds like solid because I found a whole bunch of solid sounding shit, but I can't say anything prior to 2006. 
I mean, off the top right now, like, I'm not really good with years, so, but I mean, yeah, Shades of Culture, definitely, Eyeblast. Like, do you know who he's affiliated to? You know who Blicky is? Like, Eyeblast yeah. is now affiliated to to uh, Reps Up, Reps Up Ovo, Reps Up, that's the, that's like Drake's cramp, that, that's yeah. Drake's camp. Um, but see, that's the thing about English side of Montreal. I used to do uh, journalism for Ghetto Z and taking care of the English portion of that radio show. And that that's the thing, the French and the English side, when it comes to hip hop, unfortunately, that's really two worlds in a yeah. sense where one, unfortunately, not know the other. But yeah, so, uh, Shades of saying, Culture has uh, been a while. But Blicky's there, like, and since so Blicky is like old. late, though. So Blicky, like, when I say late, as in, because uh, you're like coming into this 2004 or five, right? So you're actually before what Montreal picks up at that point in time, like in your story. Because, like, uh, the French side, I don't know how serious it was outside of Quebec or French hip-hop in general. I don't even know at all where the state of French hip-hop was at outside of it. I know English hip-hop's lit, and the English community, it had broken through, and all of my generation's obsessed with rap music from that point on. All of our parents know it's real. And then Rico's saying, let's say, as of 2007, everything's starting to sound legit on the English side. That's a fact. So, and he's saying the French side was starting to sound legit late 90s, early 2000s. But I don't know what the rest of the world French hip hop sounded like. Because that's where I would have just been. Because, yo, back then it was like, yo, French hip hop's a joke. Yo, we used to just laugh at it. Like the idea of French music, and I'm sure this is tied into my parents' language politics more than any real things. No, nope, but... because it was part of me too. You see, <laughs> that's funny. When I first started listening to rap and then I heard French rap. I think one of the first French rappers that I heard was Cédric. Cédric is a very like old timer French MC and I respect his contribution into the culture as of today. But let me tell you that Olivier 20, like 20 years, 15 years ago, did not really appreciate his music. So for me, I started to get more into the American side of the hip hop because what I listened to in French at that point, to me, sucked. Literally. That's before I heard Sans Pression. But it wasn't like hip-hop. It was like all French music here. Kind of. It's like watching Canadian TV <laughs> was what it felt. And I don't mean this in like a way. It could be completely no, no, no. just my memories. No, no. But it felt like the entire Quebec media scene outside of whatever was on TV was like weaker. Like the music wasn't as good. Like it was like just not as good you used to hear the french stations as you'd trickle on through and you used to try to listen to some french and you're like yo this isn't lit and i don't think it was just the language because france france that shit was always lit that's got some timeless shit going on in there but like i don't know if it, so i guess i just typecasted the whole french music quebec music i'm like I nah think it's, i think it's a I'm confidence out. problem to be honest with you more than talent like put it this way there's no talent problem that we have in Quebec, whether it's in French or in English, or as I like to call it, you see our beat making scene is the same thing as Quebec guardians, like Quebec goaltenders in hockey are very popular in the NHL right now. This is exactly the same thing for Quebec's producer. They're very popular right now. They're popping a little bit here and there, but the French, the thing is that 
I think that even for French right, it took a lot of time to just realize that we could have something on the same professional level as the English side. That took a lot of time. Because even myself, I started listening to English stuff before French. Let's also just add the context that prior to 2007-ish, getting gear was way harder. I've, I've talked to enough people that they've painted it 2005-ish is around when it got accessible. And it wasn't until, like, yo, by the time I come into the game, like, you could have home studios. So we're talking 2012. Yeah. So that might also just be part of why the sound wasn't lit because who was putting the money into the studios and who is running that business? Because, yo, if you ever walk up to a person with nine figures and talk music, they look at you like, bro, I'm going to go buy more paintings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music's volatile. How can you confirm your ROI? Thanks. And I'm like, shit, you got a point. It's a lot harder to prove an ROI in music. So to even get that initial grant for that first label, for that first, it must have taken like mountains of fucking effort that but, was like hard. But then again, like having like, because you're talking about different stuff that are not necessarily like, for example, like having a grant for a label, then for example, my man, Mirko, he was the executive producer for all of the OBO the Chef's album. And then Obiela Chef is one of the greatest French rapper ever. Like, hands down. Like, even French people in France are calling him a goat here. And, like, it took my man Mirko, I think, three albums to get, like, an executive producer recognition. So, I mean, I think that people in here in Quebec are not really doing their homework about what it takes to be in a business. And also people need to stop taking the hip hop business as a plan B or as a side job. If people really want something to happen, it needs to be their fucking focus. It needs to be what they, their plan A, B, C, D, and Z. That's the main issue in my case for here is that people are not really taking this seriously. Yeah, that's a big because they always think that in Quebec we're not gonna succeed, we're not gonna go this and that, and then they take this as a plan B. Well, of course you're gonna take this as a plan B and not succeed. That's that's for sure. You hold up on the French side, they feel like that too. In all of it, 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 it's the same thing in French or in English. Like I speak to all kinds of people every week in all the like French side, English side, and it's the same thing. Like. Yo, that's like baffling to me. You need me, to right? treat this as a business. There is like this myth, I think, on the English side, and I might even partly believe in the myth. That's why I was so baffled. Is that like the French shit has like all these media outlets and all these things that exist, whereas it feels, and I know that the English side actually has so much that we just don't know about. Like, there's so much out here. And uh, it just looks like all the numbers are higher on the French side. All the things look fancier on the French side. So they must all be feeling better about it. But it's so like, we're all the same. Yeah, but at the, end of the, at the same time, there's a thousand French group. There's four group being promoted. So, I mean, it's not really different from the English and the same French team. Of course, okay, I'm sorry. Yes, it might be a little different because in English, there's really no grants whatsoever like there's not nah, a lot of grants in that's a fact well unfortunately you can go for, like the canada ones but like yeah but that's canada. the thing like when you're francophone i think that you can apply for the quebec and the canadian one but if you're anglophone 
I mean, I think you only have to go. You only you options only have to go to the federal one. There you go. So see, that is a problem in itself. Like I'm not going to change it by saying it's a problem, but it is a problem. It definitely is. Mespanske, French people. That is one thing also because those options are available. In my opinion, that brings a little laziness sometimes to some people. Because for an English cat to have that same money, guy needs to, person needs to be like on his P's and Q's like all day, leave the country, do this, do that. For French people, it's easier. So sometimes yes. I, I feel like they, they, they rely on that. I like, honestly, like I, I just figured I'm going to just get promoted at work and finance it that way. <laughs> it's not a plan B. It's really not. It was an edge. You know, if I wasn't learning what I learned at work, I couldn't do what I'm doing today. So, like, the day that that stops being useful, I don't know. It's education and money. Pff, come on, man. Of course. Yeah, of course. Don't, don't, that. don't leave that. But I also don't have, like, the kind of job that is, like, what you would, like, you're, look, like, I, I make comments sometimes where I don't think a lot of people are really doing what I do at work, where I Google all day and I make project plans and, like, I understand how to better manage time and I learn politics, a lot of politics. Cause yo, when people are worth 80 to 120 K and objectives are on the line, it's not the same game as like a yep. call center. It's not like these people have second mortgages and that bonus matters. Mm-hmm. And that bonus means you're not getting your bonus because their objectives and your objectives are in dire opposition. So now how are you going to meet in the middle so that everybody gets a kind of worse bonus? <laughs> <laughs> But that's like the realities of shit that you go through. And I'm like, yo, wait a second. That's going to help me in life. This is good skill sets to learn. And it has all of this. But like, yo, the, like if it was still the call center or it was like a factory or something, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't think I would still be working. I'm still learning from the call center. <laughs> I learned a whole lot from the call center, my man. I'm still working at Desjardins until the coffee reopens. I'm learning. No but, this is, but this is one thing about my understanding of work is that I decided to take all the work and learn from it and take that knowledge and apply it to my business. This is what I decided to do. So I'm, as I said earlier, I'm not a street dude. I'm not like I was not put in force to be in that situation. So I'm never going to pretend that I'm somebody like this, but I learned a whole lot just by working at farmer priests and working in, in different stops and different, like I, I worked since oh, I was like 13 patch. years old. So I started early and I, I understood Where early did you get a job at 13. I was what a ref. You? I was a ref in baseball league in the South shore. Yeah. That's big. That's, job. <laughs> I sucked. Like I never played baseball in the first game of my life. I actually kicked out my best friend, who's actually the father of my. Uh, uh, how do you call that in English? Monfiel, son God. That's the godson. father of my son God. Godson. Godfather. I'm the godson. godfather of his son, and I kicked yeah. him out. That's crazy. That's the first job I ever had. But I mean, after that, I. Would, this is, it's all about the realization. Like, you well, need I something. I, I, I did, like, for me, the call center was just, like, where I started. But I know people who, I have one person in mind who the environment never changed. 
And that's the thing for me is the environment can't be static for too long. And my job has changed every year almost. It is not the, every year. It's like different. It's like this evolving. You like that. I don't know how you can grow in a static environment is where I'm at in life. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at that. This to me isn't a static environment. Every interview is a fresh challenge to force me to work on my papal skills and shit like that. Nice. Like it's, it's, it's a challenge. And then how am I going to manage it? It's challenges every day. In fact, I am like not the best at it. I have had some cranky pants moments in the last couple of months, but at the same time, I'm like, yo, what if it was millions of dollars? I don't want to have to learn how to do this with millions of dollars at the stake. Yo, that sounds terrible. I don't want to lose 50K because I had a cranky pants moment. But I can guarantee you that sometimes it could be the best way to learn. True. But if you can just learn, you know, and just, I mean, yo, I, I'm not saying that it's not the best way to have severe moments, but I am totally down for risk mitigation as much as possible. I'm not maybe the most aggressive entrepreneurial soul. <laughs> That's I, I'm, I'm a customer service specialist optimized. I'm like all about the like other I'm like everything a salesperson can do to keep your money. Okay. Like it's just the opposite game. And I'm just as good at that. But I'm not aggressive as fuck. I'm just like passive with it. And it's complicated for monetization and things like that. But real good for reputation. So it's it's like a trade off. Nah, I don't know. I got a little distracted there. But um, all I have to say, like, I think the idea of working in the same environment like a call center, which I did for years, and having the same calls come in, you can extract X amount of knowledge before you've memorized the patterns and the unique cases don't come fast enough. And that's more what I meant. Like, that's all. It, it's like I like, I think, and then as an artist, I never run out of things to write about because my life has never been the same year over year. I never get every day is different and you can write about anything. And also your art history is not only uh, like including music, you're now including your podcasts and your other projects into your art history. So not only are raps define you, like I'm not speaking to you right now because you rap. Nah, that's true because nobody did. (laughs) <laughs> that's the truth of it at 25 years old when you were a rapper if that's all you is and i don't mean this disrespectfully but nobody with money is talking to a 25 year old that's just a rapper is what i found out and that took me a few years to learn but once i became an album reviewer all of a sudden interest in me changed and then once i added more and more and more all of a sudden interest in me elevated there to new go. levels because you added also credibility and stuff that I were not necessarily put together in the same project. Yeah. But, and then I realized that it's not just like why I picked 25 is it's my arbitrary adulthood number. Now I would argue 25 is the new 18 and just stats would prove that that's when people tend to right. leave home universities done society's changed. People live 40 years longer. 18 is a weird adulthood age. I'm mm. just saying. I'm not saying drugs ages and shit should change. We're just saying like, it's not the, the same like metric of life. So up until that point where you're considered a real adult, like you can dibble and dabble all you want. And that's when you get lucky. And that's where like, yo, young people, I'm sure they all hustle and grind, but they can just do things that people above the age of 25 can't like not sleep. I'm sorry, but there's no way you can compete on like a no sleep front with a 21 year old on his grind. <laughs> These guys can just do uh... shit. 
I'll be, I'll really be honest with you. It really depends on how passionate you are. Because I, I can guarantee you that there's entrepreneurs that are 50 year old that they, they do not sleep. I don't know how so, people live like that. Every time I say that, that does come up. Maybe I'm just somebody that needs sleep and it's just kind of who I am. I can be. Like, see, that's there. the thing. You need sleep. But whenever you'll be in something, I'm not saying that you're not something that you like right now with everything, but whenever you have a project that you're a thousand percent passionate about, and this is what's going to make you live and your children live as well, I can guarantee you, you're not going to have the same conversation with me because I understand what you're saying. sick though. I used to push it all the time and then I started getting physically sick and I ran the numbers and I realized that the loss of time on recovery was compromising things more than actually getting adequate sleep. Yeah, so but at I, the same time, you're talking about you right now, no kids, oh, uh, yeah, not yeah. not sleeping, you, not taking care of yourself. You are correct. You said no kids and I'm going to back the fuck out because you said kids and what you said before and actually that's a huge factor that changes everything and I don't know fuck all about being a parent. Everything. But 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 even before that, like like that's one thing. Me, I'm somebody who drinks energy drink all day. Like like I've been like mm. a addict for a while, and I'm trying to stop right now because I I I'm 35 and I now realize that your body's your temple, and you may have as many projects as you want, but if your body does not follow, your projects are fucked. That's kind of why I sleep more. It was more on that tape. There you go. I said there you go. my body was like, you're getting sick when you're doing these days. Three, four days in a row. It's almost like clockwork. If I have less than four hours of sleep for three or more days in a row, guaranteed sniffles. But I'm a vocalist. Mm. So this impacts me. Having the sniffles for two weeks means maybe I can't. That happened one time. I couldn't record for two fucking weeks because mm. I had this. And I'm like, hold in what is the most important thing here and it's like that's what a 21 year old i can't compete with in that regard that's where i was going with it like there are just facts too like so but we can time manage and then we can do things can in ways that are way different there's no way like most but anyway i'll have to say it's like different grinds but when you're 21 you can put all your time and energy into just being like an artist 100 percent, right and if it doesn't work out cool you can then evolve it and add things at like 25 26 whatever but if you're getting into it later trust you want to be coming into it with some humility and doing a lot more you should always no matter what what age you're coming in come with humility but the i mean you should definitely get involved the younger as possible like if you know for a fact that you have any artistic endeavors and that you know you want to get there you should focus on that right now 100 truth honestly i made a huge mistake i was talented and i just waited till i was like 24 25 and then i tried to like catch up and i discovered that another thing that changes at 25 is all your friends have jobs and they don't want to go to the bar on friday so it's a very different game that's another thing and that's crazy because we don't realize it but we're growing older and the hip hop fans are going like it's it's like before they were like 20 and more and now they're like 15 and more 14 and more oh shit like, that's something else i didn't consider but you're right earlier than that like 
for example, I'm thinking about Fuki. Fuki is one of the like. I appreciate the guy. He's a good guy. It's not really my kind because I'm more like a Griselda type of guy. But he's getting crazy, crazy attention. He's 21 years old, 22 years old. It's getting crazy, but he's just like going in, having some fun, and following his fans. That's the thing. He has fans, and he's following them. Yo, but a lot of these dudes. Um, so I started interviewing a couple of people in this age group, and I had this realization: they were like 12 on YouTube, and so imagine being 12 on YouTube. All of a sudden, you can just have untethered access to music. And they all did the same thing. They went to Pac while they went to Drake. While they were, they, they just listened to all of it. But they were also listening to Cranberries and whatever yep. else they can find. So they have these really... They don't believe in genres like we do. That is one thing that the youth are going to eliminate. Because they don't give a fuck about cultural genres the way that... Like, that's where, like, hip-hop preservationists... Maybe there is a threat for the idea of the hip-hop culture that the kids don't give a fuck about the culture I don't in think regards so. to genre lines. They might like the culture as a culture, but from a musical perspective, genre lines are blurring. These artists are trying to do everything. And I'm seeing this in a lot of people that are... What I mean is, like, older artists, like, where we grew up, you did your thing, and you were, like, that for your whole career. These kids are more like i can just go make rock this week and then flip it to this next week and then flip it to that next week and that's just cool in a way that's never happened before so that's kind of what i mean that's a fact but it is true but don't think that they don't want to do like older cats before and drop like the hottest song and then be really hip-hop and stuff like that like i think that they the new generation is more put it this way we live in a fast food generation so new generation is more about like you need to like my shit now asap as opposed to classic albums or classic records were more made to like you think over it and then right now is a combination of both and then the artist that is having the best attention is the one that is being is able to do the best of both worlds, pretty much. Because mm. yeah, in the underground, a shit ton of people making great thinking albums. They don't get quite the same level of attention. But I think another thing changed that needs to be brought up. Because the more I think about it, this guy's like this cat, little darky, and I, I reviewed one of his albums, and it was like, it was really well thought out. Like it was like playing in on the criticisms of them and everything it was like this almost beautifully put together project little darky does not exist i think is what it's called i don't remember the exact name of it right now but it was one of my favorite albums i heard of like 2019 or 20 and uh i realized that this guy just has his thousand fans that pay him and he's like i don't need more and that's what they're doing is these guys who do this thinking music that really pursue it they're not even fucking trying to go pop they just want their thousand subscribers and that's what we're hit is it's the patreon economy if you can get a thousand people giving you five dollars a month that's 5k a month that is a lot of that's that's a lot of money and i'm pretty sure every artist that is really focused on a lot of the things you care about can find a thousand people to subscribe to them and i think a lot of these youth are better at doing that i don't think first of all nobody uses patreon as a rapper I'm talking about as a rap. 
I'm saying Patreon economy. I don't that... see. Uh, I don't I, see I, Patreon I... being used. I see like companies or like mm. podcasts. My clarity or... got like eighty-eight fucking dollars in donations on day one because you listened to me and opened the Patreon. No, trust it's a real thing. Oh, it's I'm just... not saying it's the wrong thing. I'm just no, no, saying. No, I'm saying right rappers now, aren't... not a lot of people. Rappers in the independent scene are doing it a lot more since they realized it exists. I, I can't give you examples now, but give me like a week or two and remind me and I'll go look for them <laughs> because I have seen it happening a lot. Anybody that's a YouTube, psh, anybody with a YouTube will have a Patreon or another subscription kind of monetization or some direct to consumer <clears throat> recurring styled. Usually it's okay. I look at one off merch drops like a bootleg subscription model. You know that you're dropping a shirt and that same fan is buying it every three months. How is that any different than an as a service model? It just has merch involved in. So you'll see manifestations of recurring billing models appearing more and more often within independent artistry, often via clothing. And as time goes on, it will just become direct subscriptions. Once artists realize they can just get donations with Patreon, literally just open the Patreon and get more money than they thought they could. But you do know that nobody uses really that right now. Let's be honest with you. There's not a lot of artists using No, they're Patreon. gonna end up on OnlyFans because OnlyFans is making the play right now at paid ads. I'm getting I didn't know reason, that it were going that route though. They hit me as a DJ, probably because what? I say the word D I swear <laughs> I shared you can check my Facebook where I shared the added and I thought it was ridiculous, but only yo, it's honestly just artist ignorance. This they don't even need clout. It's literally like I have I get Patreon money for the last four years. It's not a crazy amount, but like it's literally just that level of the tool exists and artists need to flick this fucking switch across all of us because I promise y'all can probably get $20 a month faster through Patreon than trying to sell your fucking record. Yo, you could fucking just be like, yo, you get a custom freestyle and everybody throws a word in for $5. You know, all this crazy shit that your well, fans will the fuck up. There's a lot of things you can do. You can customize your relationship with people so much with this. And this is the greatest thing. Look at Lameth and his Twitch. Twitch is a Patreon clone, believe it or not. It's not Patreon, but the subscription model is Patreon. Lameth's rap for fucking money shit that he's doing on Twitch is a great like example of a rapper trying to innovate in this field. What do you mean exactly? Because I know he's using that, but what do you mean? Like, he's using it well? Yeah, he gets money off of rapping via subscribers who are there to watch him fucking rap. Is he selling albums? No. He's literally just rapping and making money. It's like online busking. If, like, what Jay Uno does, which is legitimate and trust, he makes enough money that it's legitimate off of busking, uh, then online busking's fresh. But there's a subscription model. The dude has like 25 motherfuckers paying like fucking $5 or whatever USD a month for him. I'm sorry. That is a solid amount of revenue streams to have on That's a recurring cool. basis of, of loyalty. Course. Find a thousand of those and you talk in some real like, you of can't course. get no, that quite cool. as much. So this is what I'm saying. This is where the kids are probably more on that train because all their favorite YouTubers been feeding this thing <laughs> fucking knowledge for seven years. And you know what? I don't I don't blame them. Like you don't need to necessarily always follow the traditional path to get what you want. The important thing is that you got people with you. That's all. So whether you're 
independent or on a major, you need people with you. You need people with you to help you because your job as an artist should only be to do art. That's all. Mm. That's your job. So if you're doing too much stuff, you're putting less energy and less effort in your music, that's going to show. When I'm listening to it, I'm going to hear it. And then I'm not going to want to hear any more of your music. So you need to be focused and have the people around you to make sure that your vision stays focused. Because oh, you're doing this for nothing. Yo, there's a lot to respond to that. That is an interesting fucking series of statements. Um, you know why you're interesting? Because you do buy music. And like you buy yes. an abundance of music. So you're actually the kind of person people should listen to with regards to like quality because you're willing to put your dollar in. Ismail's willing to buy music. I'm, I'm willing to stream your music in abundance. Maybe my opinion on what's the threshold <laughs> of quality isn't the same and shouldn't be counted. I'm good at a lot of other things, but um, the truth of the matter is I don't know. I don't actually know what the quality threshold of acceptable is. That's actually a huge question in the entire. But that's different from one person to another. Fair. But when you say stuff like it has to be of a certain point to be good enough in order for me to hear it or I'll hear it. What does that mean? That means there's a quality threshold that has to be hit in the eye of the listener, in the eye of the artist. And so you're saying I it's it's not as subjective as all of us want it to be nah there is an objective level of good enough and i got criticized recently because i recorded a project and man said this thing to me that made me consider what you're saying actually it's not even about engineering it's about delivery it's about me as the artist putting the time into line sh- i was ma- i was pissed off before this because i was failing at lining up a chorus i was sucking anyway that was but like it's kind of trying to achieve what you're looking for mm-hmm. so it's not the technical angles it's that the shit has to actually be good as my rapping yeah. part he had said i sounded high and tired and my mouth was dry and i'm like fuck me those are very specific things that you i mean you could have guessed but no you're right and then i re-listen and i'm like shit now i just sound high tired with it so i fucking wetted up the mouth and fucking recorded it <laughs> verses were great failing on the chorus but no so i hear what you're saying but like sometimes these are just like ideas that get thrown out so it's worth like defining them like how, how does somebody achieve i guess so a manager then that's where it is you have a manager who sits there and goes try harder or a anr or a producer what about producers because you said anrs are missing but real producers are also missing in the city. Like- that this is a hundred percent fact. Like Dunny, who's the artist I'm managing, like he did a track for Kanesar. You know Kanesar? Yes, only because Kanesar is most bus. likely the one of the biggest French rappers of all time. He was on the bus, no? Or yes, he was on the bus. He still is in the bus. Like Dunny did a beat for him, <laughs> and then. When Kanesar went into an interview and then started talking about like his album, when he talked about Dunny, he really talked about the fact that he was a real producer because a beat maker will be somebody who's coming with a beat. That's all. Here's a beat. You do whatever the fuck you want with it. A producer is different. Dre is not a beat maker. Dre is a producer. Dre, just like Dunny, is somebody who will be there. Here's the beat. Okay. But in that beat, you should add piano. You should do this. You should do that. Your flow should, 
you should do this with your flow with that part of the song. This is what a real producer is. We have a hard time in Quebec having real producers. We do have a lot of them that are really good, but it's like, je peux les sur mes mains. Come. This is what's missing. A&Rs and producers, not beat Yo, but the artists also have to understand the difference because let's be real. I mean, and I'm talking Facts. maybe for myself more than others, but I fancy myself an executive producer and I think every one of us fancies ourselves an executive producer and maybe we all need extra executive producers that are more executive than our producer. Not really. No, no. You don't need like three executive producers, but you need one who understands the job of not only him being the beat maker, but you being the artist. Right. That's why I brought, like, that's what I meant. But like, really, I think that's where like a lot of us think we can do it all. And that goes back to it. But even Thanks. that role, like I realized, um, if I'm really high and tired with a dry mouth and I just put four hours into a take and I'm on some adrenaline and I'm fucking loving what it sounds like in this moment, that might not be a good time to it. Like I might not be the right guy in that moment and then nobody's gonna say shit to you in that moment because you're a fucking diva because you're an artist let's be real i mean most of us most of us are a little bad with criticism <laughs> i can't speak for all of us but um, you're right and uh decision making is not yeah they, that's where a lot of you come in that's that's very powerful stuff because i mean people judge a lot of things in the industry like why do these people exist i don't know sometimes it's just because they don't know they judge because they have no fucking idea what they're talking about. Mm. This is why they judge. Because they think that they, they can do everything by themselves. If you would have been able to do everything by yourself, oh, you would be, be popping and hot by right now. And you're not. Absolutely. You don't trust. Even even behind that suit is not it's never been solo. It has always involved other people from day one. It has to. And this is not only for artists, but for every businesses. Like I'm reading books about like how it's important to have teamwork. Like it is, you can't do everything alone, but you need to be able to find the right people for you. Yeah. And you need to also like, there's a difference between one of the books I read, uh, was visionary versus leader. I fancy myself more of a visionary than a leader. I don't really like the leadership side. I like the visionary shit. Like, I'm actually not a good CEO. I'm more like, a, I have to do it because I have to do it for now until I can find the right person to do it for me. And that's a whole other, that's not a manager. It's a whole other conversation. But really, I want to be like visionary, you know, ideas and like guiding top level and kind of telling the CEO what to do so he can go do the shit right. Because they're different roles. The leader is a different, you know, like, and I, even that I never thought of until I read this book, like, fucking recently. And I'm like, shit, maybe I have been aspiring to be the wrong thing for the longest time. And I think that's sometimes what happens is, yo, listen to rap music. Everybody a fucking boss. Who doesn't want to be a boss man? Until you're in a boss man role. And then you start considering, do I really want to be the boss man? Or maybe I need a better boss for certain things and I can be the boss of these things. One thing about rap music, Definitely, it pushed the agenda of people having their own businesses. Like, no matter if you were listening to rappers talking about their drug dealing experience or having their own real businesses, legit, legit way, like, hip-hop has always been about that. Always. 
So this is also one thing that if I think about like why I was passionate about hip hop, this definitely has something to do with it because I saw the people going from nothing to getting in the billboard platforms and getting all those money. This was really something that motivated me. This is missing right now. Right now, we don't have that because people are like expecting to make a million dollars from one say, record. Okay, are you saying Montreal or like the whole world? No, I'm saying Montreal. I'm saying yeah. Montreal. Montreal, they just like they expect like they're gonna make a million dollars from one record, and then when they make that record and it's not going a million record, they're disappointed. Nah. They stop. They don't move forward. But it's a whole plan. The plan can take like six months. It needs to be a few years, your plan. And you need to start from there in order for you to get there. And we have so much trouble to do that because we expect anything instantly. That's our generation right now. Mm, I'm going to have to say that it's, I, I, I used to be like more where you're at with that, but I, I just talked to a lot of people and I have a different, slightly new idea I'm playing with where it's a perspective issue. Because the one thing that you're not saying is the other part of what they're saying. Bro, there ain't nobody out there that's doing it like this. I'm the fucking one. And then I'm like, my guy, I'm an album reviewer. You don't know what my memory for music has become. And the number of people I've talked to. I, I like, there are very few people in this city I've heard, like, where, like, they can say I'm the only person doing this thing and it's true. In fact, most of the time, there's a lot of people doing a lot of things in a lot of genres and nobody's really as special as they think they are. And so the end user, the fan, hears all of our music across the time and goes, bro, like, you think you're the only one doing it, but my other homie just hustled me his track and he sounds like you. But he's in another part of town in a different clique and they don't know each other exists. Like, man, the number of people doing interviews in English in Montreal of hip hop that I don't know exists is astounding. <laughs> you started something. No, I'm not the start of it. Like, look at, uh, what's his name? Wizzy Moonchaser. I think, I don't know how to say his name right. He's been doing it for years, the morning detour and shit. Like there's all these different things where it's just existed and I wasn't like cognizant of it. Yo, what up DJ Blaster who has a helpful license plate? He honked at me and I had no idea who the fuck it was, but his license plate clarified it. And then That's I saw an his OG. hair. Shout out to DJ Blaster. OG. Yo, right shut there. up Blaster. I love the fact that he's an NDG. It makes me this happy. This is one thing about Montreal. Like, we do not show enough love toward OGs. We do not show enough love toward <laughs> veterans. That That is That's like... back to that perspective thing. Do you know what I found out shades of culture existed? I, okay, and you you want you want to have an extra piss you off? I've done hip hop karaoke how many fucking times in front of D Shade? How many times have I been cocky in front of D Shade? You have no idea that guy. <laughs> and you and then, didn't know he wasn't there. I didn't know who the fuck D Shade was. <laughs> I found a chat where D Shade basically sent me a fucking yo check out my new song, and I ignored it like I had no idea what I was doing. Right? I was a young stupid man. This is back when you knew me. Uh, back then, man. Um. So, like, all of a sudden, Preach and Cobia runs me through in two hours, 1996 to 1999 of just English. 
I have a one note still of all the names he mentioned that one day I'll go through. So far, I've, I now recognize like a third of them. But it made me realize that Shades of Culture is significant. So then I listened to that fucking project, uh, whatever, the one that's on Spotify. That's it. And I was like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck. I, I mean, the number of times. I, I mean, the last time I saw Disha, I had, I had realized he was somebody kind of just inherently finding him on YouTube. I was like, bro, you're really good. So I at least get to give him his flowers and then shouted him out in a performance one time proper like I was supposed to yeah. all the other times. But um, I just didn't know. I didn't know what the fuck Shades of Culture was. Like, how would I ever, like, have found that? And that's the other part. Everyone acts like... Yo, Noise Labs has all these ciphers. How the fuck are you going to think to Google that shit? How am I ever going to come up with these names? When you find that one Montreal hip-hop list that fucking I had to add myself to, thank you very much, peoples, that exists, that has like 700 names with like no fucking links, and then half these people aren't active, it's like, that's really like it. I, I mean, you can go to DJ Blaster and a few other people, and they're, they're like, Blaster's a blessing. I embarrassed the fuck out of myself one time when Blaster let me come through on the radio one time back in like 2012 and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, but he just let me come through and do it. He's a fucking blessing in life. But most of the often like that, it's hard to even find people like that. And how do you even get to the point of like finding them? And that's where it goes back, socializing, whatever, whatever, and you have to learn to go do that shit. But if you're like most artists I know are really not good at socializing. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, forget about most artists, you know. Let's talk about the human beings, you know. As a human being, you need to communicate with others. Like, that's before we talk, even talking about hip-hop. Like, all those people that you're talking about, I'm, like, other than Black, I never met Blaster, though. But all of them, like, I met them. Why? Because I was passionate about hip hop and I understood that I needed to get out there. You can't really say, you, you can't really like be into a culture business or a hip hop business and be afraid to meet people. Mm. But I didn't know it was a culture business until I really started the album reviews and the Macklemore shit happened. Like it was really the Macklemore, Grammy, Kendrick Lamar shit and white appropriation, cultural this. And I'm like, wait, what's going on? Then I start doing album reviews and shit. And then I'm like, oh, yo, my first project's called Is This Hip Hop? I That's what no led fucking... you to it? That's what led the, you to it? The Macklemore thing? The Macklemore thing led me to realize that maybe I'm wow. a vulture. Okay. And I listen to at least one of those tracks and I'm like, oof, I sound fucking white as fuck on this. I don't like it too much. <laughs> There's a couple of them where I'm like, oof. You know, and but see, like, that's the thing. Like, I'm okay with you, that. You have to be okay with that. Like, you you can't be mad because you're white or not. Oh, the thing is that the I thing got is the that... perspective though, and then I started realizing how deep the veins of because of preach, and then I really doubled down on this interview thing, and it became like an obsession, and then it branched out to even more like paths. But really, I started to realize there's easily five thousand rappers in Montreal right now, easily. That's five thousand. If it's not yeah. more, the thing is that uh, we, we anybody actually, can be a rapper. Anybody can be a rapper, really. But they're all compete. Even if you throw one entry into an Instagram contest page, blah blah blah, and the, your Instagram's lit right now. If people want to talk about, Thanks. yo, Thanks. the meth has over nine thousand. Yo, I used to say ten k, but like I'm saying, I I'm, I'm gonna go five k English side. That's a safer number I'm willing to go with. And I'm talking from like eleven year olds to like. 
fucking grandpas still in the game type thing. Or or grandpas getting into the game. We never even considered old old people's that really make start this rapping. This is why I'm having the hip hop cafe, my friend. They can have a cafe in my place. Yo, Those it's fucking seventy-five rest. year old people. <sighs> anyway, you're, you're I'm ready for them. <laughs> How did you start? Like the original? It was the was the first hip hop cafe like your first big inve- endeavor, or was there more endeavors before that that you um, got up to? I had two car washes before. Like, I'm somebody who I knew at some point I was going to start a business. Like, my mom is like that. My mom used to work, like, for Bombardier for a long time. And then she just dropped out of nowhere. And then she, well, not out of nowhere, but she dropped. And then she started her own business. Um, That, for me, was a very big learning experience. We got kicked out of her house because we weren't able to pay the rent anymore. So my mom went to live at her friend's place and me, I went to live at. Did I ever tell you that my mom, uh, that my best friend, uh, I don't know if I told you that my best friend hung himself in a closet and I did not know that. Okay. And I went to live in his place when I was younger, when I, when my mom got kicked out because she wasn't able to pay the condo anymore. So I went to live at his place and my mom went to live in her place. That was a very extremely intense learning experience. I learned stuff in a very hard way sometimes. Um, I learned stuff like getting kicked out of your condo with your mom after starting a business is a very great learning experience. Say like that. I I don't know where I was going with it. What was your question again? Just so, you, so that I don't. I don't even, oh, endeavors before, and then you said car washes, and then really hard no, the car washes was the first one. I had two, and then the cafe was my other one. Like, and then but I did get a lot of into my mom. big life lessons from having hard things happen. If it counts, I like moved out over bad circumstances and was working in university at 20 and threw myself into things I couldn't afford. And it was quite big learning experiences. So I relate heavy to what you're saying. Quite as big learning. Um, But I was just curious with it because like, I mean, the hip hop cafe is one of literally, in my opinion, the coolest things I have ever participated in in any fucking way within the Montreal scene. I I went multiple times. I can't say it was like excessive. I basically went when I could rap because y'all were on the other side of the city. So it wasn't like a disrespecting, but like I actually do have to make like, it's not easy to go to the fucking your part of town is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, so I, I went for like when we could rap and I never really freestyled in front of people, but that's basically what you could do. You could just bust them off also, the domes. Also. So basically... What it was, and it's still going to be a little bit the same thing, but what it was, was initially what I told you was that I started talking about a hip-hop cafe because of the record store, because I'm, a, I'm, I'm really mm. like a, a CD buyer, all really like a fanatic. And I was fed up of having to go to HMV to find commercial stuff and then having to go to underground stuff 
to buy my underground albums because I was more a fan of that. So in my mind, I was like, why the fuck isn't there anything to put everything together? Like a hip hop place. And then I started building around that. And that was, I think it was like sec four, sec five. And then at some point I was like, I think I know what I'm going to do with my life. I'll start a hip hop shop. And then I started to working on this and I was like, everybody go to have a coffee. So why don't we change the way that people go see a hip hop business? Because people are also always like thinking that hip hop is like a business and bars with drugs and alcohols and stuff like that. My point was not to change the content of the store. My point was to change the way that you get inside of it. So instead of being a bar, it would be a coffee, but you would still get in there and listen to your gangster rap or listen to like hardcore rap or stuff that you would not necessarily listen to the radio because it's part of the hip hop culture. That was my goal. And then once I started the business and until today, my plan is really to make sure that you understand that hip hop is there to not only exist, but to overpass a lot of shit that will happen in the future. And for me, the coffee is like, everybody drinks coffee. This is also something like people tell me like, hey, hip hop fans don't drink coffee. I'm like, are you serious? Like, what do you think a hip hop fan is? A hip hop fan is first of all, the fucking human being. That's a human being who eats and drinks and he is drinking coffee. I can guarantee you that. Guarantee. And we also going to have a liquor license. coffee at the show. <laughs> there you go. And we're also going to have a liquor license in, in this version of the hip hop cafe. So um, I don't want to have it as a bar. I don't want to have it as a cafe. I really no, want to have it's like... a business where you can just eat, drink and enjoy your passion. So like for me, what was crazy about the hip hop cafe was the lack of alcohol. Cause yo, I've never had a great relationship with it. I've never been able to drink responsibly. And mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you found a sweet, you find that sweet spot where you can perform and it's sloppy and it's bold. So because it's bold, you can be sloppy. Those are good times. But then like, I always just felt like more comfortable at your shit is the thing. Cause I'm not really a party guy. Wow. Shocking. I'm not that like partying. It's not my thing. I don't really do that. I like to like, I'm more like a cool man, Logan. I want to hang out in my corner and be socially <laughs> awkward. Shout out to him. No, shout out cool man, Logan. He's my boy. We're going to fucking play that game with the fucking uh, Vince price bought the thingies. I forgot what they're called, but we're going to go play shit in the park. He's really like, a fucking great guy in my life. He's a new addition to like the people I'm rolling with. Um, but like yeah it's part of the uh no fair enough um shit but like i went to i went to the hip-hop cafe and it was there were two parts of it one i mean at this point i'm i'm employed right like nine to five i'm in year 11 at my one company that i've been at so like year 11 and um, that means all the time i've been rapping i've been nine to fiving uh or whatever hours it really was but like 
your shit was just accessible without compromising sleep in regards to being like two or three in the morning. Like people act like you can just go to work on three hours of sleep. But you really can't always do that. So like having a two in the afternoon open mic freestyle thing that I could just show up at and spend three hours at and fucking literally like, yo, shout out Jade the fucking Ville uh, for the follow where I could like network. Like I remember running into Montreal Mellow at the hip hop cafe and realizing that like yo he's like yo, we went to high school and shit and i'm like fuck we did go to high school and shit i forgot about because i was older he's a little younger than me you always forget about the ones younger than you um uh and like just so many people i met there like for real 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 or it was reds or red ah oh, fuck whatever there's a bunch of people i met there it wasn't it wasn't mellow it was somebody else i did go to high school with mellow though um and like a whole bunch of people that I like met at that cafe that like later on in life via social media or whatever, like would be relevant. And it was such a cool vibe. And y'all were like linked up, I think with whatever mags in them were doing with the hip hop Concordia shit, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. I was with, um, mags was in there, but it was also, wow, I forgot her name. Uh, an Italian girl. Um, uh, Italian girl. I don't know Italian. Girl. Yo, I completely <clears throat> forgot her name, and I feel bad about it. But Hip Hop Concordia at that time, they just hit me up, and it was just—it was my biggest event every month. We had an open mic with them. Did you? Where was that at your cafe? It was at my cafe every time. It was the biggest event all the time, and. This is one thing that I learned, like, is like, wow, we really have talent in a lot of places in the city. Because I was having events with people that were not necessarily, you know, the major projectors of the hip hop and the, like, the cultural scene in Quebec. Like, I had playing friends before they were popping. Right now, they're popping big time playing friends. Uh, I had the popping cordio, I had a lot of English people coming in, like, yeah well, that's how i found out about you like it was because of them it was because mags was or somebody was involved with them yeah. and i got linked to that through hip-hop karaoke because they were all fucking around with the hip-hop karaoke people and i went to them Facts. at that time and then somehow your shit got brought in and i was at that time trying yo i was younger and i went to things fuck me i remember this that's how i met <laughs> yo i met like but i remember like, you at the cafe yo i remember you in the cafe with a suit on since, that, since time it's not just the gimmick yo since time the suit has been sued for a while everybody it's the first <laughs> performance from june 5th 2012 yep. uh i do it yeah hi van van yeah fuck valley on fangirl i fuck up the, the name sometimes i could try to say hi to the twitch people and then I feel shitty when I read the name poorly in the tiny font over there. <laughs> um, and I would like to help you, but I don't see the names. <laughs> nah, it's all right, man. I'm just grateful you're here. And just it's like the numbers actually, I, I know who you are. I remember you, Eva, from Iceland. But I just I just read the usernames. Like, I can remember them, but reading them and saying them out loud <laughs> oh, gets fucking hard. Um, nah, and it actually, the number's gone up since we started. It hasn't really gone down, so this is a great chat is what the the data is telling me <laughs> um i know it is though i'm honestly i like people like you are helpful to life like you're grounded in the sense that like me and mines is emotional driven creatures of art that are trying to play business and it's 
taken me years to even develop the kind of deportment to have the kinds of conversations to get in the rooms with people like you you know and so it's it's super valuable i think that we can even just capture this kind of stuff and put it out into the world like that's that's like i don't know i'm good at this kind of shit this is something i can do for people you know yes. i'm good at talking um a lot of rappers are y'all should just, just fucking get on that podcast game and do your own version of this that would be fucking nice <laughs> um not every rapper is though sometimes you think no. like rappers would be bad. really great at talking and they come through and i'm like you're not you're not able to do a rico i'll be honest stuff. with you i wouldn't see jizza in the podcast Mm, that's a really I would good hear point. Jizza on a track. I would not like like Nori is a way better person in the podcast than Jizza. Nori's, Nori's goat. Nori is like, yo, I took notes from him and he's like, give flowers to the world. And I'm like, that's why we got yo, as of I realized Nori did that, you'll see there's like this point where I just start fucking praising people. And I don't even care. I try to keep it as honest as possible. Sometimes I'm a little grandiose, but like I praise because that's, that's everyone talks that give flowers shit, and I'm in a position where I can literally make it like a thing I do. Like Olivier, you inspired me so much. I know we talked at that cafe about alcohol-free fucking environments. Who do you think put in my head the idea of an alcohol-free hip-hop environment? Hmm. Who do you think showed me that that existed? I hope you're not going to be mad when you come back and we have a legal license, though. Nah, that's fucking do your thing. (laughs) Because my job is still to, like, it's still not a bar. Like, I really want to make it loud and clear. Like, you can have the amount of drinks you want. People do. I don't want to promote it as a bar. I want to promote the same thing at Jay DeVille will be our chef, actually, for the record. Yo, shout out Jay DeVille. He's our chef. He's working on a menu right now, and then he's gonna cook the food in front of you, give it to you, like. But at the same time, it's not a restaurant. You see, it's a hip hop. Yeah, I hear, I hear what and you're saying. We, I just decided to bring as many elements outside of hip hop to bring people. Bro, I was, that. I was literally just telling Jay Deville, chefs are mad important and they basically are to me. He can co-sign that I was basic. That was a summation, but yes. literally, yo, Jay Deville's got an interview coming up at some point. I think it's later May or June or something. Cause yo, my fuck. I remember that dude from back in the day. Also, uh, I fucked around and ended up at TNT shows for a minute. The okay. top notch tracks, book people's, um, I don't know. You just, there's so much in the city like you know that's just one pocket and then you just have to consider i don't know fuck all about the saint leo scene you're gonna tell me that saint leo don't have a scene of course it does and then sorry, what do you mean saint leo saint leonard saint leonard no, of course they have a scene but the thing is that for the biggest rapper in quebec right now may be enema you know who enema is i do and he, and you might as a dude from Saint Leonard that is living now and I think in Algeria or in Europe or somewhere like that. And I said that's the biggest guy in the French side. And like, like oh, I meant, he's like, doing numbers. I meant the English side. There's gotta be English. Yeah, my brain rarely thinks French first, but yo, I have English homies in fucking Saint Leo. There's gotta be English rappers in Saint Leo, and I never heard of them. There's I'll be honest not with you. Many. Saint Leonard is mostly francophone, mm. so if you do have English friends in Saint Leonard rap, let me know. I like I would uh, love to find out. 
Well, right I mean, now, I'm I, mostly I could French be like, I mean, even though there's a friend, okay, like I don't really know how English or French Saint Leo is. I've just anywhere I've been is because there were English people there, and I went to see the English people, and I could, you could tell it's a French hood, but you, you there's always English people, but you, you could still like tell that like yo, there's at least because English people like you hear it on the bus or whatever, you hear it these little semblances of it. It's like you get hyper focused <laughs> on that. Yo, I'm telling you, man, Saint Michel is a weird place because there's a shit ton of English, but it's like the Frenchest. It's very French, Saint Michel. But that's the thing, is because black people in general speak in English. Not in even, general. Like, I was even thinking black people. It's just because the street Saint Michel has so much commerce on it that it brings so much. Like there's a card store that's English right next to Saint, Saint Michel. Michel is very French, so there's no really English in there. But there's a card store where you buy Magic the Gathering and shit, and there's a bunch wow. like <laughs> right there at Saint. Michel. There's shit like that all over. My English church was in Rosemont. We used to just congregate there, dude, man. That's what I'm saying. So for me, it's like that's I would French? be. Okay. But like it's an English church that like I promised nobody there would congregate with the people. But there's these little pockets of shit like all over in yeah. these places. So that's what I'm saying. Who knows that there's not this like fucking underground four guys in Saint Leo trying to do a thing that nobody's heard of. There definitely is. Like I I can't really speak on the English scene because the artists that I know in the English scene are not in the like in the younger cats. I know mostly French guys than English, mm. but so that's from, why... But it's it's different. Like it's two different worlds. It really is. Like you put two 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 person one beside each other, a French and an English person, and then they have the same kind of rap. They may not go in the same rap. No, that, but is that the really... same case at twenty? Let's ask ourselves that for real. real. Are a twenty-year-old's gonna treat it like that? Because it's more important than what the thirty-five-year-olds do, right? Like, let's be real. We're in our mid-thirties, whatever, whatever. It's not the same reality as like the young youngs. It it really depends. Um, you see, I'll give you an example. Like, Saint Sankatos is a collective that just signed a few months ago with Joyride Records. The Saint Sankatos, we're talking about French artists, but I mean, they're like between 25 and 30, we're talking about black and Arabs, and we're talking about selling out the metropolis, independent. Mm. I don't know if you know any English cat that can sell out independently the metropolis. Nah, probably, maybe Nate Huss has And I do love Magnum and all no, of that. No, I would say But Nate they will Huss, not fill out. Nate, Nate, Huss so, has a, Nate Huss has a chance. Uh, to be real, no, I'm sorry to say this, but he would not fill out the metropolis within a couple of I years. Doubt. He could do it he, within like, a couple of years, not now. Fair enough. I don't know. I like I said, has a chance. I didn't say definitively it does. could do it, it does. but see, um, it's it's two worlds, so it's also like understanding that and how far you're willing to go. See, Spanske Nate Husser. If really, 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 really his passion and his mindset was to be the top, I think he would already be. Nah, he's, I he's, think there's nah, something he's making, he's inside some... of him stopping. I don't know, man. I see Nate Husser as a guy that is making very good moves. 
I'm not disappointed with things I see out of him. No, he should he should make a lot more than that. He's, he really, I I should see him everywhere. He's that I mean, good. I hear you. I don't know anything about what it's like to be. I hear, you, but I think he's with a label, so I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know anything about anything. All I know is that, like, that guy has the the potential to to really like pop off any second type thing. Oh, definitely. And, you know who has a better potential though? Spank Squire. I don't know I who don't... that is. Which is probably wow, okay. my bad. You should you should definitely check that out. Spank Squire is the artist of Dirt Work. Dirt Work just produced for J. Cole. He mm. produced for Kanye in the last album. He produced for a lot of artists in the States. And he's a Montreal producer. I don't know who Dirt Work is. But yeah, there you go, my Dirt man. Work. He's a Grammy so, Award winning Montreal producer. So when I booked SkyZoo two years ago. He was my opening artist, one of my opening artists, Spank Squire. Like, this guy is going to go definitely to the top. Definitely to the top. So, like, I question then, then, what about the middle tier? Because that's something when we go to a city level, right? So, yeah, there's the independent individual artists that can pop off. But let's be real, that has happened before. Like, let's, SRH is doing quite well in other places and things like that. Uh, a lot of them leave and do well. They don't do well here, but they leave and do well. Um, and I'd, I'd say there are people that do well here, though. Like, there are people that, like, at least eat off their shit. If they're not, like, killing it, fine. But they can at least eat off their shit. Of course. Mostly in the French side. Yeah, but, like, you agreed. I, I can't I can't really comment on the English side that hard, I think, in my position. It's not the smartest choice. But, nah, most of us are not, like, eating off of art like that. We're doing things, and then we make art. Art is, like, a passion. And I can you can give that credit to the English scene. We lose money for this shit. Of course. <laughs> but I was not saying this as no, it no, should I'm, be this way. It shouldn't be this way. But, like, like sometimes you have like... to be, like, diagnosing of a situation. But, um... It's, it's weird that, like, I, I've spent the last nine years thinking about this, sir. I really have. And I think it's because um, I can use stand-up comics as a parable for, like, the way I think the situation kind of played out a little bit. At least in Montreal, stand-up comics performed a room full of stand-up comics and hone all of their strategies to get stand-up comics to want to come to shows for stand-up comics. And then they went on YouTube and Facebook and didn't translate very well. And in a lot of ways, we as MCs kind of pigeonhole self our holes in environments where the only people that we talk to are artists, but like in up in rooms performing for each other. Yo, let's be real. Like the last 10 shows I went to, it was artists performing for artists and their posses. There's no like, yo, even that locksmith show, you were there. You were at yeah. this locksmith show. How many other people bought tickets for that shit? Like it was I literally told Locksmith, literally, I appreciate you coming in here and performing with so many, no, with not so many people. Like with, we were like 10 people or 15 no, it people. Was like, there was like Locksmith. 40 in the room, but like but max like, no, 10 people sad. fucking bought tickets. Max 10, 15 bought tickets. It was like, and it shut was up like Max Mepese and all them for doing their thing. Like just shout Mepese. them out yeah. for fucking doing their thing. I'm bringing Locksmith here, and that show was so cheap, dude. It was like 15 bucks or some 20 something dumbly cheap like that. 
and the locksmith turned up and I got to freestyle. Like what kind of, that was a dope night, you know? Yeah. But where were the people at? But see, that's the thing, like it's a hard like it's a hard job. Every- like to me, like it's not only to bring an artist. This is a thing, like oh, I think that in the next couple of years. Thing. But oh. the regular the people who are not artists just have no interest in going to this shit. So we have this situation where the only people who seem to go to this shit are people connected to the scene trying and to that's network. the thing. Because they don't make the show I and I'm not and I'm not talking about Mupe, uh, Max Mupe saying necessarily, but I'm saying like people in general are not making shows like enjoyable. Like Bro, this comes we're, up we're all over, the time we're on the show. The, the, like the recipe of like the DJ, the opening guy, the, the main guy like like this is over you need to find something that is going to catch people's attention faster than that and that are going to keep their attention because the more we go in time the more we're in a fast food generation where we need to have like something as fast as possible to digest it so what is going to separate you from any other artist performing so there's a lot of things that are implicated in that can I just like double down on what you're saying? I, I ended up interviewing a 17 year old and he had never performed live and he's doing quite well as far as his back end Spotify looks, given that they don't have money to pay for ads. They're 17. Um, and he told me he never performed. And then he was telling me about like the shows he would go to. So he wanted to go to the Travis Scott show and he really liked it because there was a fucking roller coaster and that made it like cool. But like an idea, like he likes J. Cole's music and shit, but he's watched J. Cole's live performance and so have I. I don't even really feel that enthused about wanting I would go to like like small J. Cole intimate venue. I don't want to go fucking see J. Cole in a stadium. Like he just doesn't have stadium energy. You know? It's like a lot of and the kids are like bringing it like what is it in this performance that's gonna make me wanna go here when I can get it over there? And at a stadium level he's kind of got a point and then that's going to trickle down unfortunately to small scale where now like they're going to go but bro performances now have to be big okay a second back up to what you're saying coachella outcast outcast performed there and everybody hated it because they were surrounded by high energy edm that was a real thing that happened high energy edm electronic dance music like fucking diplos and shit is that and then outcast is in the middle of this and all these kids is zonked out of course they're not really it's not the right surrounding so like i don't know live shows is changing and i think what you're saying is powerful because one of the things anybody i've talked to that sounds like they know what the fuck they're doing is is talking how to replicate the energy of a festival in a show environment because definitely i mean i'm looking at like anything like i've been last year year and a half ago i was in surgery so i was a month off and i decided to take the week after to go to new york and plane sitting in where i was i got a surgery right in the lower back and i was sitting in a plane an hour and a half to go to new york city because i wanted to go see benny the butcher and i wanted to go see because I went to see Lyricist Lounge at the House of Blues in New York. Uh, and it was Benny the Butcher hosted by Talib Kweli. It was a crazy show. And I look at that and I'm like, wow. 
there is something about shows that people in here are underestimating. Definitely. Like, the connection to your crowd. The I, I became fans of people that I've never seen because of the connection to the crowd. So when I see a new rapper from Montreal who's not really willing to perform, you, you just waste your chance. You just waste everything you would have good because your performance might give you a job for a couple of years. Your performance might interest somebody who runs a festival and wants to add you. But a lot of hip hop artists are not taking the job seriously. And I hope that once that COVID is going to settle, that they start doing that. Because now I think that they realize that they're missing going out. I feel like we're talking, yo, your, your, your circle of peeps and my circle of peeps are so different on this regard. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, I come from the showcase era, not the park era. Like, I believe you know a lot of people that freestyle at 4 a.m. Um, and I know a lot of people that do showcases. And neither of these are highly effective strategies. Um, showcases often will be 10-minute sets and too many people on the venue. And when you bring people here, it's a weird energy. Like, your, your fans won't come back over time if they don't like the energy of your shows. This is things I learned performing at the wrong events. That's a real thing, too. You don't perform at everything. Do a little bit of vetting. <laughs> Look, man, if you're like me and you're spitting that office worker rap, maybe your fans don't feel the same way about trap music that you do. Mm-hmm. And that's a reality that you have to learn. And then promoters. My fans don't feel about trap music. Not all of my fans. I'm talking the office worker peoples. They don't feel about trap music the way I do. I'm like the weirdo at work, my guy. And then you try to explain it to the promoter and they're like, bro, I can't go too deep on this, but the way that the tickets and the, the dollars change, they want to have 15 people on that more than they care about it being a good event. Not everybody, not all the time. It's just what I've seen happen. And unfortunately, I think people see one thing happen and then it becomes normalized as the thing to do. And like the number of shows that I could find an opportunity to perform at if you were to ask me gun to my head prior to COVID where I could do longer than 10 minutes, dude, it didn't exist for me. I didn't know how to even find one. And I tried and I gave up trying. It wasn't even that there were not, it was, I can't do 10 minutes at this point. Like my songs are kind of too long for that shit. I'm not like a two minute kind of guy like that. I'm also at the point where people actually kind of want to see me do a three, four song. I can rock a 15 minute set, you know, like, but then you can create your own shows. I had that set up. My first show was going to actually happen. Partner with make a wish found out that if you partner with charity, everything's free. Uh, I, mean, I remember that within the COVID coming. Yeah. I mean, what am I going to do? I actually, I did get to that point, but I, I, I got distracted with the internet. Like for me, I wasn't wasting time. I was album reviewing and you don't understand the rigorous schedule i was doing shit like 14 fucking videos in 14 days crazy shit and you've seen the length of my videos it was fucking yeah. insane <laughs> so i was doing some shit like that i'm still doing some shit like that look how often i go live <laughs> i mean uh <laughs> so like 
I was just not able to be in a place where I could manage that and then get to the real life. But prior to COVID, I started going to real life events. Uh, I discovered the women's scene is going to destroy the men's scene. And unfortunately, I do not believe that the next top person, I think it's going to be like Anaya Ali more than any. Oh, she, she could probably fucking bang up Metropolis. Honor. I don't know if she signed though. I don't know. If I'm, she not, I, I'm not. Yeah, she is signed. She's with Kayat Records. Uh, I don't think she would fill up a. a I think with a good is, social media campaign, she has a real chance because I've man, seen the, the grassroots support she has from people is fucking power, and with the right grassroots campaign, they could make an event. I think. I don't think you can take that and then extrapolate this to say that she would fill 1500 people in a show okay like, that's a very fair statement. 15 1500 like because that's pretty much where it is 1500 people 1400 person like the metropolis like you need to be like 514 did it Corias did it soldier did it but those are people that are running literally rap scene in here um good luck for an english and i'm not gonna say anglophone female rapper if she does that she's fucking up everything and i wish she does that but i, I don't think, think it's gonna okay again maybe i'm projecting into what i think is gonna happen more than what can happen today because i don't know a lot of the stats on people but i see the buzz on energies on certain pulses and one thing i see is that oh she's there no but it's more than just her it's that the the lady side of the scene is behaving differently than the do at least in the millennial bracket so i'm talking in my age group because i can't speak for a lot of the younger ones but like it's different man i went to this show and there were like two shows and two weekends i saw about 16 women perform and all 16 knew all the bars and were ready to go Dude, i'd never seen that before you don't understand. I've been to like 60 fucking local fucking shows prior to this easy. And I'd never seen the entire lineup ready to wrap their shit before. I was blown away at the level of professionalism. Just blown away by the hustle and grind that I'm seeing. English, French, didn't matter. They were just all ready to go. And then I saw that there's like even that like Amy person that's like organizing shit over there. Then there's shit like the chicks tape. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. they're collectivizing him. They're doing collective stuff. Dude, they're gonna pull it off so it might take two three years but i think on a collectives thing stuff that honestly dudes don't pay attention to it's probably in our face and because of social media algorithms and lack of interest we never know about it like how often do we it's you... more than that it's more than that it's more than that like put it this way if i really want to do something and i want you to be aware of it I can guarantee you that I will make everything in my power to make sure that you know about it. That means that I will take all the power, like social media, word of mouth, this and that. I really think that in hip hop, the majority, and I'm not gonna blame everybody, but the majority of people are not on their grind, are not yeah. really, that they're always considering this a plan B. Because in here, it's always like, 
agreeing to like to live off music like it's not really possible but i would like to do this like it's it's as if like we don't really focus a hundred percent on what we would like to and that's that's a quebec problem that's a quebec problem like people are always looking for people from quebec to succeed elsewhere before we acknowledge them that says a lot about our relationship with success and with uh, like all the the so, the, the, the so i okay. think that we have a problem with that so by saying this what i'm saying is that people are not putting all their efforts to get their results so i'm seeing the young young younger people are they're doing what you're saying it's just not on facebook nobody's doing it on facebook it's all going down on insta but even on insta well i mean when i say young i mean we're talking about your know, shout out 100 mad hq for the follow i mean here, here's what i'm seeing right like i met this guy hoshi i'm sorry this kid hustles he works his fucking pizza place to get the money up he's got the video guy he's got the manager guy he's doing he, he's he's doing the things you're describing i met drew from nsl collective he's doing the things you're describing uh then you, you're seeing media because he has a manager no, but all these people are like doing it. They're finding the teams. They're putting the shit Fair. together. Perfect. I'm saying you just don't see it on Facebook. It's all going down on Insta. And to get on Insta, now you have to find it. So All Stars Montreal was my gateway. I competed against Hoshe and he beat me in an Instagram contest. And that gave me perspective. One of these kids pulled 750 votes. I'm like, you got us. I got 140 and it took me all day. All fucking day to get 140 votes and i'm very proud of that because i'm in my 30s and i got 140 votes on an insta contest mm -hmm. this kid got seven next kid in the later round it wasn't my competitor but another kid got 750 and it gave me this perspective of like yo the young people are really playing this game smarter they were able to leverage better resources and they understand how to do things and now i'm seeing contest after contest challenge after challenge and they're doing it they're doing the TikTok things they doing the various you know i've seen a couple people jump on 80 bars challenges more on insta nobody doing it on facebook and but I it's more than that holden it's more than that it's more than just like go on a red men challenge and then do the TikTok. it's more than that you need to have somebody who's representing you because you as a human being can't be everywhere at the same time. Mm. You need to focus on your music, on performing, on being able to give interviews, on being able to, to talk about you, to, to, to let yourself, to, to, to give a bit of yourself to people. Your manager and your people is supposed to do all the rest. Those are the people that are supposed to be working for you while you're doing your music. So mm, again, like actually, it's I, not about only the TikTok and this and that. You can do a lot of it though. With, with no, it's it. crazy. I'm not saying you, you can. said you said the words. You can do a lot, as Lemef said. You can do a lot at the same time with synergy and strategy. But I'm gonna go with Olivier's right. You can't do it all because the bigger you get, it it becomes unmanageable. You're going to have to have a manager and more importantly, you're going to have to have somebody with you that's a, that's able to get you to doors that other managers won't be able to. Yo, but that's, that's only thing. like one direction. You also need like support staff sense, like people that are just down to like help is, is something I'm really, we, we, sir, but that's part no, of when you, I said that you so need a up. team. 
So you're I mean, you're so, okay. So here's what I learned about smart people. And Olivier, you are very smart people, and you're very qualified. Perspective is that what you see is basic and innate. I'm telling you, is not. It is just so far from basic and innate. So yeah, the solution makes mad sense to me. I'm facing some of the same communication barriers you are. I called my show "Bridge the Gap." We're in the same like feeling. It's actually the, a great name for the record. I yeah, I put. I'm good with like I I I I spent so much time like what does it represent? And it had to be Montreal and New York. That was my like original challenge, and then I just kind of stole it. And now the New York version's perspectives funny and now i keep saying that it's just all the same shit to me congrats for that for the record yo it's real it was dude it was crazy that was an opportunity okay that was me living out what you were describing let's be fucking real um i was like hid from the world in 2013 i should have been competing in end of the week quebec what the fuck wasn't i i could have and i chose not to i could have gone to the cypher i could have gone to fucking community i could have gone to any other shit and i just did it and then finally COVID hit and I realized, or right before COVID, okay, I have to start going to things. And it was really Urban Logics or Don Lennon, however we want to go with it. He told me, Fat Joe showed up to everybody's shit even if he didn't like the thing and he brought the homies and everybody loves Fat Joe and Fat Joe's a goat today. And I was Facts. like, oh. And then Karis won in his book, The Gospel of Hip Hop's like, give to your community in some way for three years and they shall carry your... I'm about two and a half years into my dedication to giving to my community, so I'm very excited to break past this arbitrary three years. But whether it's interview, even now it's fiscals. You want a hundred dollars? Only one entry in my current fucking contest this month. So fuck that guy's getting a hundred dollars. Anybody can come fucking compete for that. But that's it. I realized these things are important. Like give back to the community for me. Like, and I have to do it because of my position in life. It was it was like really big. Um, but so with that, I ended up discovering end of the week Quebec and just seeing end of the week Zoom. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was end of the week Zoom. I knew end of the week Quebec existed, but it was uh, because of basics. He pitched me on them. But then the end of the week Zoom came because basics did it. And that big fucking 45 Quebec person takeover happened on a Zoom call one time. I know you were there for that day. Lemef was that's when I met Lemef. That's the first time I saw anybody, anybody. Um, and then I'm like, wait a second, end of the week, Quebec's a thing. Fuck that. I'm going to go through the English channels. I'm going to figure something out here. I want their attention. I found out they don't like my rapping as much. I'm not really hip with the New York City underground. Totally understandable. I'm, I'm a bit of an out there person. Uh, but it turned out the interview thing was lit. And they just, we, yo, we just snuck on and everything. Pro was like, bro, just do it. Just do it. Don't ask questions. And then I don't know. Pro's my man. Pros, my man, I love that. I didn't have anything to do with it, really. I just ran into Flacco via Merck or Miyagi and shit. And then next thing you know, uh, because I had been going to the open mic and I had been failing miserably because these people were fucking giving me the most dead-ass fuck you don't rap your looks I've ever seen in my life. I've never been so, like, I can't make these people, like, react in my life. But I kept coming back, except Nunzio. Nunzio fucked me heavy and that made me want to come back because I love Nunzio. He's like one of my favorite peoples there. He's one of my favorite interviews to this day. Um, He's a great guy. And we uh, end up, and no disrespect to these people. I don't expect anybody to like my music. I could have read the room better. I didn't read the room as well as maybe I should have. Um, but they uh, like, like, you have to understand they really like you, man. Yo, I know they like me. I, I mean, because the know. thing is that, and I'll be honest with you. They don't have to like your raps. And this Absolutely is Absolutely not. 
They don't yeah, like not. to have the rap. They that. have to respect you as a human being. And I'll be honest, for those who've never been to the EO Zoom, they really love you. They they respect you. They show you a lot of respect. They, they like you. They appreciate you. And I think that you did it, but you did exactly what a rapper from here should do. Meaning that you found an interest in somebody else, and then you linked with them, and then you joined them. This is exactly what people should do. Yeah, it's like, kind of you true. Can't And then y'all went on TV be... at the same time as I'm hooking up with the English counterparts. I'm like, go fuck my... Like, what fucking timing is that? Like, really? Yeah, same end of the week, I'm just saying. But that was crazy. Let's talk about this. The yeah, I, I would. I wanted to. Inevitably, there was no way we were ending this without bringing this up. I've been waiting the whole of thing. Of course. First of all, of shout out end of the week. If y'all don't know what end of the week is, they're like this thing that started in New York uh, City with this like open mic challenge. Because honestly, they weren't that into battle rap. Uh, and basically, it's about skills and just like this competition, this MC challenge thing where you do a cipher acapella thing there's a cypher you pass the mic there's this beat challenge where the dj tries to fuck with you there's i don't know i did the zoom version where we held up objects and people wrapped up their fucking objects whatever they that's saw. the equivalent of when you're on scene you pick up in a in a, what we call the, the freestyle box so you pick that's up it. an object in a box and freestyle that's what i saw so it on see- tv it was the first time i saw it and uh yeah and then you got involved with the end of the week quebec when because the Quebec version wow, appeared one day. While. It's been a while. Uh, you see, I was managing Monkey when he was the first, like when he was the first champion mm. of the end of the week. That's like ten or eleven years ago. I think ten years ago. Just because me and them, I'm close to get to it because you need to understand that end of the week is also. Uh, one of the guys that run in the week runs Ghetto Erudzi. Ghetto Erudzi is one of the biggest French hip-hop radio that we ever had. Like, it's been there for more than 10 years. It's on CESM. It's on University of Montreal's radio station, but it's on the FM, so it, it's pretty popular. And I started with them about 10 years ago when I we was managing Monkey. Like, I wasn't a judge yet, but I was managing Monkey, and then... I went to New York because Monkey won the world finals. So I went to New York to, to go see him with my girlfriend at the, the time. And uh, that's when I started to become a judge. So every how event after that, judge? I became an official judge. But how, how, how did you get become a judge? How did, like... Because I'm somebody who's been involved in a long time in hip-hop and they have mm. enough trust in me so i can judge correctly whenever there's a participant in front of me that's um, fair i would pick you I as mean, a judge i mean this is one thing like i've done so many things i've done journalism and then managing and then we're working with the word of battles for sponsorship even like i've done all of those but i'm not anything of those i'm just an entrepreneur who wanted to have the hip-hop caffeine for me all of those things were ways for me to get there ways for me to get my name out there and also to get experience mm, in the you're field. also a visionary you should use that word too i looked it up recently i can't give you the definition on hand but you're totally a visionary 
you but see that's the like, thing with the me. future like i have a uh, uh, <laughs> i have a i have trust issues i've always had trust issues since whenever i can remember i'm working on that right now like i've been with the same c for three years now i'm working on that i have a hard time with that but i did a lot of things honestly when i think about it like i've been through a lot of things uh i did a lot of things like when you see me in a hip-hop event do know that i've been there for 20 years so i've done like a lot of things that i'm not doing now but i still get respect for those things and respect for me is one thing that i take very seriously mm. very seriously like and i'm fortunate enough to I've been in different fields to gain that respect from people. So when I open my business right now, I'm in a situation where people know me. And that for me That's true. Is worth made like more than fucking post, man. Yo, he just posted hip hop cafe's state of mind or some bullshit and it looked like he was in that part of the the near Jean Talon Met no what is it? Near the, I'm going now on the Plaza Saint Savard. Plaza is a spot right now. I couldn't remember the name of the metro. I know my engineer lived near it, and I know like it's, the general area, but like I don't. It's know between Beaubien, Beaubien and Chantalon. Yeah, but it's on Saint Hubert. So I know that it's not that far away on cycle, but nope. it's 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 not that bad. It's there for um, you, my man. Nah, really. But when you posted that, I was like, no shit. I've been waiting a long time for this. I didn't even know I was waiting for it. I was disappointed when the hip hop cafe closed. I don't know what. I mean, I figured life is what it is. I'm not even related to hip hop. Haven't you know why thing... it closed? I have no idea why it closed. So here's why it closed. So you see, and this is a message to everybody. When I did my market analysis and I looked at the myland i thought that where i was was the shit because myland at that time mind you was really popping but myland i don't know if you remember but i was lower than saint joseph yeah so yeah higher than saint joseph that's where it was really popping where the pa supermarket was that's where everybody in that area was walking but you see when you're in a street like that and you think that oh park avenue there's a lot of cars so definitely is a good business spot well that was my first business mistake i thought that it was a good spot but i realized afterwards that a lot of cars were going but not a lot of foot traffic and when you have a coffee business i understand i'm a hip-hop business but i'm a coffee business i have a restoration place and i sell coffee like you need people People walking. You need people in the environment, either who lives or there's a lot of people walking because it's a very popular place to shop. And this is where I realized in the very beginning that this might be a problem. And also because I couldn't have a restaurant license, so I couldn't have like more than three tables at that place. All of that. So at that point. Oh, I always thought that was like, like, I thought it was set? like, yeah, I thought it was on purpose. This lack I, of tables, no, this style, and I thought it worked. I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was blessed. Like you, maybe no. other people didn't like it, but I'm a rapper guy. I'm used to just standing for five hours at an event. Yo, for the rep, no, 
I came in here, I signed a deal, and then I'm going to the city's office to get my because uh, when you when you get a a place to rent a business, then you need to go to the city's office because you need to register what kind of business you have. Because for example, if this place doesn't allow you to have a restaurant, you can't have a restaurant. Mm. That's as simple as that. So what I didn't know was that in the place I was, I couldn't have a restaurant. Okay. For the only reason that I had a restaurant less than 25 meters from me. So even though I was not a restaurant, was not a, like I was nothing like the Italian restaurant near me because it was near me two restoration license couldn't be 25 meter like less apart so because of that that made me have a kind of license that i couldn't have more than three tables that's the shit that fucked me up but my landlord when i signed the deal at that time she was like you could not have a restaurant but you could have a cafe but what she didn't know is that it's the same license uh... so I couldn't get none, one or the other. So I signed the deal and then I went to the city's office to sign the, the papers. And then they're like, my man, you can't have a cafe. I'm like, the fuck are you talking to me about? I just signed the deal for three years. I'm like, I, you can't. And he's like, if you want, then you're going to have to have three tables. Because there was more that I could have. So I tried it, but with my realities and also you kind of froze actually for the record older. did i okay. I th you no i think i was just like i was like really engrossed with this i'm like we, we don't actually so, talk about like real montreal permit shit so so what happened is that like she didn't know that so when i signed the deal i went to the office and then they told me that then i had no choice i couldn't have more than three tables but i was like I'm not going to just like forget about all the business and abandon. I had to try it. Like, I mean, people put money on it. I signed the deal. I'll try it. And then this is when I try it. So from March to June, I think that we went from like $6,000 in sales to like $2,500 in sales. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because the thing is that, events was going well but remember there was no cover in the front i couldn't charge because it was like a rectangle when you came in here so if you wanted to get a coffee and leave i couldn't just charge you ten dollars because there was an event going on so i was not charging for events so a lot of stuff was happening but when events were going on i have to say it people going to events they were not buying stuff they were a lot of time buying stuff from the depender right beside and coming in the cafe and then going to see the events. So they weren't buying coffee. So I oh, wasn't yeah. making money at the door, but I wasn't making money at the cop at the restoration portion either. So there's a lot of stuff like that. Coffee that I and nothing else. Yo, and there's a lot of things like that that I learned. And then in June, I realized that, and this is where I also had like, I'm not going to talk bad about him in this time, but my old partner, me and him just broke up. He's the one who put money in the initial money. And then after like three months, he realized that the money was not coming in 
fast, so we left. So I went from like 6,000 to 25,000. And then in June, I changed the coffee, I changed the food. I went from 2,500 to 6,000 again. So I went back and But then in October, what happened is that cold was coming in. And then remember, I can't have more than three tables. So if you're somebody who has to take a car to go take a coffee because the metro was not really near that, are you going to go to a place where there's only two tables? Or are you going to go to a place where you most likely going to have more tables? So right. this is what happened. People were not really coming as of October. And I was like, okay. Because like, I'm two talking options. all that shit about being there for four hours, but we were outside a lot. And I was there from the morning to the evening and like all the time. And I can guarantee you, I was like, it's either that I close, reimburse everything and start back or I continue, but I die. I was about to die if I continue like that. So I was like, I'll stop. But this is what I did. So I want to make it very clear. I don't think that nobody would have done what I did in the sense where I reimbursed about $50,000 in debt of the same business and I'm starting the same fucking business again. This is what I mean by being on your P's and Q's and being focused and motivating on your stuff. Mm. I don't know a lot of rap artists being like that. And one thing that helped me is because I am like that. Because now I have people that really believe in me. You want to put more money because of that. Yeah, that's nifty, man. As an artist, you should be like that. You should strive to always give 400% all the time because people at some point... You know what? Okay. But as an artist, it has to be like a little bit then more than just your art at first. Right? Because I think what happens is, is that... People take that like, and I, and this is myself included. I I met my engineer and shit, and I got lucky at first. I got lucky, dude. Half my shit is because I got lucky. I'm not even gonna lie. I didn't try hard at all to get my foot in the door. I I fumbled. <laughs> and, and you, like that. you can't put anything on luck because the thing is that you worked your ass off to get there. So mm, what you call at, luck well, is you getting out of your comfort zone. I suppose you're right. I had I did go do the one two shitty recording things that were on the fucking sound Reverb Nation. Fucking Reverb Nation. Anyway, so I got my first booked and then I did prep that shit proper or whatever. But it's because my homie linked me up. Blah blah blah. It was luck. That's how I look at it because I didn't do very much. I know what working and creating opportunity is by comparison. That shit was luck. Um, and. Uh, I don't know, man. And then I just spent all this time trying to make the perfect music and focus on the perfect this and, and whatever, whatever. But I never I never even thought about branding. I mean, I, I had a little idea of branding with the suit and the tie, but like really branding, vision statement, mission statement. Like how do you like convince people what the fuck you are in like a sentence type shit? I never really thought about any of that to like way later on, you know, like but- just the idea of it you, but sorry, man. no but, i wasn't i was about to say like you shouldn't think about it it should like, be a part of you like you're a- asking me question and i'm answering you because that's what i am but i would argue that you have a knowledge set that allows and a desire to have learned this knowledge from an early age that puts you in like 
a high, you're like an S class character in like a video game or like super class or whatever. And maybe not everyone is at that point. Like, cause the thing is, is I didn't realize I needed to care about a lot of these things until I did. And then it was once you, and I think that's what's happening is people are just kind of have blinders on. It's like, it's, it's yeah. like you, you, you're even making a business plan. I probably know all the nuances of it right now, but just the words business plan scares me because I can't picture the template the way I need to. You know, it gets fucking dumb shit like that, right? That's how we are. But now imagine you don't like have that knowledge yet or the experience and you're just used to, let's be real. It used to be that you could flip mixtapes and make way more money, like enough money literally flipping mixtapes ten dollar fucking outside shirt and these people were hustling and grinding this shit that's a whole that's dead that's over but and there's that, an adaptation that, that, no, no, no. that's dead other shit is gone is born that's what i'm saying is the adaptation process was very complicated and there's an education gap or something that's here is what i'm saying so i don't think it's so much that like or any that like people don't aren't grinding or hustling per se or that they aren't giving the p's and q's it's it's a lot of like it wasn't until i read the business books that i understood half the shit you're talking about like i follow every word you said but you've seen what i read in the last few years and i know you have Facts. so it's like no, no i've seen them look but, but it's, i think it's both i think it's both actually because you need to in order to to, to like to, to read the stuff that you read you need to just realize that you don't know everything. Mm. This, the first thing you need to realize is that you need a team or at least you need an outside opinion of somebody or something really valid to, to confirm what you're doing. Like you need that. Or at least that you feel you've outgrown what you can get in your immediate cir circumstances because you can have mentors and shit in your, but at some point you need more, you know? Yeah, but you need more. But you know what that more is? Is your willingness to succeed. Your willingness to, to get out. Me, like, put it this way. Like, everything that I've done for the last, I would say, like, at least 17 years has been, like, in accordance to me wanting to open a hip-hop cafe. So, I, I mean... That. This is me sacrificing 17 years of my life. I could have done something else. I could have focused on something else and then specialized something else, get more money and do this and that. That's not what I wanted. I wanted to focus on the hip hop. And I wanted my business to come from hip hop. So this is why I'm still implicated in you. This is what I think is missing. This is what I mean by you need to put your in before anything else. You can't expect anybody to come to you if yourself, you're not in the position to, to demonstrate them that you are risking your own self and your own stuff to this for this to succeed. Because otherwise, like they're not gonna take you seriously. But this has to like extend beyond the artist. This has to go to the media, to the everybody. Because there's lots of puzzles of where it's like the same kind of situation. Like you want to be like just, just owning a business, like just you wanting a business should definitely need that. Like you want something outside than what's being 
shown to you to have a nine to five and then to take ta retraite après ça and then to just stay calm. Like, you have to do it for you. But nobody's going to do it for you. And this is the thing. Really, nobody's going doing it for you. So you have to put like more than 100% in you. This is the thing. But people here are not really to do, really ready to do that. I think that there Am are I wrong? people that are. I would say you're you're partly right, partly wrong. I again, because okay. I, I bring it back to people are putting their all, but not always into the right things, and okay. trying to convince them how to reprioritize is the hard part, because I just know too many artists, man. I just know too many that are they have the talent and a great. Uh, and you know what? Here's an example of adaptation. Cool man, Logan. He is doing everything he can. Ah, let's talk about CL, my man. He's doing everything he can to listen to everyone's advice to the point where I'm the loafer, so you can't blame him. We're going to bang out a lit Instagram campaign. We have one. I got it set up. I got inspired by a 17-year-old. Also, none of us have 17-year-olds on our team. Big mistake. How are we going to social media without kids on our team? And I mean that legitimately. 17-year-olds are really good at social media and we're yeah. really bad at social media. We know how to pay money for social media, which means we're fucking terrible at social media. So where do you with that? I don't know. I'm working on that personally. I literally, I'm trying to get young people around me, males, females, people that are regulars as in not connected to the scene, yeah. people that are in the scene. And like one of my colleagues at work is a 22 year old lady. And I said, how do you feel about a Munchal hip hop show? She went, I said, fuck, it's, that's not a good look. That is not what I, she, she it's not it, a good face, put it this way. <laughs> I was like, ha, oof, I'm never pitching you a concert right now. But like, it was a health check, right? I just wanted a little health test because she's 22 and she's from Montreal and her opinion matters more than ours in terms of live events because she's 22. Um, I mean that kids are all that really matters and i mean kids 18 to 24 that's who goes to live shows they own the live market thanks anyway so we need some young people around and i think that's another thing we do wrong go find one of our squads yo i don't have enough young people on my squad yet i'm trying to solicit some but it's hard to get them what do you mean by you're doing this wrong because we don't have enough young people i mean like we're not actually scoping the market correctly because without having young people there telling us how young people think, how could we possibly do fucking proper analytics on what the live scene should look like? That's a fact. So what are you doing to reach out to these people? Crossroad Cypher. And Instagram and interviews. I mean, literally my whole brand became that. I, so that's, this is, that's what I was about to say. Okay. I mean, I can answer that. I don't know if you're being rhetorical or not there, but no, I really am. That's how I identified it. That's how no, I, I was asking it. you like a genuine question. Like, well, I'm, interviews Because I mean, you want to interview me because you think I'm interesting, but I, yeah. I think you are very interesting as well. So that's why I'm having conversation. Oh, um, fair. I got, I get, sometimes people ask questions and it catches me off guard because not everyone does. Um, honestly, I, I, I believe in market research heavy because I've done so many competitive analysis at work. I've done SWOT analysis. I've done all this shit. So like for me, it's like I started applying this shit to hip hop and I realized I had the blessing of working with this girl, Kristen Riggs, on my podcast and she's just way younger. And then I never hit on them. I just never hit on them. I never flirt and I try hard not to look at things so they get comfortable enough to talk to me honestly. 
Um, and so I got to know her over the years and I realized that the way she thinks and behaves and what she's comfortable with and what she, and I'm like, yo, she doesn't even act like people my age a little bit. And so I make, I make efforts to here and there, like find younger people through whatever, but it's Instagram honestly lets you meet people now. And I keep trying to explain that to like my older cats, like Facebook's dead. If you want to do anything networking wise, it's like, I can justify it for days on some, like, it's what my job is. I'm supposed to know a lot about social media demographics, but like anybody that's hip is on Instagram. I didn't say TikTok. TikTok is trendy, but like hip people are dominating Instagram and possibly Twitter. They dominate these platforms. So anybody, you know, that can do innovative shit on Instagram is somebody to follow. Talia Montreal is an account to follow. That girl is killing it. She's one of the most everything you said to the point where she linked up with fucking tech luciano and them to do a fucking podcast that girl is an example of somebody that you're saying doesn't exist here that does exist here but she's 22 and she's not really pushing facebook like that but there's many that's the thing there's plenty people that exist in here that have like went outside of what i was talking about steve pajot was one of them that's my friend steve pajot won a grammy for his work with aretha franklin how many montrealer do you know with that he did the flute for one of talent squally's song uh, his brother ricky pajot is the drummer of madonna in her world but tours i guess what i'm saying is that if we're talking oh. about live scenes it's local right because like it's people who are here. We need to enthrall the young people that our shit is actually lit. That's oh, possible. Oh, even our young people. Their young brother Anthony Pajot is touring the world with the group Anomaly, which is like a slamzik pop. Make um, it's, so like, it's mm, but it's still he's there. All like this is a Quebec family, a black Quebec family that has been traveling all across the world. Nobody talks about it because in here in Quebec, I think that we have a little issue. Oh, that, with that's, success. that's big facts. Um, but I also think that we have a shitty perspective on what we can achieve here. Like you said, I actually agree with you heavy. So everyone likes to share that meme with the Atlanta dollar signs going up and uh, insert your city here. Cause trust, it's not the Montreal problem. It's the everywhere, not named the Bay area and fucking Atlanta problem and Nashville, Nashville is Liddy. Okay. So there are these places where the entire ecosystem of music is lit as in all genres and there's seamless coordination and everybody just fucking loves the music scenes. And they're like people that look, there's a thousand rappers that suck everywhere. And, and I mean that in the sense that a thousand rapper, like if, I, if there are 10,000 rappers here, I'm sorry, I'm coming for all of you. So is Lamef, so is everybody. Only a few of us are really, really going to make it. It's the truth to it. Thanks, thanks. But a lot of us can still perform every night. Okay. A lot of us can still live that life and create that fucking culture that's here. And you look at these scenes, right? And a lot of it did come from mixtapes and a lot of things like that. But you read the Gucci main book and you're like, bro had like a house where like 17 producers were there or oh, not 17, but like every lit producer for an era was working there at one point, every rapper would come through. It just seemed like there were these places that music got created. Kind of like what the Royal peasants was doing in that laugh shit that like Bohemian attracted kind of thing mixed with a lot of. Okay, I don't want to talk about how people made money, but there were people that got their money up and were able to also do some shit, which is, I think, part of it is there's not a lot that's free 
right? So like here's here's the thing about that. This is a very great point. By the way, shout out to Royal Peasants, shout out to Logics, and people that don't know Royal Peasants should make their research. Miriam Sassy was actually part of that group as well. She was the only female. Yeah, she's there. fucking talented. Yo, that was a great group. But this is one thing that you're saying. You said that people with the, uh, uh, no, you didn't say the, uh, Gucci Mane were piled up and then 17 producers. You want to know what's the difference between here and there? It's between there, they dedicate their life. They live in so, so much shitty conditions that this is their way out. So this is the motivation to get the Shit. fuck out of their place. So they work on that. And here, saying. we don't have that. Because oh my gosh. most okay. of the people are living in places where they're not really in that much trouble. So they can talk as much as they want about ghettoists and this and that. But they don't really live it that much. So it's not really you. that much important to get out of it. I think so you made your point said, way heavier thing. than I think you made your point way better than I was hoping you would make your point in this. Um I have yes. less people to name. <laughs> yes. the, I have less like, names I can bring forth. So here's what I would say then. That's why I go back to the young people, because I don't agree that they're like what you're describing. Because they're not able to fully be as what you're describing because they're not old enough. So like this 17 year old kid, man, this kid just makes music every day. He wrote 380 songs. He's recorded 180. Teaching himself they to need, mix they master. need to find people with him. That does uh, I know, I know he ended up linking up with make way in some way or another. I don't know how deep it goes in that path, but That's I saw it. So like I saw he was involved with them, but it also came from this Instagram shit, these contests, these little groups. So like, I'm, I call it an ecosystem issue more than a talent issue, right? Like, that's why I'm trying so hard to do things with behind that suit. My contest is shit because I don't try very hard in it, but it exists for people that want. I mean, you have to admit, sometimes you just have to let some shit wait so you can really focus on it. Um, but then the cypher is really cool. Like, I didn't know who Vince Price was before the cypher, dude. I didn't have any idea who the fuck this guy was and how interesting he was. Gigante. You know Gigante? Uh, no. Maybe 50 50. Wow. Dude, I don't know anything, man. Like, that's the thing is, I had to Let accept... Let me tell you this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I didn't want to cut you. No, no, Gigante, Gigante was actually a collective that included... Okay. It included um, the group of CL. Okay, okay I know what this is. It yes, included, I do know what this is. Vince will kill me for saying I don't know another group, uh, Boom Bap Cats. It include. I think they were like nine or ten ish. Yes, this came. Vince told me the whole story. Yeah, I remember this now. That's the problem. Sometimes it doesn't stick as quick. That was but like, crazy. But see, this is something that people that loves hip hop in Quebec won't necessarily mention the Gigante era. But I can guarantee you, I've seen like three shows in a row from them because. They had like a, a, a section where they did like a few shows back to back. Yo, this was crazy. This Bro, was crazy. When Those CL people said, are insanely great MCs. All I know is CL was like, bro, I can sell tickets. And I believed him. 
And I was like, I never, I didn't believe a lot of people, but I believe CL. And he said, yo, I sell like 50 tickets, no problem. And I'm like, you do? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, wow. That was my honest reaction to CL's confidence and ticket selling ability. I didn't know it was like, maybe it's again for some of us. I think there's like this whole idea that we can't do it, that you're right. You've really tapped into it. Is. It's implicated like, in your mind that as a non-American artist, you cannot succeed from it. Nah. As an Anglo-Quebecer, it's not as a non-American artist. Okay, I don't give a no, fuck. No, but you're as right. a Canadian, are you kidding me? I'd fucking dream about Toronto and Vancouver. I don't give a fuck. But as an Anglo-Quebecer, my guy, like, there's uh, that grant. All we talk about is grant money. You know how ever since I started doing this, the grant shit's come up. I mean, off cam, yeah, I'm, I participated in it. It's fun sometimes. But, like, I also participated in it knowing I got, like, things that I'm trying to do to solve the issue. Like, I did link up with a dude who lives in fucking Bronx, and he's friends with a lot of people that are way more famous than me. And now I get to talk to famous people that are, well, yeah. I call them D-tier celebrities because they're heard of by a very few number of people, but they count. They're really nice. legends that should be bigger. So, I mean, how did that happen if it wasn't for, in a sense, but I also got to travel. When I was younger, you said you got to travel when you were younger. Where did you get to travel to? Yo, can I ask you a question right before I answer that? Did ever somebody go to the bathroom right in the middle of the interview? All the time. I had to pee too. Like we can yeah, totally I really do that. have to. Let's do it. Everyone stick around. We're going like, to take a hey, quick pee break. Yo, thank you for that. That was that was good timing. I saw you like a Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> Nah, for real though. Honestly, see, I had to stop drinking coffee like an hour and a half to two hours before the. Yo, shout out the fact that most of y'all stuck through our little pee break and I didn't even do anything. I just left it quiet. Yes. I was like a bad host. <laughs> um, yo, shout out Chris Chrome. Chris Chrome's the editor guy. If you need visualizers, hit up to Chris Chrome. He's down to visualize. Like you know who made uh, Cool Man Logan's cool visualizer because he responded okay. to ideas. Shout out to him, Chris Chrome. Mm, sometimes uh, people evolve. That's all I can say about the the, the Logan. <laughs> he he's malleable, and everyone is. I I love Kuman Logan, man. Like honestly, like I I just feel bad sometimes because I think that his talent is way over people's head. I, I and I told him like we told we were talking about a manager, Holden. The fuck you think I'm telling him? Get a manager. But you know what he, he did? Was he was like, took I need really... an A&R, I need this. I'm like, you need a manager. He's like, I need this. I'm like, you need a manager. This Yo, is what but you I need. saw him recently pivot to a manager. That's what he's currently he's currently on. Yo, I'm telling yes. you, he listens. Like, that's why yes. I fucks with him. He's and just... I, I respect that. I, I mean, that. everyone just hears the words, but they don't know what they need often. And there's a huge language. Yo, I wrote a song called Jargon Nonsense. Why? Because I realized that web marketing is gated by content the way that... Have you ever, like, read a pure researched paper? It's just jargon. You have to actually know what that jargon means to right. make sense of it. To make sense you get of this, it, yeah. I fucking love science article that's trash and doesn't really tell you what the study said. But I took stats class, so I can read this shit. So I read the stuff, and I realized jargon is, like... Like, there's this knowledge hoarding that's happening in the world that's equitable to the wealth hoarding. And you could argue there's like a 1% of like wealth knowledge kind of thing where like, yo, I understand how to speak certain like jargon sets that allow me to follow a conversation like yours and then so many other ones. 
But what I realized is people don't code switch well because they don't fully love, like I love language. Like I'm obsessed with this language, this English one. I'm not as in the other ones. French is cool, but like I'm obsessed with English, etymology, all of it. And, and, and I realized that like the amount of dialects, I mean, come on, hip hop versus corporate. Shit, man. Those are two completely different Englishes. Facts. Facts. And I love it. But, but you don't promote it the same way. Like you don't promote a corporate event the same way we prevent a corporate, like a, a hip hop. People event aren't aware. But people aren't aware of all of these. Dude, I found out there was a Montreal accent when I talked to Lush one. As in like three or four weeks ago. I didn't know there was a Montreal English accent. This is my personal opinion. I think that this is because you're anglophone that you're saying this. Yep, but nobody ever even said it to me in 33 years. But I can't really tell you, like, as a French person, I'm not going to tell you that your accent is different than every year. Like, I'm not going to tell you that. But then I went and Googled it on Reddit. I don't recognize it. I know. But when in doubt, you can check Reddit where they do shit, like tell you how Toronto says shit. And you're like, bro, that's not how you say these words. <laughs> He's like, no, fuck that. That's not it. I'm like, because I knew about all the other ones, but like, I've been to Toronto like twice in my whole life. It's not like I was really hanging out with locals and shit. You know, like, it's like, you don't, like, our, our accent is a lot closer to New York than it of is course. to other parts of Canada. Of but like, you're not cognizant of any, yo, but you have to really like, I'm a geek in the knowledge. You can't like, I don't expect everyone to pursue the way I pursue the life of data and variables the same. So I don't, I just don't think a lot of people understand half the shit that we're like, not that they don't understand what we're talking about, but like, you gotta be like on a certain level of language that has unlocked in your brain. So what I realized is jargon explains, once you understand what an ARO is, you now understand that as a concept. So every time you hear it, but if you imagine all the chats in your life where you heard ARO before that was a thing you registered. So all that knowledge was just kind of blocked off or partially, you know, throughout our whole life. It's like that. I won't forget my first meetings where nobody told me shit and I had to go fucking Google what a CTA is and a CTR. And yeah, I wrote a whole song. It's called jargon nonsense. I'm not breaking it down. Um, but like it was, I was so passionate because I realized nobody knew what the fuck I was talking about. And I'm explaining it clean as day with the language that I understood. But like artists don't often have good business jargon and business people don't have good artist jargon. And there's not a lot of like middle people. There's not a lot of business people that are also artist people. I definitely think I can play that. I, I fuck I'm both of these things at once. So I can tell you there's not a lot of them. There are, I met quite a few. I'm grateful for all the ones I meet. But like most artists don't really learn the business jargon and most business people that I find don't learn the artist jargon. So they have a lot of trouble communicating with each other is my I will say that the initial problem of all of that is the fact that not a lot of people want to get in that field point blank period because it's, it's, it's a lot complicated. Like, I mean, put it this way, like, your manager and you decide to live off of that do you know how many artists you need to manage or do you know how much money the same artist needs to make for you to be able to live with that a lot of money a lot of money Bro, so here's the thing 
the same way you see not a lot of artists being really willing to put 250% in their shit, the same way you won't, you will see the same managers not be willing to put 150% on somebody else. Mm. The problem comes from there. We do not have confidence in ourselves as artists. We think that it's a plan B. We do not think that hip hop could support our life. That's the problem. If you want to do a job or if you want to have a business, Holden, you will sacrifice every single fucking thing for the business to happen because that's your goal. But that's the problem with artists in here. They don't have that energy, that goal. They just want all the results. They don't want the work. The problem with that is that one does not come without the other. You That's can't true. just get all the results without putting a thousand percent of you in there. Like, I, I want to argue with you, but like, I feel a lot of things you're feeling. Like, I don't want to talk like I'm the best at anything, but I work every day of my fucking life and will to the day I die for this shit. Like, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. And I work on my But music that's a lot more than everybody. That's a lot more than a lot of people. I mean, so I know that. I, look, a lot of times, like, you know, I'm in this interviewer role, so I try not to throw shade, but it's not lost on me. I'm not going to name names, but there are people we both know that recently put me in positions of big disappointments. And then people cope with life differently. And <clears throat> honestly, like, I spent the last year telling well, last let's not let's not say year though since like november telling people that you could make money on twitch because youtube money's trash you know i know youtube money's trash right like i have a monetized youtube channel for years i'm telling y'all youtube money's trash but like go on twitch y'all will actually a lot of these people will outperform me on twitch no problem and they're like just not doing it and you know what man it took me like four months of research is the truth of it that I know why they're not because it took so much research, dude. It took me forever. I had to like fucking sack a lot of shit in my life to get the, the, the knowledge shit to be the guy that people are hitting up for OBS questions and shit. It got annoying. I'm like, fuck off. I actually made a video called how to rap on beat for free with voice meter and OBS. I swear to fucking God, cause there are no fucking tutorials on how to rap on beat at that time. So that's how, like, I mean, what are you going to do with the knowledge? I know how to do it now. It's actually really simple. But did you know that voice meter exists? No, nobody's ever heard of voice meter. This shit's a godsend. And it's like, uh, you can have it for free, but you end up paying for it because they're good people. And you can't not in your soul, not. And it's a tax right off. Fuck, just do it. Um, It's true. Um, But like, honestly, all this shit is out there. But it takes hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of reading and watching videos and failing. I failed. I failed so much that it fucked up all of my plans last year. For that's why it took so long to get to this point. You know, it fucked up so much to figure out sound. But one thing though, it fucked you up so much, but it got you in a better position now. Yo, big. This facts. is one thing. This is one thing about it. People need to stop seeing failures as the end of the world they actually need to embrace them they mm. need to understand that if you don't fail at anything you don't learn anything truth so 
this is one thing. Like I learned a shitload of things from the first hip hop cafe that I had. And this is what I'm showing. Like I have a contest that I'm participating right now. Uh, I have to give my business plan until uh, I have until May 31st. And it's to get to the plaza. They have like a books can done like up to $30,000. And I have to make them understand why this is the best business to get on the plaza. Uh, and that's the thing. Like, what you're saying, like, you need to tell them, like, here, I tried it. Here's what worked. Here's what did not work. I'm giving you the better version of what would mm. ever be possible right now. So you don't have any choice to invest in me. Because I already have people waiting for me, and this is, I already did that business, so I know what it is. People are not willing to sacrifice their life and sacrifice their time for the project. This is the problem here. And That's true. It's all right if you're not an entrepreneur and you don't want to do this. It's all right. But from the moment that you want to be an artist or want to be an entrepreneur, you can't tell me that you're not going to sacrifice anything because you're going to lose right away. You need to be sure that, like, you put 2,000% of everything you have in this. I mean, I look at it like, 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 Lamette brought up synergization and, like, you can synergize shit. Like, I'll be real with you. Half the reason I didn't quit my job is because, believe it or not, because I'm a rapper... I got promoted. I know. That is the weirdest shit people don't often say. I'm in a call center. But when you say because, give me oh, the real explanation. I'm going Why to. Why did you get that? It's, it's legitly fucking fascinating to me. They knew I could perform as a rapper because I had been bringing people. So they all knew I could spit. They knew I could write because I had done that at work. And they needed to do webinars. So they put two and two together. We have this rapper guy. He must be able to do webinars. I shit you fucking not. And then that brought me to this next place where I got a literal promotion, which came yes. with annual yes. recurring cash incentives. Now I ran that number, how much money I've made since that point with subsequent promotions. And I consider that off of rap now because I guarantee you that my current role is because of behind that suit, which is because of hip hop, which it's so, and people don't know everything is related. Happening. People don't know that I actually make more money at my day job because I do this. So I can just lose money here because I'm, 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 it's not finalized. But I could be looking at another one. So it's like, oh, shit. I actually made this much money off of music just in the most abstract accounting. You have to know accounting to understand like how that makes sense. But it does on a P&L sheet. It just doesn't with any logic because I don't really sell music. I make fucking nothing on content. But, but but it makes sense because also you as a human being want that. You want this portion of your life to take over. You want to, to be able to get more money from your rapid. That's normal. I Yeah, because then you can hire people and hiring people is fun. But that's the thing. Not a lot of people think like that. They think that they're going to make the raps and then the money comes in. And then they have no team, no nothing. That's the thing. But this is the same thing as, see, 
when you really think about that, not a lot of people are thinking about creating a business. Why? Not because they're not good. A lot of times it's because they don't have that confidence in their self. Mm. So let me go back to that question before the pee break. Where did you travel to? Wow. Um, I did, um, other than the States, I did Bolivia, Peru, France, Spain. Perfect. That's it. You hit the third world. I, I bring that up. So, I mean, regardless of context, when they say that traveling humbles you, get to more blah, blah. It's true. That shit was like Yo, fucking clockwork. It's a thousand percent true. Like, put it this way. When I went to Peru, I went five weeks with my best friend at the time. And me and her, like, put it this way. Like, we were, like, taking from different cities to cities in Peru. We're taking, like, bus, uh, bus. It was, like, school buses. And then we were going in the dans les sound. What's the les sound in English, uh, Holden? I remember. Les sound is, like, the, the mountains and... Peru. Oh, Andes, Andes. Andes. Okay, yes. Okay, yeah, I had to think about my mountain ranges. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been there, uh, and I would say that going with her in that place literally changed me because we were two white people in a place where we were a minority. Because the thing with me is that when I travel, I'm not going like in the club man and shit like that. I'm going to like backpack and I'm going to the like the dirty place and shit like that. And when I went there, like that really humbled me up, humbled me up to a point where we were in a city, some point where we were the only white people and it was like machetes and guns sold by young Good. kids in the street. But they were telling me the bullets are sold two streets or two blocks away in a black market. So I'm like, I got like a 12 year old kid selling me a gun and I can go two blocks away to get the bullets. Like that was crazy. That was crazy. That really changed me a lot. Um, definitely. So definitely I bring that up because yeah. I, you met me before I traveled. And you can argue that my energies when we were at the cafe wasn't in that giving my all. It really wasn't. I was, uh, I wanted to party. I wanted to get laid. Those, those are my bigger motivations for rapping at that time, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I have to say, like, I, I remember seeing you, but I don't remember your state of mind. I'll be honest with you. I could rap shittily on a freestyle. I could perform well because I always took it seriously. <laughs> But I wasn't motivated by the right reasons. Um, I probably just talked to you out of like fascination for what you did, because like, I mean, even at that age, I was smart enough to like be cool about certain people. Um, but like, I then traveled, um, and everything but my attitude changed because I went to Pakistan and I spent a month working with Pakistani people in a call center. Uh, like I was the trainer. Now I got to ball out. I mean, I got to drop, okay, dude, it was 25 fucking dollars, man, to get McDonald's Yo, for like seven up. people. In a call center in Pakistan? Yeah, for a month. Just... Benson and Hedges cost a dollar eighty. Dude, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, can of Coke is 25 cents, my guy. And I got a per diem. 
I don't know how many people you know that ever got a per diem, but a per diem changes you too. So now I got the humbling shit of discovering what Pakistani culture is and how they have family love in ways I'd never seen here. Like it's fucking crazy the love they have there. And, and it's just so different the way they, they work together. Family units, 11 people living in a home, everybody doing what they can, collaborating. Effectively, your family units are collective because literally the money ain't that right. And like minimum wages, but the guns too. Fucking guns everywhere, man. <laughs> like actually guns everywhere. Like I'd never seen guns before I went to fucking Pakistan. And then like walking up towards the, the base because like they have the shopping mall that's in a military complex part. I'm looking up and there's just this fucking guy pointing a rifle at me. I realize he's just always pointing the rifle and he's actually trained to not shoot white people 100%. You learn that real quick that nobody's touching you if you're a Canadian business person. But like, uh, yo, it was scary. I never had a gun pointed at me. It wasn't really at me, but it was at me. And then like everybody has guns all over and I'm like, this is not where I live. Yo, the fucking old guys, minimum wage, 80 Canadian dollars a month, sit in a chair in front of a super mall holding a shotgun. And that's the minimum wage old guy job. And I'm like, oh, oh, I don't ever want to be like in that place in life. But I probably won't because we have fucking welfare in Montreal. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, it was, it, yo, you come back. And then I went to Israel eight months later, July 2014, which was reminiscent of this week, just so that you're aware. It was reminiscent of it, what was happening the exact time I was in Israel. And I got to like look into the eyes of a mother whose son had died in like the military cemetery. Like we went to the grave and the mom, just some fucking American mom had shown up a day late after the funeral and cried and like thanked us for grieving. And I'm like, yo, I just looked into the eyes of a mother who lost her child in a military conflict. That's what happened with traveling for me. And then but I this came back. Traveling, traveling trains you. Traveling prepares you for life. Like your mother and your father could, could prepare you as much as they want. But you traveling is something yo, else. But you like, just have yo. these experiences, though, that, like, stick with you. But they, then you come back home, and you see the things people say here, and you realize if you actually, okay, go on a Facebook fight, and if you, like, see certain attitudes, ask them the question of if they travel. Nine times out of ten, they've never left for Quebec. <laughs> they just never left. That's fascinating to me. Like, I don't see why. Like, like I'll go up to even say, when people say, where are you going to go to travel? I know in Quebec, we have a lot of great places. But my first thinking is getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, I know for me, it was like, I just uh, didn't believe I could afford it on bad money management. Um, I'm not going to pretend like I'm great with money. Uh, and traveling isn't exactly a thing you can do if you're like, you kind of need to know how to save money to travel if you're doing it right. No, to be honest. no. Here's how. Tell so us. basically, you need the money to fly, first of all. So plane ticket. And then what you really need to put your money on is how to fly. And now let's say they go to, you go to Europe. You want to navigate from the cities. You take the train. So at that point, you buy a train pass. <coughs> so your focus and there should be to get money to get your plane ticket and your train pass. Now, what's important 
is that you have a little freestyle in your trip. So other than having that plane ticket and that train pass that allows you to go in all those cities, you don't have anything planned. But this, yes. So that costs you, I don't know, $1,700. You work. You get those $1,700. And then after that, you travel. When you travel, then you don't eat a lot. I ate a lot of sandwiches, my man, when I was in those travels. A lot of them. Mm. And I wasn't spending in food. I was spending in experiences and beers and meeting people. This is, I think this is the best kind of trip. This is the most rewarded trip you can have. More than just going to, a, like I went to, to Mexico with my mom one week. She invited me there. Like it's the worst time of my life. Look. <laughs> it's, I have to be honest, like it's the worst week. Look. I can't stand in one place, not do anything. And then yeah, no, I felt <clears throat> See, I mean, I'd rather like doing a backpack and then meet people, exchange with them. Yo, I learned about hip hop in Peru. I bought Colombian CDs in Peru and hit Peruvian CDs in Peru in a place where I would have never been if I would have explored a little bit. That's what what you need. Get out of your comfort zone. I mean, I didn't do that version of it. Um, Yo, I'm telling you working in pakistan as in day jobbing in pakistan is an experience oh my yeah. man i i don't i like i, I i'm sure it is i'm sure but it's it the is. opposite you are bawling like i got you know dude i took this guy to a restaurant and i found out you know, it was 20 bucks like everything's 20 bucks like everything you can think of is 20 <laughs> fucking dollars <laughs> like because yo i mean yo i tipped a guy a dollar one time because for me it's a dollar everything in your head's canadian still the guy looked like he was going to cry from joy. I was like, that's fucked up. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I took that's this great. guy to a restaurant. It was like $20 with leftovers and shit. And he was like, I've never eaten here in my life. My family can't afford it. And I'm like, oh, I want to oh. be that kind of rich. That's what really happened to me. Mm. That's that's the type of shit that you can't get that kind of humble. You can't have that taste of, honestly, wealth often without. And I know this is such a fucking whack thing to say. But it's what happened to me. I got a chance of having a 5X my net worth like overnight. Yep. And it let me ball in ways that were so rewarding. Yo, buying eight people supper is the most gangster shit you can do, in my opinion. Like, that's hard. This, like, I've been through a lot of shit in my life, to be honest with you. And one of the best things in life is this. Exactly what you just said. And I, I've been in a situation like, like, for example, like I have a little brother, I do mentoring with a young kid of 15 years old and like, like just being able to give back and try to help him become a better man because he does not have any father figure. Like, this is another thing that helps me. Like what you were saying, what I'm like, this is all things that helps me get a, be a better person. I think that everybody should try in their own to be a better person at this point i'm just gonna say though that a lot of those perspective points came from traveling to extremely different places and that's why like peru and stuff it's extremely different the life is nothing like here but then but it's the same experience 
but there's so there's a lot of but what I mean is there's this thing that Canadians do where they think their opinion matters globally. And it's like the goofiest <laughs> shit ever. It's like, come on guys, we're thirty five million people and we're a country that is effectively the fifty first state. What clout or influence does Canada? You think Justin Trudeau counts? He's there. Like all the other countries that are there. Sure, he's on a G something. He's there. It's Canada. Like, fuck off. Like, our opinion on a topic has never been brought up really on anything. You never hear people be like, oh, those Canadians. I'm like, we're trying to change that. We have Drake. Thank goodness. I know whatever we want to say. But finally, we have Drake and Justin. <laughs> but that's who we have at that level because there's not that many other. Celine. I can't, uh, I can't think of actors. Yeah, she's not doing a lot of things right now. People still hear of her. She comes up. She's still got. Oh, that she's level. there, but she's not. Like she's got like this soft culture power where like everyone knows of her. But like, there's not a lot of things coming out of Canada that are globally significant. So I don't think Canadians learn that until they encounter people not from Canada. But see, that's the thing. Which maybe ties into that self-esteem issue we have. That's what I was thinking. Like, if we're having that issue, it's because we're not really having a good self-esteem of ourselves. Because, I mean, put it this way, Holden, if you have a project right now and your confidence is to the roof, well, Holden, you're doing that project right now and this project is going to the roof. This is exactly what's going to happen. But this is because you're putting, yo, I'm reading a book right now about intentionality. John yeah. C. Maxwell, like intentionality, and this is the thing: you can have a million projects. How intentional are you about them? Are you doing stuff? Are you getting out of your comfort zone to make sure that stuff about this project is being done? This is what we need to do. So nothing really happened because nobody was really intentional about it. Mm. I mean, like here's the thing. You've been in this game a lot longer, and everything I'm saying is only from my perspective, which is not as lot longer. Of and course, but totally it's a good perspective on. to have, though. I'm going to take the side of the past is what the past is, but the future is not as bleak as people say. And when people say the generalized idea of there aren't people, I mean, like, quite literally, yes, there are. There is oh, no, they are a good artist. There is an organizational issue and a lack of data resources to allow us to connect in any meaningful way. Because if the networking events are run with the same level of effort as what you're describing, it gets real complicated. It gets real hard and shifty. You know what happened? I mean, what do you mean meaning. exactly? But it gets complicated because we get structured. So, like, you know, a lot of people. I, and like you're in a world where like you're in the know and I don't know how else to put it but I'm not I only recently maybe moved towards more being in the know and very right. recently prior to that it felt very much like I'm on the outskirts like in a lot of ways I did a lot of things right I fucking love the alternative grind I think that album to this day is one of the greatest things I ever created and fucking if anyone ever really listened to it they'd like it we tried we, we did it <clears throat> we did impressive shit shit that i learned was maybe not as cool as like, you know what it is but like who cares i love that shit to this day but like at the end of the day there was so much more to this game that involved politicking and i don't know how else to put it but it's politicking it's it's a degree of dealing with other people and especially the people you don't like 
uh, and mm -hmm. how you manage those ones. And so I don't have any of those skills. So I just burnt bridges left, right, and center. It was like <laughs> a nice thing. So now what? Now every, everybody knows I can rap, dude. From day one, they saw me on stages, but I made no friends. Mm -hmm. So when you have no friends in this and you just have burnt bridges and you have no, you know, all of it comes down to perspective. But I think. Did you start? I'm sorry. Did you start rapping with the. Uh, about karaoke when the cafe no. was there it was uh, way before that i started i don't know i started rapping in 2012 june uh because my dude linked me up with jeremy dobsky otherwise known as bookworm and he was doing punchlines and comedy or whatever and i got booked on the second version of that and i crushed it once you have footage of you crushing a live set get footage Yo, it's over. <laughs> that shit's on my YouTube channel. Fuck that. You can see my first live show. Fuck what I can do today. That's dope. You, you should show us. You should uh, show us that. Ah, we can do Put it after, for sure. Of course. Um, Put it up I've when you have it. a chance it's, after that. Nah, I mean, I'll, I'll show it. I mean, I've done it on the channel before. I, I, I try not to go too hard on making this about my music. It was The lesson, though, is the footage. Because that's a lesson. I don't mind correlating it to that. Um... And then from that, once you have footage of you performing, it's over. Like people, nice. like you said, can see that. And then I noticed that nobody's filming shit, but I also found out a lot of people got robbed for filming shit. So I can understand why for an era, people felt not so inclined to film things. Like if it's a liability that your phone, and there was a period of time where phones were getting snatched all over Montreal and I was feeling kind of cocky. I just didn't give a shit. And I just felt, yeah, this was real. STM phone oh, yeah? snatchings. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for real. Like 2012, <laughs> it was a real thing on the bus and stuff. Oh, Metro. Like MTL okay. blog would report on it, so you know it's quasi legit. <laughs> yes, quasi -legit. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, but like I found out through the yeah. interviews that certain legitimate camera people were getting snatched. Uh, people, you know, maybe you're not feeling so safe and inclined to pull your phone out that cost a thousand dollars and film in certain environments after hearing stories of shit. And I'm like, okay, maybe I didn't give a shit, and so I'm the guy filming shit because I didn't know shit. Cool. But I got into this habit. I would just go to shows and I'm filming everything. Film, film, film. Right? Document this shit. Because, yo, we're at a show. How the fuck are people even going to know a show is happening? I don't know. So I just kind of rolled through and then hip-hop karaoke appeared. And my guy, like, I waited my whole life for this. It was like, <laughs> yes. what, February 2013 or something? Like, was my first one. I walked in. I, did Ill I opened in November, in March 2014. I think that you were there like a year before at least. I was definitely, uh, my first one was February 20. I, I recently stole them all and posted them on Instagram. Uh, so like, uh, well, I was promoting their event. Come on. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like I, I, uh, did the first one and I did Ilmana Hobson five and then I grabbed some guy's head. I shouldn't have done that. That could have been an assault charge. I grabbed some guy's head. He was cool with it. Uh, all of it. And then D shade gave me headphones. And I didn't know what D Shade was, and that was amazing. And I mean, when you go somewhere, and then you know what happened, dude? I went back. Every, I missed one that year. They treated me like I'm a fucking celebrity by the end of that shit. It was whack because this was a group of people that the fans were coming. I was like a draw. It was like, yo, you're here. What are you gonna? I, I would never tell them what I'm performing. Why? I don't know. I did it once, and they acted fucking weird about it. So of course you keep doing it. Oh, right, right. You're not going to tell us what... I bet it's going to be good, though. I got that. Dude, I've never been treated like a celebrity since. But, like, <laughs> that hip-hop karaoke shit, like, even they know that, like, you know, we, we cool. They But they know, like, 
I was always a pull for them. And you could see it in the footage and shit. Like, fucking people would go nuts for me rapping, like, fucking whatever. It didn't matter. I, I got... I sang, like, shit. And it didn't matter. It was so cool. It was the coolest I shit I remember ever. that. I remember that. But see, that's the thing about you. Is that you put a thousand fucking percent in this. I did. I used to practice hours and hours and hours memorizing that shit. But this is the problem, hold on, with artists here. And I understand that you're saying that on my end, I know some artists that are very passionate and this and that. But I'm... How passionate, really? How I know Hoshe's like, gonna take... Are you, are you talking about... I know Hoshe's Are you talking about... Like, are you talking about passionate, like, sacrificing your life? Like yeah. sacrificing other shit in your life in order for you to put more time this? I can't say everyone I've talked to, but I can say a few of them. Enough of them that I feel inspired. That's great. And I apologize. And when I say this, I don't mean that there's nobody like this. Nah, of like, course I not. apologize if this is what it sounds like. It doesn't. It's a great I'm chat. just saying that in the younger generation, I don't see that often. And even like for example, I do mentoring with my little brother Zachary, which is 15 years old, and even with him, it's the same thing. Like I tell him, like, like you apply for a job, okay, but then it's been two weeks. Have you made any following? If you did this, no. Why? Like, yeah, but you can't just wait for stuff to happen. You need to get in there like, and to you have make to sure. Go... I gotta be careful of how I put this, but you gotta look at the other side of the fence too. And this is so take the younger people. You go into the market and you have done your market research and you go, yo, this shit ain't it. And then you start reaching out to people like you and I, but you're getting sold fake shit and promo deals and it's all garbage because you're running little Instagram analyses and going, yo, those hearts don't make sense for what you're charging. And then you realize that most of the opportunities aren't opportunities. And you realize that everything's kind of taking your fiscals. And maybe now you're kind of socially introverted and you don't have trust because frankly, there's a lot of people out there that make it hard for you to trust on the Anglo side on the Franco side, I'm sure too. And you're not, and I, I'm I, off camera. I can give you more specifics <laughs> on camera. <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> you're just putting like, it, it's as if you're taking like all the negative uh, shit that could happen and you gave them all to me right now as if every time you would apply to something you would have all the so what no. i'm saying is is that the people who do sometimes the more nefarious actions often are better marketers thus are more in the mind frame to reach out and connect with everybody and the people that have the more noble actions tend to be bad marketers so they don't do that. And I, I really, it's almost always marketing. They're good at promo. They're garbage with marketing. Those are not the same things. And they often no, think I understand. So then you have this 20 year old who doesn't encounter the good because the bad is what's good at marketing. Not all of it. There's so much good out there and I'm not trying to diminish it. But when I talk to these people and I hear what they tell me, this is the impression I'm left with. They don't believe that our generation thinks they're capable of, dude, it's to the point where I've had 20 year olds be like, bro, millennials don't even think that I think 
And I'm like, fair. We actually do act like that. And we kind of have to check ourselves a bit in our willingness to even, and not you and I, but like, man, have you seen how people talk? I had somebody straight up, a person, a friend, give me shit because nobody wants to hear what a 17-year-old has to say when I told her I was interviewing a 17-year-old. I'm like, I want to hear what he has to No, but people act like I should be, I should be giving like I I've been criticized for not gating who I interview for talking to anyone like nah there's this attitude that exists too that needs to be checked what? amongst the older cats that like nah you're you're gatekeeping ways which I again don't want to go too into specific but have come up on my interviews through other people's testimony they they're not my mantra I'm anti gatekeeping but there's a lot of gatekeeping and. I don't know, man. It's hard for me to like really articulate a lot of this. It's a, it's it's stuff I'm learning over the last six months. When you talk to, imagine doing this, you're like the eighty fifth person or something, ninetieth person. But as a as a guy who's been there for a long time, like I can't like put it this way. This is a hard thing for me. I have a hard time doing this, but I know that I have to do this. But I have to keep up with the younger generation have to i have a hard time like because like i'm not tiktok i'm not like even instagram that much that, not, that's all you just I, need insta i know that we need that and i think that at some point it's a theme that we need to make like for example if i have a son i'm teaching him to be a better man so he's growing with his stuff with my knowledge so mm. I'm trying to use this with people in my circle. Like we need to exchange knowledge to each other and then grow up. And then if we have younger generation following us, like, of course, like the music nowadays is more towers of younger generation. But I mean, there's definitely like a veteran way to do stuff or OG way to do stuff but how many, and to make sure that everything is blending together. I don't think enough people in my age bracket are trying to be mentors slash role models slash leaders. Even but that's the thing. More people of my age should be. Yeah, we're like two years off. <laughs> so like, uh, No, but I'm, 35, I'm 35. So 35, 40, nah, man, I'm 33. Yo, if you go back 50 years, okay, People were dead by like 57. Let's be fucking real here. We're like, we're privileged that this is not halfway through our life. Okay. We're privileged that that's not the situation. Um, we're, we are adults. We're just full grown fucking men and shit. And like so many of us act like we're not role model. No, fuck. We are those millennia. Those Gen Z's are like looking at us. How are we behaving? I don't, I say this cause <clears throat> I sincerely don't think I behave the way I'm criticizing. I do not believe I'm being a hypocrite here. I actively preach that the young kids are amazing. And every time I talk to a young person under the age of 25, I'm greatly rewarded by their dedication to both hip hop, music culture, and community. And you know what they all tell me? Millennials don't give a shit. They just judge us. <laughs> and I'm like, but I see the memes too. I see the lulls. And I'm like, why on earth would you think that a 30-something-year-old person would even be receptive to you when even I'm criticizing motherfuckers for annoying-ass DMs sometimes? And Because they're annoying-ass DMs. There you go, sometimes. but this is why we need to encourage them. 
we need to let we need to let them know when they fuck up, but we also need to let them know when they're doing shit good. And this is the thing we're too focused when it comes to the newer generation on talking about what they did wrong, as opposed to encouraging them in what they did right. And this again goes all back. I'm read about all the books I'm reading about leadership and stuff like that about businesses. It's not even about hip hop. Like you need to encourage people when they do shit good. You can't just poke at them all the time and then poke at them, poke at them, and then expect them to have better results because you're always poking at them. You're not helping them. You're not providing mm. them with any more information, any more knowledge to be able to get in a better situation and to get the shit done. So you need to be able, as a younger man or woman, to be able to encourage those younger artists to just be themselves, to be you know focused, though, to be to ready do, to though, fucking work. Is listen oh. to their music before they judge their music. Because that's yes. the thing that started happening. This Hoshe kid, I swear, because we got him on camera going off the dome, can out-rap nine out of ten of the fucking top-tier guys that we know as freestylers. He probably can take him on right now, go four hours, and, like, really do some damage. And he's 20. Why? Because he's been doing this and for nine End of the week? End of the week? You're going to yeah, talk to him about that? Of course. Yeah, yes. of course. Um, and yo, Ismail singing, he's amazing. This Drew guy, he's not like hip hop like that, that, but he's songwriter like that, that. And I see this passion coming through and he built the collective. He found three beat makers to just support his dreams and like work on the engineering with this. And so I'm seeing the, I'm seeing this happen. All Stars Montreal is another collective. I don't know who they are. I haven't figured it out yet, but yo, bro, you know they're Devere? setting up tournaments. Who, Do you know Devere? My guy, I'm interviewing him on Thursday. Yes. That's another guy. This is somebody that nobody at mm. end of the week knew. And I was a judge because, again, my position in the week is and I'm, a finish, I'm an official judge every event except for the La Fin des Febles at Quebec. But uh, I'm also part of the like the crew and stuff. But that's how we met them. Nobody knew about him. He Are exploded everything. Yo, he's uh, – I like him a lot. Um yeah, I'm actually going to have him on a track once I fucking get around to, like, rendering it and sending it to him. Actually, this is a game. So I'm having some issues where I, for I got disorganized and I'm slowly getting organized again. So I can not forget all this shit that happens. Those are good problems. But, yo, he's amazing. Uh, I've talked to him multiple times. Uh, he He's really tapped into a community and he's tapped into grant shit. And he really understands what he's doing. And I fucks with him so much. He, I would say... Like, I don't want to use the word friend, but he could be a friend because I don't know him, like, well enough to, because I'm pretty kind of conservative with the term. Like, he's on the path where real life could, like, direct it in that thing because I flux with him heavy at this point. Um, and, yeah, so I, I know him. And, yeah, Hoshe is in that tier. But I think Hoshe would honestly smoke a lot of them. I don't know about Revere versus Hoshe, but I think Hoshe... If okay. I had to put money down, I'm I'm putting the money on Hoshe. Then I have to hear. I have to hear. Bro, come on Tuesdays. I'm fucking twitch.tv slash behind that suit. 
He Yo, shows up around to 9 Twitch. p.m. I don't have Twitch in life. Do I have to have If that? you want to adapt to the future of everything and what you're doing, in fact, if you're not live streaming <laughs> yeah, your shit to fucking Twitch off, like, my guy, you're just denying yourself fucking branding off the jump. You should be live streaming this entire <laughs> fucking process, my dude. Literally, like, a few people, like, Blaster stuck around for, like, 90 minutes. Yo, fucking D-Shade followed me. Blaster followed me. Don Smooth. All these people. How do they know me? Twitch. Because they're all DJs and shit on Twitch. You want to talk about where the music scene's migrating? It's it's here. And that's... Yo, Twitch has a stigma. And it's called gaming Twitch. And now I've used that term. And it is... Ex I don't like gaming Twitch. I don't want to talk down on gaming Twitch. But I've not felt comfortable in gaming Twitch. I have had no... Why? It is what it is. The culture is not my culture. But the music Twitch, bro, like I wrote my album on Twitch. I just have to re-record it because it is hot and it's not hot enough in its current state. But I could do it hotter. And when I do it hotter, it's going to smash. Because you're right. Once you have that shit, you got to sometimes fucking listen to people and fucking re-record it even when it's boring and shit. It's fucking boring. <laughs> but I wrote the whole thing live on Twitch. For real, real. Because that's the future. How the fuck am I going to worry about selling you an album? I want your tips while I'm writing it. Let's talk about really like the business of this shit. It's the SaaS economy. The retail economy is dead as fuck. So it's been dead forever. Software, gaming, TV, pick a thing. It's all SaaS as in as a service, as in subscription. Twitch gives every artist the fucking possibility to rap for tips. And for now, as in it's not forever. Copyright's not a concern. There's a window for rappers and it's closing fast and i don't know how to sell this point to people faster <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> i anyway see, sometimes you gotta do some shits but like even for you like yo hip-hop cafe radio comes back to life tomorrow if you want it just an hour a week get the test in water so that you're already fucking by the time you're opening your stores is hot you know okay like it's in technologically dude well, I already did enough research for you, my guy, so I can save you so much fucking time. And, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there has to be... Yo, the problem is, is honestly, people's mad resistant to technology. You've seen me be pro-internet a lot, okay? Like, yeah. consistently. But I, I also see that at some point it works. However, I've been like this for a long, long time, trying to tell people, like, years, years before it was cool trust people don't want to listen to this shit they, they're afraid of technology but like if you're not like yo people are gonna say but hold on what about in real life my guy, i've been doing this for months this conversation it is combination shit so if you're not ready to go with a twitch setup for your in real life events might you're just denying yourself golden jennies from norways and shit <laughs> you're just denying yourself that you're denying yourself the hybrid Zoom call audience mixed with real life experiences. It's mm. denying it. Projector, $100. Solve the problem. You know what I mean? Like, fuck, there's so much potential. But, like, oftentimes when I try to express this to people, they're like, Are you songwriting. I use that in particular because I say, You're not, you should write your songs live. I'm not willing to. I'm like, Cool. I can prove on camera how fast I can write a song. It's just what it is. It's fast or not, that's up to you. But how fast it takes me to write an album is on camera now. Well, at least this 24-minute experience. Done it in six, seven weeks to write it. 
Anyway, yeah. it's on cam. It's on wax. Y'all could have watched it. You may see me go live for it. And I'm trying to be like, so perhaps, and then Ismail said the most insightful thing to me. Not everyone has that skill set. And I'm like, cool. That's the most amazing thing Ismail said to me, because that's what people are going to care about is people who have the coolest skill set, the hardest shit. That's what people like. If you're reading the business books, you know, for a fact, Amazon took the hard route and they want Apple took the hard route that they but want. You, but you need to be different for people to really think about that. Your skill set needs to be really fucking different than others. Like, no, because if it's a real similar skill set than others, you're not going to get the same attention. On it. I, I mean, I wrote an EDM rap album that doesn't sound like anybody else's shit that's going to be hot as fuck when everyone wants to go raving instead of hip hop shows. So, gambling. We'll see how it goes. You wrote an EDM album? <laughs> yeah. And it's rapping and shit. I do sing a bit. But yo, like the first buyers is I fucking love myself. Look up. This that top shelf. It's done. It's okay. fucking mantra shit. Yes. I thought, what would my girlfriend want to shake her ass to? And I got over myself. <laughs> and what was her reaction? She loves this shit. I've never seen yeah. her like my music before. Everybody liked this shit. Dude, I, CL liked the shit. Vince, everybody liked the shit. It's Peter West Beats. Peter West made EDM. Nobody knew. Because okay. did you know every, every Montreal beat maker dabbled in EDM in 2014 at the same time? They all did it. Nobody talked about it. Now, like, they're kind of, I, I'm assuming everyone did, but I, I don't know why 2014, but like, four of them were like, in 2014, I made these beats. And I'm like, this is hilarious. This is so cool. Um, but I predict that if you're actually, because here's what happened I talked to a lot of people who see things different than me. And Leshwan said the most powerful thing What's the Montreal sound? Producers want to act like they're going to make it, but what will the core of the Montreal sound be? Well, my friend, it's going to be what Montreal likes. So, what does Montreal like? Well, in the masses, it likes EDM, hard rock, metal. It does. It likes these things. You know, I'm talking numbers. I'm talking sales numbers across the fucking indie scenes. Both those they things are hip hop. Ah, but the hip hop sound of your area is going to be an amalgamation of all the sounds blended with hip hop. That's what every regional scene is, according to all the people I've been talking to as I do this exploration. So, what are the regional sounds that are going to attract the Montrealite? Well, they like jazz music. So if you go the jazz route, you're going you're gonna to get people. They also love fucking raving. I don't care. And you know what? All the raving kids like hip-hop. I don't really know that many rave kids that don't fuck with hip-hop. But you don't find that many rap. And every rapper you've ever talked to that freestyled at a rave, my guy, they love the experience. Why are we ignoring this? I'm sorry. This is just market research. <laughs> Micro in a sense where like you're not gonna get the biggest consumers in that experience. Nah, but I would love to you. go fucking tour those fucking techno festivals. Il de Sanic. But you possible. should. Well, that's that's but, the plan. But see, that's the thing, and this is my whole point. ASAP you Rocky should. and them did it. <laughs> but that's my point, Holden. You should. I'm going There's to. There's nothing holding you from. No, okay, forget about the COVID and the situation right now. It's most likely like between now and September, it's going to be. Uh, it's not. Anyway, it's gonna. But it's like even if year? it's not this year, I don't care if it's twenty twenty four. It's just time at that point when it comes. I'm I'm alright with the take. See, that's one thing. Like for the last four years, like I've been working at Desjardins. Like I left the cafe at, in twenty fourteen. I've been working at Desjardins a little bit after that. 
until now. For the last four years, my man, what was I doing? I was working 60, 70 days straight, and then I was going three, four days in New York. I was coming back here, working 60, 70 days straight, and then going back to New York, and then doing the same thing. Four years, my man. This is dedication. And I'm not a cocky person. Like, I'm not, like, saying, saying this to randomly, like, putting myself upward, but I'm saying this because I never had a plan B in life. My plan was A was always to mm. open a hip hop cafe. And my plan A to Z is to do the exact same thing. So, so I just, the, here's the problem. I have a lot of really cool things at once going on. Sometimes it's hard to say that, you know what, if I rush the album, I'm not also doing it right, so I can't pick a when on that. I, I don't know how to describe it, but like sometimes you got to work on it until it's ready. So that's why I said a couple of years, not like forever, ever. Because well, it could take me a year, then a year to grind it up, whatever. Three or four but, years of time. But at this, point, at this point, it's more than that. At this point, if you're telling me that you have multiple things in the, in the works, it, it's you understanding and knowing what's most important, what's your priority. So in I mean, the three projects or four you have at the same time, which one is well, the most well, important? Like, well, the fact is this, because it's service to my hip hop community. And if you're not doing that, then you're not actually doing what I think you should be doing as an artist and giving service to your community. Even with your business venture, there's going to be a level of service. So if I'm not able to find a way to contribute to my scene, who the fuck am I? Everyone talks about contributing. I contribute. Point for now. I don't care. I, it's it's on wax, okay? Like that's what I've been doing. So, and, fact. and nobody can it. deny this to you. And so I promise you that will help me, as it has with, you know, beat acquisition and mixing services and watch how cost maybe disappear in my life within five years. So it's it's really just a, a, a part of my ten year plan where I had to sack certain things now to course correct. Because sometimes you have to course correct. I don't have all the dedication you do. I And most of us don't. Most of us are going to have to course correct and recognize that certain things that you do. My, and you see it a lot with podcast rappers. It's a real thing. Yeah, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're talking about yourself. And then it's pretty much the same thing as me. Yeah. What did well, I do, basically? Like... I was not a rapper. A rapper would have done the mixtape and then the projects and then the album and just that. I'm not that. I'm like the entrepreneur version of that. So mm. I learned stuff. I learned stuff. I learned stuff. And then up to a point where I was ready to just go in. So it's the same thing for you. You're That's not fair. this. Like, I'm not a manager. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a sponsorship event work, but I did all of those. That's I can true. do everything. Like, like I can be in any kind of situation, business related, and do the job. Like, I'm an entrepreneur, but my main thing was always the hip hop cafe. But everything that I did put me in a situation where when I opened, yo, I did more than my rent the first day. I had CBC Radio, I had the Journal de Montréal, I had 
all the major medias, all of them, and I did not pay any penny for that. Why? Because of all the work I put in the past. So what you're doing right now, Holden, is the exact same thing. You're doing a lot of things right now. You're having a lot of hats. And then you're taking those hats to forge yourself and become a better yeah. man and a better entrepreneur. Yeah, I just want to be clear. It is the only reason I keep my job, really, is because it really helps me politic. You can't learn politics without being in a politics environment. I don't know how else Facts. to put it. Facts. And I'm talking big money politics, as in literally the companies on the publicly traded market, nine figure shit. So people throw numbers around like millions here and there. Not a lot, but they get thrown around and you get perspective with that shit where like, you know, you know what? When you see a $20,000 a month social media paid budget on Facebook, you just laugh at everybody's campaigns in the city. All of them. They're all unsuccessful. They're all useless. Everybody's paid Facebook campaigns, unless, unless you're selling something, then it's worth doing. All the brand awareness campaigns, complete fucking waste of paid, unless you're selling something. Absolutely. No, I, don't, I don't pay. I don't think I would actually pay. If you have a like, service, I think that I would. I the only reason why I would right now is because, and actually, that's a question I have for you. The only reason why I would is because the last time I ever posted something on my Facebook was six years ago hmm. was seven years ago so if i post if i post something now i'm under the impression that it'll go nowhere uh like a facebook page or a profile no i have a hip-hop like the hip-hop cafe page if yeah, i it's put a go post nowhere. Dude, it's going nowhere. You you want to see how I fucking spam my... Of course my... it's going nowhere. No, but like you can hack it a bit. You got to just hack it a bit. You share it. You you flick the switch to your your personal page and then you hit share. I might pay some sponsorship just for the first few months. But... Uh, before you do that, let's talk. Even yeah, $100? Like $150 or something like I've that. heard through the grapevine, and this isn't facts. Yeah. I've heard through the grapevine, as in I went to social media school at university because my company paid for it. And it's it's bogus. Don't do it. Go to the free shit. But I talked to social media specialists there. And allegedly, if you pay, Facebook tags your account and will throttle you for a while after. So let's say you had a 0 0.2 point whatever. You have a base amount. Like uh, three people will see it type thing. But then nobody will see it kind of thing. So like, uh, I don't know that that's true. But I know that they're going to track if you paid for it. So the way I see paid campaigns, and this is facts of it, is you'll you'll see I've never done it. I sort of. I do organic paid. That's what I like. That's what my $100 a month contest is. Because motherfuckers are creating content and putting Bridge the Gap fucking logos on their YouTube channel. Now, later mm -hmm. on, when I drop a merch line, fuck. But it's going to take time. I say, yo, I guarantee you there's not as much permanent evergreen advertising i could have got for the little i paid as in content that's renewable as in you can go to certain people's youtube channels and my shit's all over it and if they pop off fuck eh? you know what i mean like so there's ways to spend money that is more creative to me than paid with you could leverage with that same hundred dollars in contest facebook group land that would avoid all of your concerns and save you fat stacks Okay. Actually, contest. Keep it at ninety nine or hundred dollars, and you don't even have to fucking declare. That's shit going to be back, right? 
Yeah, that's going to happen. Instead of putting it into paid, put it into clever organic. As in, like, pay a rapper, you know, like to fucking do a song for you for a hundred, mm. or like that would be a better use of your hundred than a paid ad. It's just because I'm under the impression that, like, because you're trying a, to sell something, like no, if you're just doing like brand 4, awareness. 000. It's but I have, four, I have like 4,000, almost 4,000 friends on, well, not friends, but followers on the Hip Hop Cafe page. But if I put a post right now, I'm under the impression that because I haven't posted for a long time, yeah, nobody like, will, will, like the, more the projection that... will not be fast. It will be terrible, but it's more because Facebook throttles you regardless. They just want yeah. you to pay. That's all they want. But they, mm. they treat groups different. That's what I'm saying. Create a hip-hop cafe group for, like, hardcore enthusiasts of your fucking culture that you're trying to create. And your group becomes your home base. Actually, I should, well, I'm, I'm using Discord, I suppose, for that purpose now. Because you need a clubhouse, effectively. Clubhouse. Remember, the new thing is it's a real thing that's happening now. Um, and then you do that on your Facebook page. So like bridge the gap with bars, Facebook group, it's up to 201 people now. Uh, but those people are different. That's not like fucking followers. Those are people that at least want to watch rap contest entries or have interest in like participating. That's a hot lead version of what your 4,000 is cold lead. So with the group, you can slow. F if you have, let's say three months, hypothetically, you start the group now and you contest incentivize it. You really want everyone's attention. Rename your page or upload the fucking cover picture and it'll just notify everyone. And then you get a couple of things like that and it will, but your posts are going to go nowhere. So in your cover picture, you put uh, a funnel to your group saying, yo, stay in the group. Let me know that you're down, that you want to see the hip hop cafe reopen or some fucking creative shit. Be more creative than me right now. And you funnel it like that, and you get like. But the goal is to be more traffic. than that. The, the the goal is not to put it this way. The goal is to get as much people possibly getting inside the concept. So it's not just to get back the old customers ah, so or to get back the new customers. This is it's um, a matter of my man my women we have a hip-hop place right now you need Facts. to get the fucking here but That's you're all. also so if we're talking facebook you have the the real life location coming and you have legitimacy but if we just cut that away what is the difference between your shit and anyone else's shit it's gonna look the same on like superficial paper for people that don't know who you are as in another facebook page talking about hip-hop in montreal i've seen about 15 to 30 open this year alone so that what did you just say you've seen 15 social media things? groups pop up like okay. Montreal hidden hits this so if you're at i say cut out the real life location we're talking okay. facebook just facebook and you asked about paid and organic and all this where it doesn't matter what your real life reputation no, is. no, no. i thought yeah, you were saying that. like there was like 15 or 30 hip-hop places i was like no nah. Okay, no, but there are like a okay. thousand fucking little groups that are like, I'm the fucking real hip hop collab. And you type in Montreal, it's still fucking an excessive number. English, French. You I'm part. And then you know what the worst part is? Just it's a little tension. It's, a, it's, a, it's after 11. I get a little whinier sometimes. Motherfuckers yeah. will share the same post to like all of the groups. But mm -hmm. we're all in all of the groups. So I get notifications that the dude shared it to like 14 groups. 
And I'm like, yo. And then they get like crazy numbers. And I'm like. See, listen. I've done it. I'm never going to. I'll put it this way. Because your question is pretty much why should people go and come to your place as a hip hop place? Why you? Yeah. That's kind of the question you ask. Okay. Well, no, the question is so, well, I'm kind of like framing my answer to how these course. people frame their shit with regards to oh, you. No, 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 but no, now course. you're on the internet and how to reach your 4,000 people without spending money. There you go. And then for the other 4,000 people of the, that may not know about me or about stuff like that, like, I will say that for any white man to get involved into a hip hop business, you need to make sure that you made your homework. You need to make sure that you know what you're talking about. You need to make sure that in every aspect of your way and your career, you're always going to respect that culture. And this is something that I've been doing for the last 20 years. So for me, this is a continuation of that. So now, that is hard to convey in a in a Facebook post because it's just a different universe. So that's why that's you got to rely on fucking cheap ass gimmicks like what I'm proposing, I, so that you can find your invested audience to communicate with. Because in that four thousand people's fluff numbers, it's not real numbers. It's just four thousand on a page. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I'm trying until to I start working again. Until I start reworking with that group and i started getting feeding still four thousand on a page my guy i have two thousand five hundred and change subscribers on my fucking youtube and i get like fucking 30 views on half my shit <laughs> those numbers are fluff they don't mean shit they're virtue of time but i understand but that's investment. the thing i've been i've been close for five years Right, so you reopen. What I'm saying is, you had the page with 4K. You're in a really great starting point for acquisition of basically new people. All the 4K that are there don't really count, is what I'm saying. But because nice. you have 4K, everyone else coming to your page is going, ooh, behind that suit is what, 359? It's not fucking good. I don't look but cool. Here's my stuff. question to you. Here's my question to you. Like, if I post something on the page, because when I. The, I booked Skyzoo two years ago. I used a hip hop cap page. I want to ask you this: like when I used that, because I didn't use it for a long time, nobody saw the posts that I were making, or not um, a lot of people. It's kind of like very few people saw it, but just because the algorithm works like that, unless people engage with it. Um. Look, like the reality is if you want to use your page, you need a whole like idea for your page beyond just like one post. It's going to be a lot of, of, course, posts. of course, of course, of course. And if you just post and then you do a little bit of like hustle work in the DMs, yo bro go share this, yo bro go share this. I mean that's that's really what you need to do. Why? Cuz paying isn't going to get you invested people. It's going to flash you in front of people. Like, that's the misconception. It's like putting up a billboard. I mean, cool. But, but it's not about only paying. I'm just trying to say, this is, look, like, there's not great answers to social media questions. People want these answers, and I know what you're looking for, and I'm not giving you what you're looking for because I don't believe it exists exactly like what you want. Okay. Uh, I don't, and I, dude, I'm, I'm planning a lunch and learn called the cost of organic marketing to go against the paid people who believe that paid works. And I'm like, you guys are wrong. Paid is a waste of money. Organic is like paid, but you have equity to show. 
and paid is flash in the pan shit. So if you're selling something and you have a sale, do paid marketing. Otherwise, you need a good organic campaign that costs you money. It's not free. So take that budget and come up with something better than running it through a PPC campaign. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Contest, incentives, reasons to join your private niche group, exclusivity. Come fucking be with the real hip hop heads. I don't care. That's coming. That's coming. Not now because there's no points eight months I, before the opening or seven months before the opening. But I mean, that's coming. Well, that was the case until you found out hip hop cafe radio could be a thing on Twitch next week. So now you have a no. Hip hop cafe message. radio was something that I had and I, I know, that I, know. I, I just I, just I was thinking about. But but the that's what? a good point that you brought up. I could bring it back. I could definitely on bring Twitch, it back. really easily, and have a reason to grow your page and ensure a higher success ratio when you fucking open your store, my guy. But see, that's time. You need to understand something. That's that's time. That's. I'm not sure if I would be the one doing it, but that's a great idea. Like my plan eventually is to have that. Like put it this way, right? my plan is to be. My plan is definitely to be like one of the institution in Montreal, to be honest with you. I had deals with Tourisme Montreal back in the days. I had deals with the Montreal Alouettes. I had deal with Universal Music. And this is the same thing that I will continue having. Like, I want to be like a, 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 a pilier in the, in the city of Montreal. Me and too. it just so happens that it's a hip hop business. And Yo, this I is me. I was so fed up of people not taking me seriously in life because it, it appears like hip hop is not something that is serious. Like it's like a young thing or it's a, it's something that, that no, you're not cool enough to do a shit like that. No, it's not that. So, it's headlines, man. This is media. Have you, if you look but this at this is Quebec also, this is Quebec also. If I was in New um, York, this is, would have been a whole nother story. That's what I'm saying. But in Quebec media, my guy, like you got to look at, like I talked to let me know and let me know, told me all about how he, he inadvertently helped get a hip hop band in the West Island. And I happened to be in, interested in rapping at that time. I, I had done my like first track, but then hip hop gets banned and like, as much as you're saying whatever, whatever about life, when you're on the cusp of trying to find your passion, when the shit gets yeah. banned everywhere, it's kind of harder to get into of it. Of course. And sometimes it gets so hard that if your only options are like downtown with the 830 class, like, bro, like nobody's telling you to go drop out of school for the rap thing. You know what I mean? Not at that point in life. So that's what a lot of us did. And the opportunities today are not the same as they were. But since then, I've seen multiple clubs ban hip hop. I've seen all sorts of yo fucking multiple even in ndg without listing names because i don't want to throw shade shit but that's hilarious. like hip-hop too okay but I, that's hilarious because at the same time the festivals are playing hip-hop all over which is facts but like at a local level on the on the anglo side because i don't know about the french side oh yeah, yeah it's dude. more anglo side i think that's one thing it's i think it's more anglo side and this is definitely one wrong thing like that's why it's like, as if we're it, it's, it's really as if we're two people we're two I mean, kind of people different that have like two i think mm -hmm. when you get to like the younger ages it's way less so and you're gonna watch this bilingual way of kick the shit out of the older people but in our age group it is a huge difference there are just culturally yo i grew up with parents that didn't speak french and we're like on one side of 95 
and a lot of people grew up with parents that were on the other side of 95. And that referendum shit was a part of my childhood. Then there's the one island, one city shit, more divisiveness. Then there's every election in Quebec boils down to vote liberal because they're the English party. Mm. I don't have a choice. Yeah. There's no one else to represent me. There's only 12% of us that speak English. That's a fact. 12% of us are Anglos. 12% of Americans are black. It's not a full comparison, but it's a fascinating metric still. Um, so like, yo, Anglo is a complicated reality because you can just leave and then you're just like everyone else, but you don't want to leave because it's Montreal. That's why I can't really like put the music first right now. It's got to be this shit. But Franco is also a fucked up world. It's, it's just that the only thing is that unfortunately for some people, like it's as if they're a way to gain their language back is to get rid of the other or not get rid of the other but like for example like i don't know if you saw the new law of businesses but now the government will only speak to businesses in french That's fucking rash. all yeah. of them uh, there's also laws in seagips uh, like for example if i'm well, a i saw woman, that shit i can't yeah, go to a I think, I don't want to lie. I think that I can't go to like Champlain CJEP or something like that. Or yeah. I can, but like there's yeah, only that's what like. Pauline Marois was doing. She put that in I think in there's only bill. a certain percentage who can go. Which is like, because then it means that all the English people go through one education system, which teaches one culture. Yo, because the real reason you go to university is the cultural impact and the homies you're going to make. So it feels like they don't want French people to get the multicultural Anglo experience and they want to funnel French people into French schools to teach French values and really quadruple the fuck down on it. Because there's no way you're going to John Abbott and not coming on a little more fucking worldly. They just think that French speaking is about to be lost. So they want nah, people man. to speak to me, French it's like everywhere. So it's so weird. I feel like it's Messi food. Like I heard because I listen to a lot of radio and then <clears throat> but the radio like AM radio. <laughs> and then but I in the morning, like he had two English people, like high English people in the journalism scene, and they were like Les francophones, they were like literally in French with their accents saying, Les francophones vraiment ont phobie de leur français pas parce que nous on est très conscients du français puis on n'est pas là pour les brimer, on n'est pas là pour. Like, so basically, what they were saying is that French people are really, really worried about their French, but English people are not debating this, are not debating the importance of French. Yeah, most in general, like in general, really. put it this way, in general. <laughs> and then he was saying that it shouldn't be a problem because the English people, they didn't see it as a problem. So only French people. No, it's, and... You know what it is, man? It's that like the entire system expects you to be fluent off the jump and there's no learning curve. Like you can't just, you know, Bro, it took me, like, I'm with an education in Quebec when I decided I'm going to learn French because it can get me girls. Like, 
three, four years to really get comfy with it. And that's like a person who grew up here. And so it's like there's this expectation that you're just going to learn to speak French in like nine months. And then in that nine months, in the perfect world, you do it. Like, what the fuck are you going to do? There is no plan to get my parents any French. They, there's no, they're just lost in this system. That's that's the reality. It's like you know, people don't ever talk about it, but like, it's not like my dad's just gonna learn to speak French at fifty-five. Okay, like, fuck out of here. Like, you're fighting some real shit. Y'all have been in his face his whole life on some whack shit in his perception. On principle, he probably not gonna do it. But on the reality, there's no real system for him to do it. There is no path for old people to learn to speak French here. There's just path for like young, agile minds that are open to it. So yeah, I can understand the perspective of the immigration. But you know, I'm blessed that I learned to speak French and that I could get higher salaries in my in this place. But like, a lot of us didn't know we needed French until it was fucking that too late. It wasn't until like the late 2000s where you was like, oh, you really need French. Right? 2010. It was like, you Which really is a problem in French. itself at some point. So that means I'm already in my 20s not caring about French. And I really need French all of a sudden. And yo, nobody talks about that shit in all these fucking grandiose debates. Like, yo, hi. What about guy who grew up here and got the bait and switch? <clears throat> It sucks. Like I can just leave. And I'm like, Oof. can I though? Have you looked at the rent prices anywhere else? I actually can't leave. <laughs> oh shit. Okay, mais mais je peux parler français alors. You know what I mean? Like it's like shit. Real like, but these are things. Man. And then I'm going, yo, why are none of us rapping about this? Fuck out of here, rappers in Montreal. You should. Sure, you would actually. Me personally, like, to see, much francophone at about come English is not my first language, and for me, it would be a good thing that everybody could be able to speak both. And when I say this, I never expect you, Holden, to have a French accent, and I don't yeah. expect you to even like not make a mistake. That's not like. You can make mistakes. That's not like it's not even a problem. Like the same way I can make mistakes when I speak in English. I just think that at some point we should all try to meet each other. At some I'm point, I'm gonna be real with you. Quebec misplayed this whole thing. Oh, the I'm not saying the other one. Of I'm girls, not saying other ones. The amount of female attention I get. Oh, hold on. Ton accent c'est trop cute, dude. Like. In the most inappropriate fucking places sometimes. I just gotta speak French, man. And Quebecois ladies, they love that shit. Like, I'm some fucking <laughs> British dude speaking English. I dropped this shit. Yo, I've had moments where, like, the Tinder date sucked until I spoke French. And then okay. it went perfect. C'est fou, hein? Le français, c'est comme ça a un effet un peu comme... Bro. Only if you talk a little bit of it. No, I can, I, can hold, I can hold down the whole conversation really shittily. And then you're trying hard. Oh, trying hard with an accent. It's like a, it's like a hack, my men out there. Just learn to speak French. You're in Quebec. There's a lot, a lot of advantages to it in that field of the world to men out there who may 
just be interested. A lot of advantages. In your accent, never perfect it. Just never. No. Get good enough and let it No, be. they like the accent. <clears throat> like keep it. Yeah. Keep it for years. Yeah, forever. <laughs> Fuck what men think. Who cares what men think? I mean, in this conversation, if you're a man that I'm talking to and you're all in the right whatever's it's getting late. <laughs> Nah, for real though, yeah. it is getting late. I say that and it's like, yo, I mean, I pushed it. You, you've, you're, you're hitting Rico blocks lengths, so you're up there. You're probably in the top four, five in length. Like, uh, possibly you're in third, but I can't say that till after editing. But it's up there for real. This is a long ass fucking conversation. Thank you for your time. Nah, man, thank you. You gave a lot of knowledge nuggets. Um. I'm glad you said a lot of what you said. A lot of people won't. Even I'm limited. I'm an artist in this game. I need these political affiliations. We need you. Point final. You can say what the fuck you want. I'm, I'm aware of it. You're aware of it. I went under pressure. You're there. I need Olivier to be thinking I'm fucking proper. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't. I actually it. booked you. <laughs> yeah. That was lit. Did, I don't. I don't know. I, th I don't know that how it happened, so but it was amazing. I think preach. I'm telling you. you I'm, I'm literally telling you. I booked you because I also work at Under Pressure. I'm working yeah, with uh, with preach. So this year, I was the one taking care of the whole uh, live stream. Preach was more taking care because usually he takes care of. Uh, like he's been there for years. Like mad respect to him. He's been booking MCs, but this year because there was a little different like we've been with the uh well last year we've been with the uh, live stream and i'm the, i'm the one who uh who booked you and yeah it was great i, I was uh, not disappointed in that i i thought it went pretty well it was the awkwardest yes, it shit ever it was the most lukewarm <laughs> ever you gotta understand i wanted to play foofs and of under course. pressure i wanted to do both these things my whole career and i got to do both of them on the same day to motherfucking people? seven people and like the internet <laughs> sort of saw it because let's be real it's not like under pressure's live streams getting like a million fucking views or some shit i don't know what the numbers were like nobody was hitting me up after saying that was the litiest so i'm gonna say that like sovereign music movement saw it and i saw it and i'm like fair enough and y'all saw it and it was a great moment and i have the footage i think or something I don't even know I think maybe somewhere but either way I got a mask nobody else has that mask except I for the people it. that were it's, there I have the footage and uh because we still have the, uh, the footage and this year is going to be different though like we are going to do a live stream again but uh because well, I don't expect anything would open to be honest with you no not at all they're not if doing it does come here but if it's not uh... but no, I will I let you know Nah, that's fair, man. I mean, look, life is what it is. I would love to perform at your shit. If you let me perform at your shit, that would be great. If man, not, the hip-hop cafe is coming. Yo, it is, man. You I'm can even blood. organize your own events there. Yo, that's all kinds of shit we're going to talk about. I have a cypher I run weekly. It's on Tuesday nights. <laughs> I'm just saying. I saw that. I saw that. And, uh, I don't participate a lot because I'm really into, like, I have until May 31st to give my business nah, plans. Yeah, I'm yeah. really into this, but I saw this. Dude, I go live like a hundred fucking times a week, right? Like, who am I oh, to I sit that. there? <laughs> who am I to be like, fuck all y'all? Y'all have lives too. 
You know, that's the problem with busy people. And that's the thing that people don't get it. That's another problem why you probably don't see all the hustlers. They're so fucking consumed with their hustles that they have a lot of trouble finding the other hustlers who are also so consumed. It's weird. But it's like... we There needs to almost be like the kind of venue that attracts that shit. A higher class. I don't know how else to put it. But I thought about it. I want to sell $150 tickets. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But I just think if I can wow. sell $150, why can't Nipsey? Just think like Nipsey. I can't. I was thinking I about that. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying, wow, because that leads to another hustle, like another kind of hustle. Like you need to be like on your, you need to be more than your only P's and Q's like that. that, that yeah, that's but I, inappropriate almost. Nah, you just have to know how to set office people. Yeah, but I'm office people, so I just have to sell to myself. It's fucking easy. I'm not saying you can do it. <laughs> I'm saying you just need to be but 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 I'm I mean if you can do it, just do it. Hey, go ahead. I mean man. you read all those books, you need good goals. <laughs> of course, of course. Do you my man? But, but if you can in pull general, that's what it is. I mean, I looked at it like um I don't know what's worth $150 right now. I don't think I'm worth $150, but I'm with you on that experience shit. I guarantee you within now in 2020 something, I don't care when, I will at some point have a good stone shower and I will have such an idea that will blow my fucking mind. I've already got several great ideas, but none of them are $150 ticket good ideas. They're just really good for my brand ideas. But that's perfect because right now you're working on it. See, that's a step that a lot of people don't do. Try to work on their brand Yo, and try to create tank. something. A lot of people don't do that. You're doing exactly that. You're already ahead of the competition because so many people don't do it. I'm not as new to it as it looks. I mean, I, I've been running. This is my like fifth year with this particular version of this. But then if I add it on my day job experience, shit, I've been training for this moment since 2011. Okay, very good point. I will say this. I used my nine to five, all of them. That made me the man that I am today. This is a very good point you made because People underestimate how you can learn. See, if your goal in life is to start a business, but right now you need a nine to five, you need to have the thinking of this being a tremplin for you to get your thing going on. Yeah, that's all it so is. So this is exactly what I sense that you just said, but a lot of people don't use it this way. Like, for example... I worked in a lot of family when I grew up. So why do you think, for example, that when you go to a cash, there's a million products? Because That's because when data. you walk in with your shit, they want you to have $2 or $3 or $4 more. It's exactly that. So in my store, this is exactly what I have. Holy I shit. Have You're really more shit in the front. And as you huh? say that, I'm like, bro, it's microtransactions. I'm all so I'm I know how to do what you're talking, but in software line, I know all about the virtual side of this shit. I'm really not great at IRL, but like, you know, it's crazy. But that's it. That's that's all. My, that's how apps get you. They do exactly that. There you 
will. It's nifty. So, yeah, so, 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 so that's that's all learning experiences. So now, when I open my cafe, then when you'll pay, there's gonna be headphones. There's gonna be this. There's gonna be that. There's gonna be that. There's gonna be that because you can add more stuff. Yeah, and this is not papers. me being a capitalist for a profit of anybody else. This is me being a business owner. And if you really don't have that money, don't take it. That's all. That's just me showing all the products. Nah, you should do that you shit. You had high expensive items at your last store and I couldn't afford anything. If you had had cheaper shit, I would have bought more. That's a fact. But it, the, the shit that I had was only vinyls then. I know it was so expensive and so cool. I used to eye fuck it all the time. But like, I thought about that. I'm like, uh, from that point of view. But let's say you had rolling papers. And let's be real. Yo, we will. We will. Because that commodity, oh my gosh. Do you know how many hip hop events I've been to where everyone's got weed and nobody's got papers? And you're like, come on. This is like your 70,000th show. You must by now have learned this lesson. No, they don't. So having papers on hand would be fucking great for you. No, we will have that. We will have that. Like Shit, on top honest. of that, like let's be let's be realistic. Like I want to reopen in the plaza, and there's the SQDC right beside. Bruh. So of Bruh. course I want to have the paper, hip hop cafe papers. I told you the weed is the move. I told you the weeded peoples. Like the plaza is going like definitely going well. Like they renovated everything now. They're looking for restaurants, bars, coffee oh my shops. God, dude, stone so, people would sit in your coffee shop all fucking. What do you day. think in the next year will happen? Yeah, Olivia, you fucking great. I love it. So, again, like, it's not gonna be a wheat. Uh, like, we're not a wheat store. You nope. can smoke weed if you want outside. We're like, we're not gonna say anything. What I mean, it's not a bar. It's not a weed spot. It's not a record store. It's a hip hop spot. It's uh, it's an experience of you getting into a place dedicated to hip hop where you can eat something that the food will make you think about something hip hop. It could be the vinyl, the CDs you cop. It could be, uh, I'm not gonna jinx the place that I visited, but it could be, yo, it could be on the second floor where you can just be in an event place where you can see, you can be in an event where you can everything like lancement d'album, open mic, you can have pop-up shops, you can have anything you want. And I don't think anything exists like that. I don't think anything is dedicated to hip hop. And I don't, I don't think, think anything... anything legal exists like that. Let me just frame it like that. It exists in underground versions of it, believe it or not. I've heard of things that are not legal, as in abandoned yeah, buildings. But not bad. No, but not that. No, but the cultural aspect of what these vibes created, oh, like there was facts. like the graph buildings, is what you're going for. That like hip hop a la Mac, not the crime, the. Like the fact is the 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 amalgamation of hip hop is it's just facts is what is what happened. I've talked to enough people that have come at this from a place of I know what I'm saying, and what you're trying to do is is give people this place to amalgamate and and create and not necessarily create but like be around the creation and the celebration of it all. Facts. More than more that. Sh clean way, 
honestly, I don't know how else to put it, but like right on the narrow. Like the reason why I wanted to have hip hop in the word of my business, because I did have a lot of conversation. You should have markings as somebody you interview for the records. Markings is one of the one of the main guys responsible for loop sessions. I don't know if Yo, you know that. I do know them. I just don't. I just don't know the people. I just need people. Okay, to Mark the Magnanimous is in there. Oh, and then, I know him. I know. Okay. I, okay, so I know who Loop Sessions is. I know them uh, because they exist. And uh, Mark, actually, I know them because of Mark the Magnanimous. And then Mags was involved one time for a thing. And I, I kind of sort of follow hip hop. You don't stop. I see. There's plenty of things like this. Plenty of this. And then the Hip Hop Cafe is, my mission is not only to promote the hip hop culture to fans, but it's, it's also, the reason why I wanted to have hip hop in my name is because I want you to be able to walk on a commercial street and see a business for the word hip hop in it and see it prosperous and see it get, get into where it's supposed to be as any other regular businesses. Because every, every, like, I've been grown, like, all the time I've been growing up, even my mother, like, for her, like, hip hop was always like something, as I told her earlier, it was a joke or it was not something serious. I want to show people that this is very serious. So yeah, this funny. is why I need to have the word hip hop in my name. I and this is why I never changed the name. I feel like what you're trying to do in real life, I'm absolutely just trying to do on the internet. I have all kinds <laughs> of ideas that will like complement what you're doing pretty fucking well, actually. But this is what it needs. Honestly, when people talk about what the city needs, it needs this. People who are like, yo, how can we fix things? How can we like, yeah. and I don't mean clout driven. Like this, n look, none of my projects are are really about clout. It's really like, trust, the clout isn't worth the pain kind of thing if that's what you're after. It's like, I really think that if I can organize information on the internet into a cohesive way that people like you could leverage, you can achieve your goal better. But you don't have that resource and nobody's creating it and it's fucking annoying. Hmm. There's no Montreal wiki. <laughs> like imagine that all these years. Free wiki fucking software on the internet. Free wiki software. Last seven years, no problem. Nobody did it. No. That's serious. So fine. It's like, I guess I'll do it. <laughs> okay. It'll take me years. But that's crazy work, though. That's crazy not, work. I want to write a book. Whoever, control, whoever writes the history is really the pillar of the community, my guy. I'm not going to argue with that. But, but at the same time, he needs to be a part of it. This is what I see you doing right now. So this is perfect. Yo, great power comes great responsibility. Yes. Spider-Man. <laughs> no, but like I take it super serious. Um, there's a lot of things that happen, good and bad. We don't talk about all of them. I learned that. But like, it's really important to understand what happened in the past so that we can actually solve the problems of today. But what I realize is nobody takes pride in Montreal because nobody knows shit about the history of the city and nobody can Google shit. So, that's but how I think live. this is all related to a lack of confidence. 
It's a lack of I think that this is we had we we're not if we were raised in the states we were raised in we no, would dude, be everybody raised saw in a that same shitty fucking list but everybody saw it but like people just people get fucking out by technology though i don't know what it is about tech but people act a fucking way about tech and it's like they're all tech solutions i can think of and in the states there's just so much tech shit happening so like but it's, there are but tech it's, solutions Again, it's all related to the fact that they're more on their grind. The fact that they're more on their grind makes them more things to be able to find new solutions and new this and that. Us, on est toujours en arrière. C'est toujours un... It's always complicated to to, to evolve and to get to another level. A, this is the difference between here and there. I still think it's shifting. I'm like convinced that like the younger you go, the less that's true. That's my general rule of thumb. And, and the, I'm, not arguing, some, I'm not, not arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you. There's like four countries I've seen this trend take place in, like legit, five actually. So um, with enough data for the people that are wondering, uh, but like nah, everywhere you go in the world, globalization's real, and everybody's kind of speaking English, and like so all those young francophones don't give a fuck. They want to like fucking pay attention to english media so they're just learning english by accident and i'm saying like the, the segment of like five-year-olds today that are like purely like the ones that are five today by the time they're my age they're all bilingual the whole world's fucked or there's a translator google's literally inventing translator shit this is that like the star trek shit's real within like five years so like this is the biggest non-issue in fucking history <laughs> you know like it really is fucking weird how much attention gets drawn to an issue that's going to get solved by Google. <laughs> you really think about it. Because if you don't think they're working on Babelfish or whatever the fuck it's called, they're literally working on... And I, I know that they did it as a joke. One, no, but they're literally working on this tech. I've been watching Google's text recognition for fucking years improve as a tech shit. So, like, trust. Like, this is all whatever. It's, it's like, what we really need is i think we need a think tank that sound goofy but guys like you and me and i'm gonna throw meticulous in there and even that whole shake because we need some young people all these people that are and I, meticulous is on his grind whatever everyone wants to say that guy puts it everything you know there's people like that all over and they're down but like none of us get together once a month to brainstorm so where's the like leadership at? Like there's always a board of directors to any successful it's more operation. leadership. It's more leadership is like, okay, you learn something. What is your goal within the next week? Is it to share with others? Or is yeah, to keep personally. It I mean I'm always trying to share. But there I mean, you go, but you that's you. I'm not saying you're wrong. But that's you. Most people won't share it. That's yeah, another problem. That's, that's a problem. That's a huge problem. <laughs> anyway, and specifically uh, in here, because we're such a small entity that keeping knowledge for ourselves sucked to a level where you're ruining your whole fucking province. Because you I should just <laughs> help people get to where they're destined to be. And it shouldn't be like you don't have to give like a a stomach or a heart you're just giving knowledge 
Well, I mean, I think people are insecure, as you said. I'm really just Guys. not worried about giving away all of my ideas. Because, like, bro, like, I thought of them, like, prior. I already probably thought of new good ideas that I haven't even realized are good yet. <laughs> you know, like, I just, that's what I do. I'm an idea person, so have all of them. That's cool. By the time you figure out how to implement that idea, I'm already on to the next thing and know how to implement it. Like, the fuck? Like, you can't, I don't know how to describe it without coming out cocky, but it's the learning process that I'm really good at. So the ideas part is a result of whatever. Take any of them, run with them, go for it. Mm. I'm okay with it. You, you you copy me, it's cool. I'll adapt. I like was an album reviewer and made the worst kind of reviews possible for any of the goals that people are expecting, but it got me <laughs> here, so it was great. I learned how to freestyle because I can hold on a two-hour conversation by myself on a camera. <laughs> it was weird That's shit crazy. like that. It was real. That's crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard me freestyle, but it's more like I'm podcasting with rhymes than it is like I'm dropping bars because I don't like bars the way that most rappers do. That's not my cup of tea. Here's why. I get them. As in the first time. So I don't have replay value. It's not actually great. It's like a, I find a lot of rappers drop these crazy bars with this. You know what drives me nuts in battle rap is when a dude has to break down his scheme as part of his schemes because the audience didn't get the scheme. And I'm like, okay, that's that where people sucks. are at. But that's a real thing. So that's where people is at. So you see all these rappers like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, bro, I got your bar. I'm sorry. It just didn't elicit this like, that's why I can't review these people's music. I can't review your I can't review unless I really love your music. I don't want to review it because most people's <laughs> bars are are they're like okay, they're like bro. I could have written that if I like the same shit as you. Level of good, not like actually good. You know what I mean? Because people rely so heavy on the one dynamic of wordplay that it's like they don't get that lyricism is way more about brevity than not. Like there's so much to like, anyway. Lyricism is a huge topic because it includes other Thanks. genres of musics. As in, how the fuck and is what's his name from Montreal? It's dead fucking Jewish dude. Leonard Cohen is like the king of fucking brevity, writing fucking 12 words sometimes that just mean more than a whole hip hop song. How the fuck is that true? And that's not lyrical if you're following. Yo, man, people have no idea what the fuck they're talking about when they go to musicology with it because at the end of the day, it's music. So, lyrical is a stupid argument to ever have because lyrical is a music term. Thanks. Etymology That's matters. Yo, people. Yo, battle rappers. I see, are funny people, I see you tense. I see you. <laughs> yo, I like watch a lot, right? And I watch and I study how people argue. My, they're all my peers, right? They're all my competitors. Sorry, it's hip hop, right? Like you know, it's battle, whatever. Like we're all competing. So like, I see who's winning. In my opinion, I see who's not. I see what matches work. I see what matches don't. And I feel like I understand the pulse of Montreal because it's a white-collar software city. Oh, shit. That's my people's. And that's demos. Go, go. It's either that or finance. Fuck it. The finance world, I'm never going to go for it. So I'm not even trying. And then you boil shit down and understand the pulse of the regular people. And it's like call centers. It's like fucking clerk work. It's like... It's like, yo, and these people all like kind of similar things and vibes and shit. And most people like going to Jazz Fest and Heavy MTL and Il Sonic and Ohoshiaga. And it's the same guy going to all four shows. And I'm like, wow, why don't we think about it? You know what I mean? Like, fuck, this, this is how Montreal looks to me. But you talk to like a lot of us and we act like it's not like that. But we're talking about Montreal. 
the four million greater person area known as Montreal that has enough money to finance our whole scene if we just acted cool about it. Hmm. Yeah, I put so much thought into this, dude. Trust people aren't ready. Like when I finally get my shit together, because the problem is, is when you the scope of what I want to do is very big, that it's gonna take a long time to do right. And part of it is discipline in myself. Like I kind of also like cyberpunk, and I don't want to fully give that up yet because one day I have to. You shouldn't. You should promote musical expression, no matter how much. Yeah, uh, like how different it is than hip hop. Yeah, but like at the end of the day, having a, certain things have to be given up to fully, fully like. I feel like every time I move forward, I lose free time. I don't know how to describe it, but like the percentage of available luxury time that's ever going to be available in my life diminishes further, the higher my success threshold comes. And I'm trying to scale this out in a way where I, I don't consume myself to like work a holiday. I don't know. A balance is important is I guess what I'm trying to say. So going too fast Facts. is complicated. But maybe and one day you'll find a way to not have to work so that yeah. you can get your and revenues oh and do God, your dude. stuff. That's why I'm saying like, like that's why my face was like that with what you were saying. It's like I understand what you're it saying, but at the same time, <laughs> if you really wanted to get the fuck out of this place and focus on your stuff, like you're a very intelligent man. You're a very I, I intelligent just, man. You I know, but it. I also okay. So let's say I pop off and not have half a million dollars in my face. How do I hold that? It requires a skill set I'm learning. And I don't know how to fully convey that to people, but I'm still learning that skill set. And that is super this important is, to me. That's perfect. That's all you need to do. Keep on learning that. And, and then uh, keep on making uh, sure that you keep those opportunities up to you. Nah, and that's what it is. But I also think that people are often in rushes, but huge money takes time. And it takes a lot. Like it's like I don't really want like I don't know how to like put it, like I just think that I'm capable of creating a nine-figure business. It could take me 30 years, but why the fuck can't I? I don't know. I'm pretty innovative. But that means, you know, like a lot more stuff to figure out. I talked to a guy. He said, what can you do that's only you? You can do the hip-hop cafe. That's what you can do that's you. I'm still trying to fully answer that question. It's a huge one. Mm -hmm. When you figure that out, you're fucking loaded for life on just Facts. some fact shit. And there's no due date for that. And I think that's what people, yo, I would rather never be a starving anything. I would rather eat and it take longer. I know that seems weird, but I think I make better art with that that's strategy. Okay. That's okay. As long as you're comfortable and you're good and you don't let other people decide stuff for you, the rest is really up to you, my man. Nah, it's true. Um, yeah, but you a hustler sales guy. I fucking love your energy. Uh, most people I know are a lot softer, so I, and I mean that, like softer when it comes to that. And a lot, a lot of people are hard. They're soft. And I think that's another transition that's happening. The world is soft facts. now. That's so how is, it's the softification of hip-hop. <laughs> and I, I know it sounds fucking funny, but I'm not talking about the quality of the music. I'm talking about the people in it. They softer. We didn't have to struggle. Honestly, like era. We just put did. it this way. Put it this way. The same way when I say hip-hop cafe, some people said, but rappers drink coffees as if they weren't human beings in the first place. 
the mm. same way I'm gonna answer to you, like, but this this thing happens. Like, hip hop fans is just a personification of the society in general. You have conflicts, you have this, you have that type of situation that can happen. Same thing in the hip hop world. So I don't mind if that stuff happens because it's not reflecting how the culture is. It's just reflecting how that person was feeling. I guess I was just saying that like life at least here is getting easier as much as it looks harder. I mean, it's kind of weird. It's like harder and easier at the same time. Like Serb shows up, so it's kind of easier, but then it's hard to find an apartment if you need to do that. So like, it's kind of, it's different hard. Like, you know, like it's different. It's it's a different kind of like life now. Every So everything about it is different. You know, I don't know how else to really put it, but it feels like just not what it was. It's not as hard as it was. Like, I feel like our hard is not like 1980s hard. Like, I don't know. It just feels like it's easier now. I, uh, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> I don't know what's the, your definition of easier now. Like, I've been, I'll, call, I'll say, battling my, for the last 20 years, man, to just be in a situation like, I finished reimbursing my debts for my previous coffee like a year ago only. Mm. So for me, to be honest with you, like, when you're talking about easy stuff, I don't know what you're talking about. I just but all I know is me going do. after what I want, and I think that at some point, if not that I want to be like, how can I say put it this way? Like you got a job to do as a man or woman. You want something, you need to do the job. If you don't do the job, nothing comes to you. So I think that this portion is being forgotten by a lot of people. Like stuff yeah. comes to people who are putting stuff in the atmosphere. Like I, I'm not really a religious person, but I do believe in karma a lot. And karma has been good to me. Why? Because I keep on fucking throwing shit in life. I keep on throwing stuff and working and it comes back to me. So, I mean, it really is a, difference of perspective i think when you ask that question to me well, or if you ask that to anybody I mean, else when I say it depends easier, i mean like bro have you looked at how hard life used to be like 50 years ago just on every conceivable metric every conceivable metric i don't i don't really put it to be honest with you and i so, can't so that's kind of like where i'm coming from history is really fascinating to me right and i don't know man everything looks way shittier back in the day and everything seems a lot less shitty now to me. And it gets like it's getting less shitty. But so that's I mean, what I mean yes, when I say easy but... and hard. So, I mean, is my life easier or harder? I don't know. But I'm pretty certain that these 20-year-olds are going to inherit a better world, not a shittier one. And then, like, it's getting easier. Just different. Like, I just, I just don't think that we should go about is it easier or not. I just... Just give us, give them the tools. That's all. It's they not do, about. Though. It's not they easier. Have all these tools, man. I'm watching. That's why. I'm, that's why I talk about the youth, man. They use their phones. They are given the tools, and they leverage these tools. They they do it all. They make beats, mix, master, video, edit. They're fucking everything. 
on their tools. They're missing one thing. Managers. A lot of them don't take in consideration the history. And a lot of them don't take the time to get a mentor. I'm not Those saying they're not true. good. I'm not but saying they're I'm not good. I'm going to also say that a lot of us don't want to be mentors. And that does, that is a reality that has to change on our side. There's more of them that want mentors than there are of us that want to be mentors. And that, I would argue, is a huge factor. That's the fact. Those big sisters wouldn't really have the acquisition programs they do. So, like, I have to flip it on us. It's not on them. We They have the tools, but the tool they're missing is more people like us investing in them. That... I'm going to stick to like, you can't convince me that's not true. Cause I know most people still show oh, not, not, not a role model. So I'm not arguing with you, but what's going to different, uh, differentiate, differentiate one person to another, both same capabilities, both with anything is their personality. So if one goes to see me before the other and demonstrates a certain personality trait that I don't see in the other. And then I hear the beats and the beats of the thing, like I may pick the other. So, I mean, and that would, that's where it's like, we requires a lot of us because it comes down to personality. Somebody might not vibe with you, but might vibe with the next guy. Perfect. And be right with him. But this is why it's very important to not only be able to be good at the music, but at least like, I'm not talking about like being like out there, but at least, like, be able to talk to people. Like, I'm trying to tell them to my 15-year-old brother because he doesn't lot like people. Like, for like he likes to, for example, take the, the first wagon in the front because there's less people in it. And I'm trying to tell him, like, it's okay. Like, you have the right to not be with many people. But at the same time, Take in consideration that once you're going to start working, the jobs you're going to be affected to will be with people. Because when you start working in life, you're always in a job like this, like in Kushtar, McDonald's or stuff, when you're in front of people. So you need to be able to develop yourself so that you can able to gain experience and knowledge from that and to use that and get elsewhere. I'm trying to use that. I mean, I agree with you. I just think that it, it's a lot of both ways. I think there's a lot more young people looking for it than you would think and a lot less accessibility to the mentorship than there should be. And I think that's, that's something that I really, and I, I'm, that's why I bring it up like that. Cause I want to put the blame on us more than them. I would rather do that. Cause I think not you and I per se, I'm actively trying to work on this. I believe you are as well. I believe there are many others also like even action man was like really big on that shit. Like he has all these young mm -hmm. people he's fucking with. Like there's a bunch of people that are getting this. Like, yo, these young people need us, us, and especially those of us without kids. I don't have kids. I really should be like fucking around with people and you know, doing what I can. Cause I will procreate hopefully then it's over <laughs> and then i have to deal with them that's three years gone just like that so i know that that timeline's right there that's three years where that kid comes first no matter who you are it is what it is um i don't know man i just i think that like and i, I know that i'm not even the only person having these chats right now i know 504 online mix is doing their thing i know a few other people are doing their things on the english side at least so the fact that there's such an interest in English media existing, you know, it's positive. 
I've seen all these like little promo groups and shit appearing on Instagram. And you know what? I've seen a lot of people just decide to come back to hip hop, you know, like a lot of OGs. So if you got this wave of people ranging from like 13 to like 50 in your city rapping right now, and everybody's all kind of trying to do the same thing, that's good. Everybody's going to stumble for a while, but it, it really is the budding of this like decade of awesome to me. It's just that it's hard to see it unless you're in one of those positions in life where you just happen to talk to a large number of people on a regular basis that are completely telling you their life stories and mission statements. I think that has a lot to do with, for, for our locality, with the fact that a lot of American OGs came back this year. Mm, I think that, that has is... a lot to do with it. Because I, I look say at... Griselda and Royce did a lot prior to that, too. But see, I'm talking, when I say the last year, I'm Griselda's include, for example, Kanesar. I don't know if you know Kanesar. Oh, you mean Kanesar? like like local OGs? Yes. Okay, okay. I'm talking about let's say Kanesar is probably it. He, this album was the most anticipated anticipated on franchise for the last like ten years. Like he's an OG from way back, gangster rapper, and he was on Music Plus heavy back in the days. And he got he got uh, removed from Music Plus because he was heavily involved in criminal activities. And this guy was a OG, was a very good rapper. He just signed with Joyride Record and he dropped an album. And he literally said, Griselda made me want to rap. Mm -hmm. Literally. This is crazy to me because this is all I listen to. Like, I'm really into, like... East Buffalo, like, not East Buffalo, but Buffalo, like, yeah. um, upstate New York and that, all of that. Like, pretty. I'm really into that. So, I was happy to hear mm. OG. So, let's talk about rap. hard. You want to talk about hard versus easy? I talked to a guy who grew up in East Buffalo or Buffalo. Bullets flying is such a regular thing that the doot, 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 doot isn't even hyperbolic in their childhood. That's an easy versus hard metric that I compare against in terms of living. Mm -hmm for the record life is easier now for a lot more people even though it's still hard for a lot of people of course here at least of course that, no, no that that's a fact huh? just to like give you a context for where my brain is at when i think easy versus hard because actually that talking to a guy in buffalo he's telling me this story like they're fucking shooting hoops in a building they hear gunshots they're playing the game of 21 they were very close to the end and after the gunshots go off, they were very close by. They just finished the game up because it was so normal. And I'm like, wow, that is, wow, you know? Imagine that's that normal. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, yeah, we, kinda, we can't make music that sounds like that here to me. Because we don't come from that kind of, but not all of us. I know that there are. That's what I was about to say. Maybe not you, maybe not me, maybe not a lot of people. But a few people are, and Kanye Sire is definitely but, one of them. So what I would go with is that it's really just a few people. Yeah, Not most of Montreal. And that's the thing, it's not most of Montreal. Which means it's probably not going to be Montreal's core sound on the English side. At least on the English side, because I don't know shit all about the French side. Yeah, but on the English side, there's Magnum, there's Blicky, there's... No, dude, on the English side, there's like, that's like... Blicky's in Toronto. He's not even here anymore. 
Magnum, yes. I know. And I can list you like the 15 other guys. And that was the drop in the bucket that unlocked a fucking waterfall of rappers that are now so many people, dude, that speak English here at rap that I'm confidently putting the number over 2,000. So there's that many rappers here. Okay. And most of them are like. They're all kind of more like me than not, regardless of how they want to put themselves on rhymes in terms of like, yo, we went to work and shit. <laughs> okay, like, this is most of the rappers I know. And I'm saying I know that many rappers that like, nah, I'd put money down that most of the rappers are people who grew up on YouTube like me fucking studying yellow, like rap and even shit like Yellow Wolf and crap. You know why? Because it's Quebec. <laughs> okay, like. Let's be fucking honest about where we live a bit demographically. So, like, Thanks. come on. Thanks, man. Most people live in fucking suburban houses or apartments. Our welfare is good enough. Okay, like, I don't want to go too deep on that. But, like, I could go pretty deep on that subject for a while. For another time, because now it's midnight. Yeah, I really have to. Like, already. I'm, I'm out, my man. It's killing me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I really have to go. But yeah, thank you. Let me just wrap it up real quick. Thank you all for watching, everyone. Appreciate y'all for real. It's amazing for those that did stick it around. I know most of you are gone at this point. Fair enough. For all you watching in the future, it's super fucking wonderful that you stick it around this far. It's be like five fucking hours or some crap. Ismail says great interview. It's in his top five, and that's pretty fucking late because I know Ismail likes to like you know not be up all night and shit. Um, I think I'm just assuming a bit. Uh, still, this was a great interview. I think we talked a little about a lot of real shit, and I'm okay running a five-hour interview if we're gonna talk about real shit because I can use that to better understand shit. I definitely feel like you understand old Montreal, and I'm totally fucking middle childing that shit on you to represent that new Montreal, and that's an amazing and beautiful thing for me. So thank you for letting us do that. Whoever watches it, watches it. Whatever they think, put that in those comments. Like, subscribe, follow. Special thanks to the patrons. It's Milgit, Amsi, Chris Power, Jonathan Barnes, DJ Black, Kirk, and Linda Williams, Scribble, and whatever their dope support we do. Patreon.com slash behind that suit. All that good shit. I don't know who the fuck I'm going to raid. Um, fuck it. We'll raid EOW. They're fucking cool people. I don't know. Oh, it's their open mic? No, there's something. They're doing something now. So we'll raid fucking EOW. There was four people watching. So we didn't do that. And yeah, live long and fucking prosper, everyone. Peace. Yeah, it'll take just about 10 more seconds and we freaking good and we off. It's the very end of it. I know it is what it is. It's awful. It's just the Twitch life. You got to raid people. It's important. <laughs>